What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar. I have been joined by the great Gurino. Make sure to follow Guru on Instagram at Rugby League Guru and Facebook and subscribe to his podcast on all good podcasting apps. Also, the great Timmy from SC Playbooks. Subscribe to all of his podcasts on all good podcasting apps or follow him on Instagram, SC Playbook One on Instagram and Facebook. Tonight, 6 p.m., Bloke jerseys are dropping at www.bloke.shop. Be there, limited amount. Once they're gone, we will not order more in for a minimum another year, if at all. We may do a new design. So be there for the OG bloke jerseys. If you order Express, you will get them before, or you should get them before Magic Round because we're going to pack them Tuesday morning. Express post is usually next day. So either Wednesday or Thursday, they will arrive. So if you want to get them for a Magic Round, make sure to order Express. 6 p.m. tonight. Be there. Also, grab a case of bloke in a bar. But as usual, let's get straight into it, baby! Just a bloke in a bar. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar. A special episode because it is such a short time between this episode and the greatness of Nico Hines and the Sharkies. But before I get to that, got the great Gurino here. How you been, brother? I'm good, mate. Had a big week this week. Girlfriend's birthday, mum's birthday, Mother's Day. I can tell you, you'd be a real mum's boy, I reckon. Yeah. Shocking week <laughs> to be a did you go? Did you go over there and like get cuddled in her arms and of be course. like, take me back to the old days, mum? You're mom. lucky to have me there. What about you, uh, big fella? Yeah, mate, down to the, the nation's capital on Friday night to watch the Rage resurrect their season. So <laughs> back, in the, uh, back in the top four, Hunter, after that big win over the Dogs. So, nah, mate, uh, good to see them get a win up, though, and good to be back on. Mate, uh, yeah, what a weekend of footy. What a weekend of footy. It was uh, a few teams are looking – a few teams that out of the eight last year that looked no chance are in the eight. And then a few teams where you thought, surely they'll bounce back this year going, what is actually doing? But before we get there – uh, bloke jerseys dropping this tonight, 6 p.m. 6 p.m. tonight. So be there or be square because they will most likely sell out. So I would be there. There's a limited amount as well. So once they're gone, it'll be minimum 12 months before we get another lot in because they take so long to get done. I'm currently wearing a large. So this, they're a little bit oversized. They're a little bit oversized. I could fit into a medium. So if you are normally, you know, if you like it a bit tighter, I would say go a size down. Um, but obviously up to you. But they're, they're slightly oversized. Slightly oversized. What do you got there, Guru? If you're packing into the front row with me, I think I've got a 3XL. <laughs> so we're selling 3XL. Yeah. What have you got? Um, uh, I got large, but I, I kind of like it a bit looser. You like it baggier? Yeah. But what do you, what, so you could fit a medium? Though. I could easily fit a medium. Easy I could probably fit a small, to be honest. But, okay, but so I'm they're, they're a right little now. bit oversized, just so you know that when, you, when you're um, buying. Um, but they're high quality, great comfortable, limited amount. So be there 6 p.m. tonight. You go www.bloke.shop. Be ready, set your alarms, because they're going to go quick, guys. The response we've gotten has actually been way more than I thought. So if you want the jersey, be there. Also, if you, if you order via Express... You will get them before Friday, before Magic Round. So order Express to get them before Friday. Hopefully, we will pack them on Tuesday morning. So if they're Express, they should be there by Wednesday or Thursday, but we can't control what Ozpurse does. But we will be packing them on Tuesday morning. So they should be there. Uh, so grab a bloke jersey. They're super comfy. I wear mine all the time. Also, we are in every single celebrations Bottle O, Porter's Liquor, and IGA Plus Liquor across New South Wales and ACT. That is right. It is official. So 
we we got named official like I don't know a month or two ago, but due to all the floods and that, uh, the 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 beer like the logistics of it was really hard to get all the beer out into those stores. But now we are officially in all those stores. On top of that, we're in their uh, their catalogue. I think so. It's discounted. I think to like fifty three dollars. So that's fifty three dollars discounted down from fifty nine ninety five. So and that's across all of those stores. I'm pretty sure at the very least it's across celebrations. But you know it's on special across all those stores. As I said to you last time, guys. If you go and support the beer and get into these stores, IJ Plus Liquor, Porter's Liquor, Bottle O, and celebrations across New South Wales and ACT, if we go really well, they put us across the whole country in all of those stores, and it takes the beer to a whole new level, which takes the sporting network to a whole new level. It would be massive, massive for the sports network if we do that. It will cha- it'll just change everything. So get in there, support the beer. Uh, also, the stores in Spotlight, Great Northern Hotel, Chatswood, Federal Hotel Mudgy, Royal Hotel Orange, BYO Sellers Forster, Faster. Is that Faster? Foster. Foster. Um, F O R. Is that how it's spelled? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird spelling. Oh, okay, yeah. Foster. Uh, <laughs> Super Barn Express Red Hill, Heathcote Sellers, Rocklear Hotel Drive, Cooley Liquor, Club Hotel Roma, Star Liquor Raceview, Courtyard Esplanade Cairns, it's on tap, and uh, N17 Burger Co. Port Douglas, it's on tap. Now, uh, huge news dropping over the weekend, boys. Kieran Foran signs with the Titans. I have my own thoughts on this. You boys have your thoughts on this. It's going to be interesting to see if we can meet in the middle. What do you think about this, Gurina? Yeah, I think the Titans, they need an experienced head like Foran, but if, if the price tag is accurate, which fuck knows if it is, but if it is, I don't know. I mean, I, I look at Foz and I think he's playing really good footy at the moment. But I remember when Foz left Manly, I thought he's playing really good footy at the moment. I don't know. Foran, it sounds crazy, but I just wonder if he's as good a footballer if he's not at Manly. Mm. It's a bizarre little one. I think they need an experienced head. I don't know how many other guys are off contract that are out there at the moment. So Foz might be the guy they need. But um, does it seem like a bit of a knee jerk? from where they were heading at the start of the season, mm. backing in. Uh. Yeah, I think it's a great signing footy-wise. I think financially speaking, as you said, if the tag is what it's being reported, I think it's absurd. Like, this is a bloke who I think last season was the first time in years that he played over 15 games of footy. So, But, I mean, we spoke last week about getting about how much the Titans have invested in Toby Sexton for their future and how he needs an experienced half to go in there and you know teach him the ropes, show him how to become a week-in, week-out NRL footballer and what that entails. I think Foz is the perfect player for that. Even on the field, I think he's a perfect foil for Toby Sexton to take a bit of pressure off. Um, but as I said, with his injury history, at his age, uh, the money, I think, is a big, big investment. Big investment? What do you reckon, Matty? Um, I think... As you said, footy-wise, like I think they, they really need it. But at the start of the year or the start of preseason, they put all their eggs in the basket of Brimson, 5'8", Campbell, fullback, Sexton, halfbacks. I'm, I'm wondering what that will do to that. Obviously, he's going to play six, so um, you'd, you'd assume AJ Brimson's going to be fullback. So what does that mean for Jaden Campbell? Um, it took me by surprise a little bit. I actually, you know, basing this off absolutely nothing, just thought he'd stay at Manly. So, um, yeah, kind of took me by surprise. But I, I, I think it's good. I don't really know anything... I didn't read much about the figures or anything, but aside from that, footy-wise, I think it's good for the Gold Coast. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I understand the initial reaction of like 750k for a bloke that you know did struggle with injury and rah rah. Uh, also, I can understand the context of like, hang on a sec, you had Fogarty there for way cheaper. <laughs> yep. You got rid of him, and now you're paying you know 750 reportedly uh, to Kieran Foran. I would say I would be confident there would be clauses in that contract 
to say if you don't play X amount of games. Mm. I think 750 would be is like the max amount of what he can earn. Mm. Because let's say he does play two years and doesn't get injured or he plays 20 games each year. You'd say he's worth 750K a year in the current climate. Yep. Pretty much for what, the way he's playing now. Another thing that I think people, you, when you look at the 750K, you're just looking at that figure and you're not realising the context around it. And so the Titans, when they look at their salary cap, they've got to spend that money anyway. And so when you look at the market, you go, yes, okay, is it a risk? Maybe it is a risk, but do we want to not get a guy like Kieran Foran and then not spend the money? You have to spend the money, otherwise you're an idiot. And so you look on the market and you go, who else is out there that could even come close to Kieran Foran when it comes to skill set, experience? On top of all that, let's say uh, he doesn't play the games and there's a clause in there that you know he only gets paid 500K or whatever. I think that his off-field teachings to Sexton would, you know, not it wouldn't be worth it because like he's not playing first grade and you're paying him 500k. But at the very least, you've got one of the best sixes or sevens uh, in the last ten or so years when he's playing good footy. So I actually think, even though I think the way the Titans got to this decision, I think it was, you know, that must something else must have happened with the Fogarty Titans thing. It makes no sense that they you know, allowed Fogarty to go because clearly they've got money in the cap. Mm. So clearly wasn't a money thing. Fogarty would have been on nowhere near 750K. So I actually think it's a great signing from the Titans. And as you said, you know, Foz, he's been one of the best over the last 10, 15 years. Even when he's not at his best, I think it's only injuries that are holding him back. Absolutely. So he does have a lot to pass on. And, you know, we, we, we were saying it last week when they played the Panthers. We were saying, geez, look at Nathan Cleary on the other side of the field. He had James Maloney next to him. Now he's going to have falls there. Hopefully it works out for them. I just, I, I do wonder, you know, as you said, all eggs in, in the same basket at the start of the year, we get nine rounds in. Is it a bit of a panicked sort of signing? It's or? absolutely reactionary. Yeah. Because, yeah. because I, again, I just keep going back to it. And we were, so when they got rid of Fogarty, we were going, what is going on at the Titans? Yep. Something like, I cannot for the life of me understand how they allowed that to happen unless there's more to the story that we just don't know about. What do you think, Timmy? Yeah, I, I said, the Fogarty thing still makes no sense to me, a bit like you fellas and that. Um, I just, looking particularly at what he's going to bring to them on field, we know what he can do in attack. We know he'll, he'll provide the direction uh, that the Titans have been looking for for a fair while now. I love just the fact that, provided he can string games together, the defensive assurity that he'll bring to an edge. Mm. The Titans defensively have been so poor for a number of years now. Mm. Foz is arguably the best half defender in the competition uh, and I know he's only one little piece of that defensive puzzle but far out he'll help them in defence uh, as well as what we know we're doing attack yep. so I can't wait for it. I'm so excited to see it and I want nothing more than to see him string a full season together. Yeah absolutely um, and also the standards that he's going to bring into training because what reflects in the Titans is a young squad that doesn't have an old head going boys fucking pull your heads in you need to do this this uh, and the Broncos struggle with it two or two Two or three years ago, look how different the Broncos are mm-hmm. with an Adam Reynolds in their side and a Kurt Catewell. Like they, they actually show a bunch of grit. Look at the Sharks. Dale Finucane comes in. Even when he's not playing, they're a different squad. Uh, and last night we saw, like, is it a surprise that a Sharks side with McInnes and Finucane create history in one of the games where you need some of the mentally toughest people on the park? Anyway, we'll get to that. Um, so, look, I think that... This is a great signing for the Titans. I really do. I, I'm just going to assume... Because the thing is, we have to just assume he's going to play most games because every player can get injured. And I understand the history of it. I totally get that, you know, 
he hadn't strung some games together with the doggies, was injured. But he has played essentially two full, not essentially, a, se- a season and a half, and it looks like he's going to keep playing. On top of all that, how often does a, a half of his calibre come on the market? You know, it's very rare. So yeah. the Titans have, I think they've taken this opportunity. What do you see this doing for the development of Toby Sexton? Oh, mass, like crazy. You, you almost couldn't ask for a better uh, half to come and teach him because... He's been through everything, yep. Warren. He has seen everything. He's seen the tippity top, winning premierships, you're the next big thing, to the lowest of the low, a fan base that's off him. He's on a big contract. He has to leave. Like, he has seen everything. He's seen everything on the field. He's seen injuries. So, honestly, out of all the halves in the game right now, he's probably the best man to be taught by. Even, even like maybe even better than DCE because DCE hasn't had to go through all the... I mean, he's been through negative stuff. Don't get me wrong, like the Titan situation, rah, rah. DCE, DCE has struggled through things, but I feel like the array of things Foreign has been through, I don't think any half in the game right now has experienced what he's experienced. Oh, I think DCE has always been cuddled to some extent by Manly too. Because he's so good, yeah. He's so good, whereas Foreign, you know, he's been left out to dry a couple of times in my opinion. Um, what does it do for Jaden Campbell? This is interesting. I was going to leave a comment in response to someone who wrote that exact thing. I actually think, now people said, what does this do for Brimo and Campbell? But I actually think that it will be Sexton and Campbell competing for a spot. And what I mean by that is, is Brimo may go to six, Foran may go to seven, Sexton may apply his tri- trade back in Q Cup for another year or two, and then Campbell may be fullback. So I actually don't, I, Brimo's a lock-in in that side. I think we, we've, we can all agree that he is an absolute lock. Every time they play, even if they're getting tailed up, he's one of their best players. And so I actually think that it'll be Sexton fighting for his position. Sexton and Campbell will be fighting that position. Because I, I can see Foran as a seven. I think he's mm. definitely got what it takes to be a seven. Uh, we saw at the Bulldogs when he wasn't injured. He, he basically uh, led the team around. So I think it would be more maybe Titans have said, look, we hope that it's going to be Foran and Sexton. But if it's not, Sexton takes a year in Q Cup. Applies his trade. He's still only under 20 at the moment. Mm. 19? 20, I think he's 21. He's 21. So he's still young yeah, as anything. Yeah. Got plenty of time. Uh, I do think they do miss Campbell a bit, though. I well, really do. I'll just add, I, like, as I was getting ready for the show last night and I was thinking about the foreign signing, I thought, oh, I wonder how Campbell went this week in reserve grade. They had the bye and they still yeah. didn't pick him. So he didn't play rugby league. Crazy. And the week before, weekend. though, he killed it. He brained it, yeah. But I thought, I thought it was interesting that. And you know what? Granted, the Titans have put up a really good fight against Penrith the week before. So I understand. You know, sticking with that side. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if he comes in this week now. What I'm not getting with the Campbell situation is your defence hasn't gotten better. Like that, you know, the only reason you would drop Campbell is defence, in my opinion. Uh, because attacking wise, he's one of the, literally one of the best fullbacks in the comp. So, what, what are your thoughts about the Campbell situation of the Titans? Uh, look, as I think we mentioned last week, I'd definitely have him in there. And, and looking forward, keeping in contest with, with Foz going out there. It bodes pretty poorly for Campbell, let's be realistic. They've, they've invested their future in Toby Sexton, at least for the time being. We know how quickly that can change. But Brimo's great at 5'8", but I think he plays his best footy at fullback. So you'd think they'd be looking at Foz and Sexton in the halves, Brimo at fullback. But they do have options, and, and that's a good thing for the club. That they'll, have, they'll have some quality depth there. Next season... How good will it be for Sexton to have, instead of this year where he's got Will Kennedy, who's a utility off the bench, who's probably played most of his footy at fullback, playing in the halves with him. So Sexton's going at 20, 21 years old. Shit, I've got to run the show here. I've got to get this team around the park. Um, and he's still developing. Uh, then you'll have AJ Brimson in the halves with him. Again, primarily a fullback. Sexton doing everything. Next year, he'll have Foz there, just going, all right, you can be the dominant playmaker. You can get us around the park. You can lead this side around the park. 
Sexton, the pressure off his shoulders, uh, another year older by then as well. I think it can unlock Sexton and it'll just be perfect for his development. So in the Campbell situation, you'd be sitting there going, well, they're not picking me now. If Foz comes up next year, where's the spot for me? So Yeah, oh, I, mean, I totally agree. I totally agree in, in the, the sense that like Campbell's situation becomes even more like, okay, what was happening here? Mm. Which is crazy to think. I will say, and I, I feel like I say this every time, if I'm the Broncos, I'm ringing straight mm. away. Go on, mate. We need a like you know Tessie New. I, I think Tessie New is a good fullback, but I think he's probably more suited to centre. I, I like him in centre. He's a good, strong body, solid in defence. Jaden Campbell at the back there with Reynolds, and you put uh, uh, Martin in the um, Tomato Martin in the six. I don't mind that. Mm. I don't mind that. Selwyn Cobo, give him an extra year at fullback. Maybe move him to centre eventually, and you just compete. You just got com- compete between Campbell and if you have that much strike power in your back. I don't mind it. Is there any other clubs that you would oh, think? It'd be a pretty cool narrative if, you know, Preston Campbell wears the one in the first game for the Titans and Jaden wears the one first game for the Dolphins. Yeah, okay. Interesting. The Dolphins. I like that. <laughs> That's interesting. I love a narrative. That'd be <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get, let's get the narrative counter in the corner here. It'll be a thousand by the end of it. Uh, that's an interesting one because then you could say, if you are the Dolphins and you go, look, Reese Walsh, he's a gun. He's a gun, but he's going to be way more expensive than Jaden Campbell. Maybe we, we ring Kate Campbell and say, mate, we need a fullback. You put Osaka on the wing because Osaka wouldn't be on big coin. You get Campbell up there and you say, mate, it's your jersey to lose. I don't mind it. What do you think about that? If they don't get, let's say they are having a look at Campbell, hypothetically, if they do have a look at Campbell, Walsh just for so many different reasons has to be their number one target as the marquee player, you know, as the face of the club going forward. And you mentioned before about cap space and how they've got money to spend. Geez, the Dolphins have got money to spend. So even if they do pay Walsh overs, if they can get into the club, uh, I think it'd be worth doing. Look, I think Walsh mentioned that he, he's, his ambitions are to stay with the Warriors and keep playing with them next season. But I'd be throwing everything I could at Reese Walsh after missing Ponga. But, as I said, if they do miss Walsh and Jaden Campbell, why not? Yep. See, I go the other way. I go, give Munster a bit extra, bump him up to 1.4 mm. or 5, get him to the club, and then the money that you save on getting Campbell... Because like, I don't think they can get Walsh and Munster, whereas I think they could get Campbell and Munster. Mm. And, and a Campbell and Munster, I, I believe, is just as dangerous as a Walsh and Munster. Uh, so... Interesting times, man. Uh, to think Campbell is going to be more pressure on his sport. Like, I thought he was a lock-in. Yep. He was so good. I thought even he was good at the start of this season. So, really interesting to see that develop. Uh, I wonder how long – can you check how long they've got Campbell signed for? Um, I mean, they're, they're not against letting go <laughs> letting golf players early. That, they let go of Fogarty early. Uh, but the whole picture, you have to spend that money anyway. 2024. <laughs> okay, so, wow. So, we can't even talk oh, – no. This November. It's interesting. I wonder what's going to happen with there because he's too good to be playing reserve grade. I mean, maybe he has to just cop it. He has to just cop it. Because if I'm Titans, I'm going, mate, but you're staying. Like, yeah. I'm, if we need a guy like you to come in, and if you come in and kill it, then we keep, you keep your spot. Um, yeah, so look, in, interesting times. All in all, I think Kieran Foran is an absolutely fantastic signing. I think that I understand people's reservations with a 750k, but I, I think Titans would be crazy to not have some kind of clauses in there to say, mm. if you don't play over 15 games or whatever, it drops you know, down to X amount of dollars, 
whatever it is. Uh, if they don't, even if they don't, I can understand because how often does a half of his calibre come on the market? And you look at the the experienced halves this year and what they've done to clubs. Look at the Broncos. Look at the Cowboys. Yeah. Like the yeah. list goes on and on, you know. Exactly, so, exactly. Such an interesting one with the, the clauses in contract around injuries and whatnot because you think in a perfect world, yeah, there would be for someone like Foz, back end of his career, a lot of injuries in the past, but I just I can't see Foz signing a contract with a – if you get injured, you get in 250K – K a year less when like another club might say you know we'll give you five or six hundred K irrelevant of how many games you play yeah um, like do you think there are clauses in contracts surrounding injuries and in games played in the NRL these days or not I, I reckon it's something to be spoken about I do know there's there's clauses in contracts of like if you play X amount of first grade you get this bonus and stuff like that yeah but yeah often for like the lower tier players yeah yep. yeah and, uh, and so yeah, again, I'm just spitballing here and mm. I'm just going on for what I would go into negotiations mm. with, with Foz because you just have to future-proof yourself. And, and maybe you make it a reasonable amount, like it's he just has to play, you know, 14 games in the season or whatever. Or maybe it's not a huge cut. It's only, you know, there's like different stages. If, it's, if he plays, you know, 14, he gets like less than 14, he loses 100K or something along mm. those lines. But uh, in saying that, you know, maybe... The reason why Foz signed is because it doesn't have any of that in it. He's and he's sitting there going. The, the difference is, I think, I think Manly really could only offer him minimum. It, j- just on Manly, <coughs> do we link this at all to the Schuster? I think it's last week. I think it's purely end of his career money. Yeah. I think Manly truly can't offer him more than pretty much minimum because you think about it. You got DCE on a million or one point two. You got Tom Travoyevich on a million. You've got uh, Jake Travoyevich on about seven hundred k. Like, where do you get your money from? Yeah. And then you got Schuster, who's going to, you know, I just, I don't know. I honestly think that they basically just didn't have the money. And also, you got to remember, when they signed Foran, it wasn't a part of some long-term plan. It was, oh, shit, Foran's on the market. Yeah, he's available. He's available. Yeah. Let's give him minimum, get him home, get him playing well. So I just don't think they've got the money in the cap. So some people are going to link it to Schuster. I disagree. I don't think it has to do anything to do with Schuster and everything to do with, he got off at 750K reportedly from a Titan side, go live up on the Gold Coast, end your career there. How yeah, good. Yeah, beautiful. And I mean, it's worked out incredibly. Like, when Manly signed him, as you said, he, he was available. But like, I reckon it's worked out better than what they could have imagined. Oh, massively. Massively. Now, what does it mean for Manly, though? I think that the, the concern, not the concern, because he, well, it is a concern. The concern is, is the, the pressure on Schuster now is fucking through the roof. Through the roof. Like, because it's one thing for a player to be, you know, I guess we're not going to re-sign you because, you know, we've got money in the cap, we just don't think you're worth it. And then him being upset and going, all right, well, I'm out of here, to, you know, basically, I assume offering him quite low because this next guy's coming through. And so when fans are going to look and go, we just lost foreign, we need you to deliver. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure, mm. yeah. Um, I'd like to think the kid's talented enough, especially with the DCE next to him. Yep. I, I think he will be okay. But, I mean, if we get to halfway through next year and Manly are struggling... Yeah, fans will, they will they'll let him know very quickly. Yeah, what do you reckon, Timmy? He'll be fine, mate. He's yeah. a gun. Uh, they have options. The guru nailed it. He's got DC next to him, one of the most experienced halves in the competition. Still the kangaroos half. Uh, he's a gun. Yeah, you know, I think he'll excel in that position. I have zero doubts over it. At the end of the day, if he does move to five eight, it doesn't eventuate as they sort of have have the expectations for him to kill it there. There's nothing to stop him going back to the back row, and there'll, there'll be other halves options, so it'll yeah. be fine. They've got Weeks, they've got Fainu coming through. Yeah. What do you reckon, Matty? Yeah, I was just going to touch on the other halves. I think Schuster will go to six. They might 
blood weeks later in the year and make him 14 next year because I think Walker's Dylan Walker's gone to the Warriors next year so that's their 14 gone um, and if it doesn't work out they, they could just blood him or I don't know Fainu's probably not ready next year but yep. they could just blood, blood oh, weeks. I, I think, think that'll be fine. that um, Cade Cust has also got a thing in his contract that he can come back really? to oh, Manly essentially whenever he wants so. yeah he can't he sign with another club until his contracts see that's done. why like with the foreign thing there are strange clauses in contracts mm. like and that's where I think maybe the Titans have gone and, and Foran's just backed himself and just mm. gone, you know, yeah, I can play that many games. I'm going to back myself. Uh, Schuster, I, I agree. I, I'm just posing the question, but I think he will eat that pressure up. Yeah. He doesn't seem like a player that's going to struggle under pressure. Um, matter of fact, he's almost sometimes too confident. Like some of the players he For makes sure. is like, just hold, just hold it, uh, you know, hold the ball one more set and then try that maybe – few sets down the line. With, with a guy like him, obviously, you know, Brad Fittler spoke last year that he was very close to picking him in the Origin Arena. Do you think him paying, playing six, could that sort of stall him as far as a rep career oh, goes? Or, or are you happy, you know what he can do in the second row, you can pick him out of position? I actually think it, it may help him because you can put him on the bench then yeah. and yeah. be safeguarded. Like, we know he can play six. We know his big body can play edge. I think the edge back row for New South Wales is just as competitive, maybe even more competitive than the six, and six role for New South Wales. Like when you think about how many guns New South Wales have in that back row, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Like whereas, like I can see a world where six definitely helps him rather than hurts him. Okay. Um, because does anyone doubt that he can play on the edge? Like mm. he, he just can. Whereas, like I would doubt at the moment can he play six in the big occasions? Uh, maybe, maybe not. But I think him playing there week in week out. I, I think he's going to play very similarly to what he plays at the moment, if yeah. I'm being square, honest. I think he's just going to bring his play 10 metres infield, really. That's the yeah. only difference to the way he's going to play. Because he's, he's not really a, 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 a back roll that hits in lines or, or anything like that, really. He's, an, he's a back roll that creates opportunity for yeah. other people. Early ball back roll. Yeah. Yep. So interesting times. It's, I think, look, best for both worlds in the sense that um, – the, you know, Manly no longer have to worry about having their best young superstar upset. And the Titans get one of the best halves in the competition that's playing great footy and has been injury-free now for a year and a half. So win-win, win-win. Uh, because after the weekend watching the Titans, man, we, we always expected this with youth. Yeah. But I think it's, it's really driven home. That Fogarty letting go, for whatever reason, whoever's fault it was, whether it was Fogarty's, whether it was Titans, uh, has really come back to bite them, I think. And I mean, like, you have a look at that game on the weekend. I think it was 24-16 with 20 minutes to go. Roosters won the last 20 minutes, 20-0. Yeah. And they're your, they're your, your championship minutes where your experience halves. Well, look at the Raiders. Yep. We talked about that experience. They bring them into key positions. The Raiders get home yep. uh, when usually they fade out. So, yeah, look, great time. I'm, I'm, you know what I'm stoked for for him? This bloke yep. has been through the ringer. Mm. He has been through everything. To If you said 24 months ago, Foran is going to be a marquee signing for a club, I would have said, you are kidding yourself. <laughs> yeah. His body, he's, he's been way too tough for his own good. Uh, I just cannot see how he's going to get his body in good enough nick to be able to get through a whole season. Fast forward today, yeah. mate. He And you know what? That's another reason why you'll sign a guy like him because his mental toughness is up there with the likes of Dale Finuke and McInnes. Yeah, and I think with Foz too, it's underrated. Like, he, he changed the game in his own little way. He mm. was the first real ball player to really dig deep into the line. Mate. Like, he set a prototype for the guys like Mick Morgan followed. You see Luke Keary do it. Like, 
he, he changed the game in his own little way mm. and because he was too tough for his own good yeah. I think we sort of forgot how much he changed the game in mm. those three or four years of Manly yeah, absolutely absolutely so massive congratulations to Foz absolute legend of a bloke too he's got the most Aussie accent ever for a Kiwi <laughs> <laughs> which I love I love that shit I mean to be honest we're, it's all we're all brothers brothers in arms um, that's what I love about the New Zealand Australian relationship like we put shit on each other constantly, like back and forth. But if any other country put shit on New Zealand, we would be like, fuck off, guys. That's, they're our boys. They're our boys. But we constantly put shit on them, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, and vice versa. Like if anyone, I, I'm assuming New Zealand, if anyone put shit on us, New Zealand people would be like, fuck off, they're our mates. It's funny how like, even like with your own mates, you put shit on them. But like if someone else does, you're yeah. like, bruh, fuck off. <laughs> uh, so yeah, great stuff for Foz Dog. Um, now let's get to... A quick little stat deep dive. Yeah, a really quick one. I had a look at um, receipts. So a receipt in rugby league is essentially every time you touch the ball. So dummy halves, hookers, they tend to dominate the, the amount of receipts they have every time they touch it. So if I'm dummy half, I give it to Timmy, he offloads back to me. That's two receipts for me, yeah. So it's every single time you touch the ball. Had a look at every single team, the amount of receipts they have. Teams average about 380 to about 430 uh, per game. Some teams are a little bit lower, but they all sort of fit into that category. And I won't go through each of them, but just for a bit of context. So the Cowboys and the Eels doing very well this season. They score a try every 101 receipts, yeah? So every 101 touches of the football um, by, by their players, they score a try. Penrith, they do it every 93 touches. Melbourne do it every 60. Every 60 touches of the football, they score a try. Every 44 touches of the ball, they make an error. So you think about how easy it is to make an error, Yeah. how hard it is to score a try. It is unbelievable. And on top of that, I reckon if you took those stats for the last four games, it would be even less because we've got to remember, start of the season, that Storm had a yep. bunch of errors. A yeah, bunch of errors. It's crazy. And I mean, you look at the Melbourne Storm, they average 400 receipts per game. Let's take Canterbury, for example. They average 390. They score a try every 206 receipts. Yeah, wow. Melbourne wow. is scoring one every 60. And, um, and to show you how interesting these stats are and how important they are, like I, I think as rugby league purists, you hate to get too statty because yep. it doesn't feel like a part of the game. It, do, it doesn't feel about the game that you love. But the harsh reality is stats are so important. These kind of stats. And what was interesting, I had Scotty Drinkwater on the captain's run with Cam Smith, uh, which is every Thursday, 9 to 12, guys, on SEN's uh, app. But he said that they sat down before their preseason and they looked at how many Penrith, how many times Penrith defended their line before someone could score, like how many plays. And it was something like, I don't know. 24. 24. And then they looked at the Cowboys and it was like six or something. And so they all sat down. And so the Cowboys, from that stat, those stats, literally they're tack tackling every day of the preseason. And just want to drive home your point. Like, these stats matter and show a story. And we said last week, the Cowboys, they've improved by 19 points yeah. in defense this season. Wow. Um, Matty, for the, for, for the Bunnies, they're the team that they make the most errors in the competition at the moment. So the Bunnies are making one error every 29 touches of the ball. Uh, what I do like about stats when they suit me um, is they make us <laughs> not sound like when we say, oh, they've got to work on their ball handling, yep. people might be like, man, what the fuck do you know? But like when the stats show it, it's like, well, you know, we'd, we, yep. we actually watch the games. We, we and know mate, like the, the, the Brisbane Broncos, so I mean, the Melbourne Storm, they make an error every 44 receipts. Brisbane are only 42. Yeah, wow. 
So not bad. They're scoring a try every 127 receipts, which compared to Melbourne is pretty average. But yeah. compared to the rest of the comp, uh, that's actually pretty decent. But um, yeah, Brisbane just had those two shit games. Yep. If you take those games out of their season, you're going, fuck, this is a great, great, like far exceeding expectations. Mate, every, every week that you win, I sit there and I'm like, oh, this superstar didn't have a huge game. This yeah. superstar didn't have a huge game. Like if it all clicked, you won without, anyway, we'll get to it. But yeah, we'll get to Haas it. and Capel, I thought it was very What impressive. makes that Melbourne stat even more ridiculous is that just the fact that they play such expansive footy these days. Yeah. Like, we saw it over the weekend in particular against the Dragons. They were just fanging it from side to side, coming off their own line, weren't they? So they're doing this week in, week out, like for 80 minutes of a game, and they're still only can, like in the air every 44 touches. Like Ridiculous. Oh, it's, what's crazy with the Storm too is we still have in our minds that they are a grindy footy side that's high completion, defend really well. No, no, they're the most flashy, flary side in the NRL, and it has been that way for a minimum two years. Like they are... If any other team was playing that style of footy, they would be being celebrated for this is the new way of rugby league, how exciting, getting the ball from side to side. And it's kind of how we're talking about the Sharks. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But because the Storm are known to be so ruthless, we don't actually give them enough appreciation for. And I think, and I've said this multiple times before, I, what I loved about their win in 2020 is it said – a lot of people for nearly a decade, maybe longer, were like, the only reason Storm win is because they're the best at wrestling and they hold us down for too long, rah, rah. The first year that the wrestle pretty much just gets annihilated, they win the comp. And so it shows you they don't win because of any specific idea that they may come up with. They win because they have the highest standards and they meet those standards. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter what kind of footy we ever adapted to, the Storm, this current version of the Storm, would be one of the best teams because it's not about the specific thing. It's about the standards that they have across the board. Um, So, yeah, great stat there. Just to drive that in, Melbourne – like if you're playing them and you defend them for three more sets than every other team between tries, you've got them equaled up with Penrith. Yeah, the second best. So you basically, have to defend three more sets. Well, you know what? That's perfect because you look at the Eels. I'm sure if you looked at that Eels game, they probably hit that target yep. and and it gave them a chance to be in the game with Storm, even though they only just got the job done. Um, so yeah, great start there, Guru. So yeah, they're ne- they're nearly double as good as the next side. Essentially. Yeah, far out. In attack, they're they're triple summer teams. Far out. Uh, okay, now time for team of the week. This was super tough this year, this week. Fuck, this was tough because there were just so many players, especially in the outside backs that had big games. But I went Tedesco, Cobo, Talakai, Manu, Garrick, Munster, Hines, Carrigan, Grant, Paulo, Papali'i, Wilton, Tamalolo. Um, then I went Reynolds at 14, Ben Trevojevic at 15, uh, Papali'i as in uh, Josh Papali'i uh, at 16, 17 I went McGuinness, 18 I went Townsend. Fuck, you just named about four guys I want to put in my team now. <laughs> Such a good week. That's oh, what I, mean. yeah, yeah, I, I don't, tough. I don't yeah. know. You could sw- swap that whole team yeah. nearly. And you could have picked 15 Sharks players. And yeah, literally. Fair shout. Uh, I went Teddy at fullback, wingers I had Cobo and Garrick. Centers, I went Manu and Val Holmes. I went Munster at six, Nico Hines at seven. Carrigan up front with Nelson Asafa Solomona. <coughs> Harry Grant at nine. My second row was I had Isaiah Papali'i, Ben Trevojevic, Cotter at 13. Then on the bench, I had Gutho, Madison, Wilton, and Adam Reynolds. Boom. Gutho. Okay, Adam Reynolds, what did you have? 
Teddy at fullback, Cobbo, Nick Meany on the wings, centres Joey Manu and Jared Crocar, a bit of a bias call there, but stuff it. Cam Munster and Nico Hines in the halves, <laughs> Nelson Sofasola-Mona and Jay Brom in the front row, Harry Grant at hooker, IPAP and Teague Wilton I thought was sensational in the back row, Paddy Carrigan at lock, I know he was named at prop, but same shit. Bench was Tommy Turbo, DCE, Junior Paulo, and Helam Lukey, who I'm loving more and more. Lukey, mate, how good is he? He's a gun. Two games in a row where he's like swung a game's moment. Oh. Just comes on, gets through his work. Any other, anyone else that stood out for you? Uh, not particularly. The, my biggest one was um, Junior Paulo this week. He was, mate, he he was, was unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, mate, I've got so much time for Junior. Every time I need something from Junior, like, mate, can I do this right? Boom, he's there like, yeah, yep, sweet, boom, I'm there. He is such a gentle giant, it's crazy. How cute was the interview with his young kid? All I could think was, thank God I haven't had a, I don't have a kid the same age as your kid because he'd get steamrolled. I mean, that, if that isn't a mini junior, just steamrolling blokes, cutest interview ever. Um, yeah, I mean, some other guys that I had in the thing, Flegler I thought was really good, Corey Horsburgh, uh, Tarpanair, uh, Madison, Toot was massive coming back. Uh, Gutho was great. Uh, Suwali, I thought, was good. Tupo was good. Nanai had some moments. Um, Nelson, I had here as well. Uh, is this list ever going to end? My God. Yeah, well, this is just like... Uh, Brayley, I thought Brayley from the Sharks yeah. was massive. If Grant wasn't so outrageously good, yeah. Brayley would have been my nine. I thought he was so good. Think about being the nine in a team that's a, a player down... And then they lose someone in 10 they've been. So anyway, we'll get to that uh, incredible, incredible victory. Uh, now, we'll get, let's get to the, the round review. Any other big, big topics you guys want to speak about? No, I'm ready to rip into some games, I think. All right, let's, let's get into it. Okay, so the Broncos v the Rabbitohs. Oh, the Rabbitohs versus Broncos. Um, mate, I'll tell you what, <laughs> the Broncos are looking all right. Oh, you know what's crazy is they had less percent Less percentage of the ball than the Rabbitohs, and they beat them. Like, there is no I, – I don't care who you are, even the most ardent Broncos fan, you said they're going to have less percent of the ball with, without Payne Hass or Kurt Capewell. No one would have given Rabbitohs a chance, uh, Broncos a chance. Mate, there is not a single stat that points to the Broncos winning this game. Yep. It, it, it was unbelievable. Uh, I, I, I won't read them out to you, but go and have a look at it. There is honestly not a single stat that points to the Broncos winning this game. You put that into consideration with Haas out, Capewell – once again, Stags was really quiet, mm. and they're, they're just finding other ways to win. Uh, Adam Reynolds, obviously, star of the show we spoke about before, signing experienced halves, and fuck, he's been good the last month. Oh, mate. Oh, I, th I think he's actually gone to a new level yep. because, like, at the Rabbitohs, he was kind of like, you know, Cody Walker was having an incredible year and Latrell's there. Very hard to be to break out of their shadow. Whereas at the Broncos, he is the man. He, he sort of, he almost became like a role player yeah. at South Sydney. Um, now he's the main guy. He's just, he's so impressive. And we're seeing things that we, you know, we saw from Adam Reynolds when he got Rookie of the Year almost 10 years ago. We're yeah. starting to see that sort of stuff again, which is crazy at the age he's at. And the guy that we've come to know of, Adam Reynolds, is the role player in that system. I, I've been so impressed with him. Mm. What do you think about this game, Timmy? It was just a real, like, 360 full circle moment for me, watching Reynolds uh, talking about storylines and that with Adam Reynolds going to a new club, the Bunnies being in the grand final last year and just being relentless, battling this year, Broncos in the completely opposite position. We've spoken about the last couple of weeks, you know, we all love here and, and value the importance of an organising half. We can get them around the park. We've spoken about it timeless. Reynolds was the difference in this game 
uh, and what he's brought to the Broncos has just been immense. I think everyone had high expectations for him going up there, but mm. he's delivered and then some, yeah. and it's showing on the ladder, it's showing on the field. Uh, you look how unsettled the bunnies look with Cody Walk had a bit of a stinker, and Reynolds was just pulling the strings. Mm. Uh, I loved it, yeah. Yeah, look, well, you know what's crazy? is Guess where Broncos are on the ladder, guess where Rabbitohs are. Broncos are eighth, Rabbitohs are ninth. Mm. I mean, it just shows you, that's why if you can, that's why so many clubs make errors where they pay overs for a seven because if you get it right, it can change everything. And so it's it's that desperation of that position is just so crucial. You almost you almost guarantee yourself you're not going to win a premiership if you don't have a good seven. Like if you don't have a decent seven, not even premiership, you almost guarantee yourself not even finals footy. It's, it's really the only position on the field where if it's not good, you're guaranteeing yourself no finals footy. Because you look at... You look at any team that has a bad seven, that, well, not a bad seven, but a seven that's just not doing that well, they're, they're usually in the bottom eight. Like yep. it's, it's yep. really, whereas there are plenty of sides, even in the top eight, where you look at their nine and yeah, they're solid getting the job done. You look at their six sometimes, like you could even like uh, gamble, like I love his energy, I love his effort, but you know, he's not the most flashy six in the competition. Uh, even fullback, like that's, that's a good position, but it's just that seven, it is just so, so important. So important. And, and I got to the end of that game and sort of thought, fuck, Adam Reynolds, he was everywhere in that game. I went to have a look at the stats and going back to um, receipts once again with halfbacks is important. He only touched the ball on 44 occasions. Mm. I thought he'd be pushing up into the 80s, 90s. Yep. He just, and that's credit to Adam Reynolds. It felt like he was everywhere that entire game, which he was. But once again, credit to Brisbane because it's not – like, it, it sort of felt like the Adam Reynolds show, but when you have a look at that, it, like, it really sort of wasn't. There was a yeah. lot of guys just playing their role. Mate, I want to give a massive rap to the Broncos forward pack. I thought, you know, their average experience is like 40 NRL games or something. Matter of fact, Payne Haas, before Kate Will arrived at the club, is their most experienced forward at 68 games. Payne Haas, so he's 20 years old, he is your most experienced forward. Just, that just shows you that this pack is so young, young and experienced. And like the last thing you want in a pack is youth, really. You want, you want guys with experience to be able to grind through things. Like most, most forwards don't hit their best form until they're like 25, 26, 27. Uh, their defense, I actually think there was a few players in the outside back that probably let the, the forwards down a bit. I thought their forwards were just, they were relentless. Their defense was outrageous. And against a pack, the Rabbitohs pack, that actually hasn't had that many changes to, compared to their premiership. Um, last year is in getting to the grand final. I thought they were so impressive. Like Paddy Carrigan, for me, Oof, he is yeah. just, he's something special, man. I knew, like I've been singing his praises for a couple of years now, but sometimes a player can hit a plateau and kind of stay there. He has just gone to a whole nother level, a whole nother level without paying Haas for them to do what they did. Like they've got Rabadi, he's at six games. Ricky's at like 30 games. Um, you know, they've got Jensen, who is a, a player that, you know, would struggle to get a contract six months ago or three months ago. He's been fantastic. He's been fantastic. You've even got like guys like Ryan James who aren't in the side. Uh, what do you got there, Matty? I was going to say, for me, the Broncos won the game in the first 20 or so minutes when Souths were attacking, attacking, attacking. And I think Kobe Hetherington stopped Murray from scoring. I think Herbie uh, stopped Tane Mill from scoring, which was, you know. Kobe Hetherington's tackle on Murray was fucking Crazy. textbook. Yeah. Like that's that shit that you just go, you put your head in a, a tough spot and you fucking put your shoulder into it. Whereas how often do we see players just stick an arm out like that? Cam Murray's no easy feat to tackle like that. 
So that was just some examples of the Broncos getting it right and, and forcing some some errors. We know South's error count was terrible, but um, obviously there were some good force errors there. Well, I just want to – this is why I'm a bit like – I do believe that the Broncos' outside backs probably let them let the forwards down a little bit. Now, don't get me wrong, we still had some incredible performances by the outside backs. Um, but So when you look at this, the starting forward pack for the Brisbane Broncos, the entirety of them – all of them made zero errors except for one from Rabadi. Then you go look at their backs. So their entire starting forward pack essentially made one error, one error, which is incredible. Then you look at their uh, outside backs. I, th- I thought um, Tomate Martin probably had one of his worst games. Um, yeah, he, he was, you know, made a few errors. He had three errors. Corey Oates had four errors. Staggs had three errors. Herbie Farmworth had three errors. So when you add that up, four, three, seven, um, ten. You're looking at 13 errors in the outside backs alone. Now, imagine a world where the outside backs, you know, instead of 13 errors, they make six errors. The game goes from, you know, 32-12 to fucking something crazy. So that's what's so impressive about this side is that the Broncos actually have so much improvement in them. It's crazy. It's cr- I can't believe they won this by 20. Like, when you just look stats alone, yeah, yep. it is crazy that they won attitude. this by so much. Yeah. It was all attitude. Something we haven't seen in the Broncos for a very long time where they refuse to give in, refuse to give in. If they had lost that game, I would have been happy with it because I'm like, it's all about the attitude, mm. especially the forward pack. I cannot speak more highly of the forward pack. One error, when you're on your defending your line, the amount of times they defended against a pack that was in the grand final last year, I think it's incredible. I think the error, and I'm not 100% sure on this, but I think the error was just when South had the ball and he stuck his hand out as well. So you're basically zero errors. Zero mm. errors. Incredible. I, I'm, I was so proud that I'm lucky enough to have played at the same club that this forward pack that put on this performance. Incredible. Yeah, and I think, again, back to the old post-contact metre stat, Brisbane with 100 less post-contact metres than the Bunnies shows us not the be-all and end-all. Yeah. It must be so reassuring for Broncos fans to see that performance without paying Haas because... You know, the, the pack at times in the past few years and that have been underwhelming at times, particularly with the you know, pain house in or out. For them to do that without him and Capewell, it'd be like, all right, you know, if Haas does go down and miss an extended stint of footy, footy at all, we can win big games without him in our side. He's not everything to our pack. Um, and they've just been such a frustrating watch in recent years, the Broncos. And I know it's only a relatively short sample size, but... Their pack have just been so notorious for shit errors, like dumb yep. offloads, yep. just dumb footy. Inexperienced youth. Yeah, to yep. see them put that together with no, effectively no errors across the pack must just be like, all right, you know, we're on the right track. We're, we're growing here. Absolutely. Abs- like, I, I cannot express... Matter of fact, their bench, zero errors. Like, think about that. What an incredible performance by the Broncos forward pack. I, I just cannot speak more highly of that. Uh, Selwyn Cobbo, I think that... What's most impressive for me is he had that kind of game with zero errors. Zero errors. If you got a Selwyn Cobbo with zero <laughs> errors in his game, that's a scary, scary prospect. Yep. And I think he, ever, ever since those two games where he had like, I think it was like 11 errors in two games, ever since then, he has just improved week on, week in, week out. And when he hit the afterburners, yeah, wow. everyone got a look at how athletic this guy is. The speed that he hit for such a big man was incredible, absolutely incredible. I'm, um, mate, Selwyn Cobbo for me, if he keeps developing in this direction, we've got something special on hands. It's wild to think where he's come from this season. Like to think how poor he was in the first yeah. two weeks, how poor Staggs was inside him. And you know what, Staggs is an experienced player. I knew he'd turn it around eventually, but I was a little bit worried about Cobbo after week two. 
And I mean, it's getting to the point now where Cobo's out playing Stags week to week. Yeah, Cobo's like their best outside back. I think Corey Oates has been great outside of those errors. But yeah, you could say Selwyn Cobo's their best outside back. Uh, and it shows a lot of mental fortitude. I agree with you. After those two games, I was thinking, let's just put him in Q Cup because yeah. I didn't. I see how good he can be. I don't want to ruin his confidence. But he's just blasted through any confidence issues that may have arisen. They just didn't arise. He just killed it the next week. And, and, and I think credit to Kevy too that, you know, two or three weeks ago, testing you went down, he went, okay, who's going to play fullback for me? And I'm sure it would have been tempting yep. to take a confidence Selwyn and put him there. But he made the right decision. He's brought Tamara in, who's been good. Uh, but I just think it's a really good decision as far as the career goes of Selwyn Cobbo to just leave him out on leave the Leave him on the wing. Yep. Get him if, a whole season If Cobbo's the sort of the long-term fullback plan in a couple of years – What's his best position for the next 12 to 18 months? I'd say wing at the moment uh, and then basically see how Herbie continues to develop. And the good thing is you can just swap Herbie and Selwyn. Because Herbie needs to be in the side. He needs to be in the side. But Selwyn in centre getting the ball I think could be pretty scary. But you know what's great about the Broncos right now is that that back line playing the way they're playing is a top tier backline. You don't really need to make many changes. Selwyn Cobo's getting plenty of ball. Um, he had 20, how many runs do you have? He had, yeah, so about 10 runs and he made nearly 200 metres. Now, obviously, granted, one was that length of the field, but he had nine tackle breaks, 29 post contact, four tackles, zero uh, misses. So, yeah, look, the Broncos looked incredible. It's just about backing it up. And the good thing is, it's three in a row now. Three in a row. So, regardless of, you know, What's going to happen going forward? You can't. They can't look themselves in the mirror and say, "Oh, we're young. We don't have the ability to do this week in, week out." No, no. You've shown that you can do it. Now it's a matter of this is the standard. Now this is the standard we have to be at. Yeah, big test this week. Obviously, it's Magic Round, so they do get a home game there against the Manly Seagulls Friday night. Huge test. But you know what? I'm I'm confident. Like I yeah, I, I, I really yeah. think that that team playing like that with with outside backs making less errors. Is gives Manly a red hot shake, a red hot shake. Um, anyone else? Is, I do think Billy Walters. I think their nine position probably needs, you know, uh, looking at. Uh, Billy Walters was solid. Corey Pace was solid. But I think if we want to take that next level, I, I wouldn't mind either hoping that they progress further in the next twelve months. If they don't progress further in the next twelve months, I think probably looking at going into the market for a nine. Outside of that, with Selwyn Cobbo at one. Tomato Martin, move him to six if Cobber goes to one next year. Well, that's it. Like, I look at your side and I go, they haven't worked out nine, they haven't worked out six. Mate, most teams that haven't worked out their hooker in six, it's a fucking train wreck. Yeah, it's a train wreck. Absolute train wreck. And they did it all without Haas, which is such good signs for the club. It's good, it's good times for negotiations as well. Like, if they can keep – obviously, it's one game, you know. We don't get ahead of ourselves. But if they keep playing like this without Haas – like it's easier for them to go to Haas and go, look, mate, we can't afford a million dollars, but look at the squad you're in. Like, look what we could yeah. do and what you could yeah. be a part of. There's truly hope there. Whereas like 12 months ago, like Fafita is a perfect example. We couldn't keep him because it was like, where's the hope? There's no hope. We're getting towed up every week. And like you, you look, as you've said a few times, you know, if they are going into the market for a Cam Munster, fuck, it would have been harder to convince him to go there last year. Oh, mate. The state they're in. You yeah. know, now that they're just showing some ticker and they can hang in games again. And, you know, they're not back to the Broncos that we all grew up with. Mm. But fuck, they're getting closer to it. Their attitude is, I think. Yeah. Their attitude yeah. is. Like, that. that's what I love. They may not be the Broncos of 2006 and, you know, whatever, 
but their attitude was they were under the pump. They, sh- they had no right to win that game. And not only did they win it, they won it by a f- fair margin. So Against a good side. Against a great side. Uh, and, you know, when you look at their bench, they've got Palacia coming off the bench, Flegler coming off the bench. Like, it really starting to look like a... Tommy Flegler. Jeez, I love the bloke. Mate, he's, ever since he come back from suspension, he's been great. Something like 26 tackles, one miss on the weekend, over 100 metres again in 40 minutes, three offloads. He's just... I think he's a gun. Yeah, he really, he really is. He's starting to find his niche like where he fits in the side and what he can deliver uh yeah jensen also he's been one of the best signings of the not the, one of the best signings but one of the most underappreciated signings of the year well, like we watched him in a trial and you know he was running around in that trial with with tradies in the forward pack yeah and like he looked good yeah but he's just he's gone to another level he, he's right. been such a handy little pickup so strong that first 20 minutes he's so strong like he takes the contact really well he's good in defense so yeah, look, incredible signs for the, the Broncos. It's just now it's about keeping that standard. you just got to keep that standard. And, and how much you're enjoying your footy, we can do that if you keep playing like this. It's really that simple. Uh, Rabbitohs, thoughts? Yeah, uh, disappointing game for South Sydney. Um, as I said, all the stats pointed to them doing better than what they should have done. Um I think the the sign well or the reported sign if it is true of uh, Cody Nikarima arriving there is going to be an interesting one. Um, I wonder if the coach does look to maybe shake it up in their halves a little bit moving forward. Oh, I you think reckon? he's been really good from from what I've heard. That's what I think is going to happen. as in like Cody Walker shake up. No, no, as in the halfback Ilias. Really? Yeah. Well, that's just what I've been told that he's a little bit worried about him getting through the whole season. I was just going to say, I thought Lachlan Ilias was South's only shining light. Yeah, I think Ilias has been fantastic. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you. And I'm happy, I'm also happy as well, I was going to bring this up later, but I'll bring it up now. I'm happy that he was, he had a good game because he would have felt so much pressure coming to that, coming up against Reynolds. And yeah, he was the only one that kind of looked like he was going to do anything for South on the weekend. So I'm glad he went good. A very bizarre time because... A lot of Rabbitohs fans will point to the errors, and don't get me wrong, the errors did hurt them, but they completed more sets than the Broncos. They completed 32 sets, the Broncos completed 24. Um, and so usually I would be sitting here agreeing, the errors, just got to fix them, they'll be sweet. But I am get, beginning to get a little bit concerned with the Rabbitohs. I, I, I just don't know. There's something missing there, and I don't know what it is. Now, I, they, again, they're the team that you just, you're going to have to judge week to week because we have to remember... The Rabbitohs did this last year as well. Maybe not as bad, like, you know, but there was a period last year where some were saying they're not even going to make the eight. So this this is a kind of club they are. They're very hard to judge week in, week out. They could come out next week and tail a team up. And would that surprise anyone? So I don't I just don't know where where to go with the Rabbitohs. Like, do you go down the route of this isn't good enough? something needs to change or do you have faith that this is just who the Rabbitohs are and they'll hit form when they need to? Fuck, I felt more confident when Wayne was coaching mm. for, as far as them just to find form at the right end mm. of the season, which is what Wayne has done for years. And that's uh, no knock on Demetrio. He's just Of course not. Yeah, exactly. I and actually think he's done pretty well for a rookie coach. Very well. And I mean, like, just like they won possession, they won the completion rate, they had more runs, more run meters, more post contact, more line breaks. I mean, like there was, they had they had ten more offloads in Brisbane. There was honestly no reason they had more force dropouts. <laughs> like, it's crazy how it played out. Yeah, they they got uh, received more penalties. So Broncos Brisbane made six more errors. Yeah, and Broncos gave ten penalties away. Uh, Rabbitohs only got six away. 
So that's that's what I mean when when you look at that Broncos game, it's super proud, so proud. But it was a mammoth effort from the forward pack that did it. You know, the, again, the backs, although they had some really great moments and it was just, you know, they, I'm sure they'll sort it out. The backs definitely hurt them, you know, quite substantially. Yep. Um, but, you know, we all have bad games. Not that not they bad games. I, I thought Tomato Martin, not a bad game, but I just think that he was a little bit off. Um, the other boys, I actually think Corey Oates has been fantastic. But if you, if you had that backs make the same – the concern I have for the Rabbitohs is this – if the Broncos Bucks just play solidly and they don't make those errors, what's the score? What's the score? And that's my concern with the Rabbitohs. Mm. What do you reckon, Timmy? The Bunnies been trying to make sense of why they've been so poor. And we've had a few different uh, things we've spoken about in the halves, new combinations, whatnot. I, I'm reserving saying that they're in strife until Latrell gets back yep. because they're really lacking punch out of the back of the field, particularly coming out of their back end. You look, they've got Blake Taft there, who's a little fella, uh, AJ there, who's pretty small, Tane Milne, who's a bit of size on the wing for them. But I just think that they're, they're lacking that punch. So they're starting their sets off not on the front foot like they have the last couple of years, particularly last season. So I think when Latrell comes back and does that, and from tackle one, tackle two, if they're winning those first couple of tackles, all of a sudden they're starting their sets and they've got... Cookie running off the back of quick play of the balls. Cam Murray running off the back of play of the balls. Um, their error eight, you mentioned before, they're the most, they've got the most errors in the competition. So I think they can resolve that easy enough over time. It's a bit of an attitude thing, but they'll sort that out. They so, did last year. As they came into mm, the finals last year, they became like so ruthless, yeah. so ruthless. So I think they get on top of the error count. Latrell comes back. They're a much better side out of their own half. And I think that just changes the whole dynamic of that bunny side. In the meantime, again, you sort of look and go, how much time do we have before we're getting towards the, the, the business end of the season? But Ilias and Cody, they should click at some point. Um, you know, easier said than done, isn't it? We need to see mm. it. But I wouldn't be too worried. If Latrell comes back and they start dishing out ordinary performances, then I'm going, all right, there's more to this. There's mm. more issues than we think there is. So. My, my key worry is that this was supposed to be South's soft draw yeah. and Latrell's out so they're trying to get as many wins as they can but if you look at the draw at the back end of the year it's a brutal run to the finals and on, and top of that is like without Latrell they made a grand final last year so you always want to be progressing so but but I do agree with you I do agree with you is that if Latrell comes back and we're still having this concern then it's like oh shit like something needs to change here and we have to remember they took the storm to the death you know with Latrell on that side like to the death it took a yeah. Ryan Pappenews and field goal so I agree, it's not panic station for the Rabbitohs yet, but it is a, you're getting to a point where, like, it's concerning. Like, you're getting to, like, we need to fix something here because if we keep doing this and we start playing, as you said, Maddie, that back end of the season and we're going against, like, the Eels, the Panthers, all the big dogs, and we haven't sorted out these little kinks, it could be, uh, yeah. Well, mate, you, you look at the next three weeks heading into their bye without Latrell. They, they go Warriors, Raiders, Tigers. They need to win every. Tigers beat them a few weeks ago. Uh, yeah, it's true. I mean, mate, I, uh, the they Warriors played terribly time. yesterday, but like, sh surely they're going to bounce back to some extent, aren't they? Like, mm. I don't think that's going to be an easy game for South Sydney. It, like, they're ninth at the moment. If they only win, let's say, one of those next three games, which I don't think is an outrageous thing to say, mm. all of a sudden they could be twelfth, thirteenth, mm. waiting for Latrell to come back after a bye. Yeah, it's interesting. I think they should be able to win all three of those matches. They should be able to. Well, if, yeah, if I can understand them maybe dropping one, they shouldn't. They should win at least two of those. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, but look, it's what, round, we're heading into round 10? Yeah. As I said, you just, you're getting to that stage, like it's not round six anymore where you're like, ah, fuck, that, it really doesn't matter. It's like, oh, shit, we're, we're nearly in the middle of the season right now. Yeah, and I mean, mate, you look at their last four weeks. They beat Canary where they scored all their points when there was a Sinmin off the field. They then got done by the Tigers. They then beat Manly with 12. Then they get beat by the Broncos when they win just about every stat in the game. Yeah. Then you go through the origin period. They'll lose Luttrell there. Campbell Graham could play a bit of origin. Cam Murray. Damien Cook, Cam Murray, Jai Arrow, Kloam Tungy's a chance at origin, so... Bloody tough period for them. Yeah, interesting, interesting. I, I think I think they'll bounce back. I, I do think they'll bounce back. But it's just, as I said, starting to go, hmm. You're getting past the point of it's early, new combinations into what's something's just a little bit off. So, uh, it, look, if, the, if they can get – if they win three from three in the next three weeks, that puts them in great stead. Like that's – if I'm Demetrio, that's, that's my goal is like, boys, we've got three matches – Let's just win that. We head into the bye. You'll have your time off. By that stage, Troll will be back by then, I'd assume. Hopefully. Hopefully. Then we can move into working towards the finals footy. Uh, <laughs> funny team. Like we got to the end of round four and went, fuck, they got through that well. Yeah. yeah. Like they're just a little bit off putting it together. Now they've got this good run. Coming. As Maddie said before, it's, it's crazy how their season's played out. Well, again, they're just so hard to predict because let's say the Rabbitohs had their soft start, their soft draw at the start of the season. Would, would, would have they been able to build enough confidence to get them through these games? They had such a start, tough start to the year, arguably the toughest. It's, it's really hard to judge where they really are right yeah. now because you're going, well, they lost Wayne, they lost Reynolds, uh, they lost Dan Gagai, so it's going to take them some time. But now when you lose to a, like the Broncos, we ask, are the Broncos so much better than we thought they are last year? Like, are they genuinely a top eight side and that's fair enough that they lost or was it the Rabbitohs that played poorly? So... I think they'll bounce back. I think they'll bounce back. And you're right. We have to remember, any team that loses their main superstar, which is Latrell Mitchell, usually struggles a little bit. Any of the you know, teams outside of the Storm and, and Penrith mm-hmm. usually struggle a little bit. So, like, if the Eels lost Mitchell Moses, I think they would struggle. Um, if the Broncos lost Reynolds, I think they would struggle. So, we have to take that into consideration, if I the think. the Raiders lose Matt Frawley, we'll probably struggle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so, we have to take that into consideration. Uh, but... Very disappointing. Uh, what, what, are, what are your thoughts about the, the loss? Yeah, it was it was disappointing. But the, the turning point for me was um, when it was, I think it was 18-6, South scored 18-12, thought, great, bit of momentum coming here, we're, we're coming back. And then Totola drops the ball off the kickoff, yeah. then they give away a penalty on tackle two or whatever it was, and then Reynolds kicks a goal. For, that, for me, that, coupled with uh, having three try-scoring opportunities in the first 20 minutes and Broncos turning them away, their confidence was just out the window. So, mm. yeah, I, I think Broncos should be really happy ha- with that win. I will say just on Latrell though, I it, you can't blame injuries, but I feel like Taft probably didn't have his best night under the high ball. And mm. that, you know, that led to a couple of Brisbane tries. So I, I feel like Latrell probably would have made a difference, but he wasn't there. So there's there's no excuse. They were, they had a really off night, South. Yeah. And also Broncos defence, they were missing Huss and Catewell. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Interesting, interesting times. Now, Raiders versus the Doggies. Uh, interesting game, this one. Obviously, the Raiders get the W. What do you think about this one, Timmy? Uh, absolutely had a ball, as I said. Got down to the game and just loved so many different aspects of it. Not getting ahead of myself, but we know the game for what it was. Um, 
It was the Raiders' 40-year anniversary. They had a big dinner on Saturday night, so all the old boys were at. It was a massive night for them. And, mate, I was just so happy for Matty Frawley. Um, mm. So uh, came through all, all juniors sort of with and against Matty growing up. And, mate, playing under 13s, he was no different a player then to what he is now. He's never been a superstar at all mm. at any level of footy. Just a decent sort of organiser who gets a team around the park. One of the great, great, great blokes of the of the NRL. And he was outstanding. Uh the way he bounced back, he played round two or three against the Cowboys when he got called up when Schneider was out and had a shocker, the mm. poor bugger. Um, playing for a contract as well, you know, thereabouts whether or not he gets renewed. And he came out in a struggling Raiders side and I thought he was outstanding. And it's one of them things where, a bit sentimental, but it's like he'll look back on his career down the track and go, you know, if he plays 10, 12, 13 more NRL games in his career, he'll look back and go, that one night, I was the best player on an NRL field by mm. a comfortable margin, I thought. Uh, and we're two games in, I'm going to mention it again, but the importance of an organising half, which the Raiders have missed all season, Frawley is that. And I, I thought even without Jackie Whiten, uh, just we saw how different a team the Raiders were. They weren't outstanding, but it got them across the line. Look, I mean, I, I wrote it in, in the notes, Frawley, two repeat sets in the second half. And I just think like that's such a perfect example of like, experience mm. like it's the second half they usually fade out they've got an experienced guy there yes he's not jonathan thurston he's not andrew johns but he gets repeat says he builds pressure uh what did you think about this game gurino yeah i thought that canberra they i thought they looked better as a unit like more organized yeah. but obviously less potent without jack yeah. and like you, you've been saying it for weeks i'm a huge snyder fan but i think you are right you sort of need to find the balance of that now mm. bringing in an experienced seven to partner with jack I assume Schneider will get one more week. Jack's not back this week, is he? No. This week after, yeah. So he'll get one more shot. But, uh, mate, I always thought Frawley at Canterbury, I always thought he did really well. He was just a victim of a really shit team at that mm. time. Mm. I always thought he was decent. Um, so, yeah, good to see him go down there. Did a cut that try that he scored. Oh. Mate, it's great. It's unreal. That was like, that was Joey-like. <laughs> yeah. Is that Joey? It's Frawls. Yeah. Um, I will say, I will say, this is a hot take, and I message it to you. Guru hates this take. He hates it. You know, I, I, I've warmed to it. I reckon he'll fall off his seat. You'll hate I this take. Whiten at 13. <laughs> Put Whiten at 13. Because, because he's still around the ball. He can still ball play a little bit. He can do all the great running, but he doesn't have to worry about any of the kicking or any of the organisation. They won the game without... Uh, with you know, Schneider and Foley, so like two kind of organising halves uh, to a degree. And, you know, 13 has been a role that they've tossed and turned between. Like, you know, they don't know who they want there. They've got Elliot Whitehead there. They've got Adam Elliott there. They've got uh, Corey Huddleware and Naira there. They just don't – they've got Hudson Young there. I think one, if you took him to any other club, I, I think that you would consider him at 13. Now, look, I know it's a hot take, and I'm not saying I'm 100% sure of this take, but just watching on the weekend, I was like – Imagine the potency they would have if Whiten was running 13. Uh, it's, it's, just, it's just a suggestion, people. Just a suggestion. <laughs> Timmy, what do you think about that? Uh, I like that you, you got in there at any other club because it, it <clears throat> can't, won't ever happen at the Raiders. I shouldn't say ever. Just because they're, the way their roster's set up, they're so top-heavy, like they're capped towards their forwards. They've got a stack of depth in the back row uh, between CHN, Adam Elliott, um, Papali at prop, Ryan Sutton, all these blokes, they're, they're pretty weak in the back line, let's be fair. So it, it can't really happen there. And at any other club, he could play lock because he's such a versatile player and mm. he'd be fantastic at lock, I guarantee it. He whacks in D. He yep. wouldn't have to overthink things. He'd be fantastic. But 
I just go back to it. I think that he, I think you can get the best out of him at a club as a, an old school ball running 5'8", mm. and you can get him getting these one-on-ones out in the back line against smaller halves and that sort of thing if there's the right halfback running the show to give him that licence. And you mentioned, he's not an organising half and, and you don't want him overthinking the game because he gets in his own head and he, he just stops thinking about running the footy. Um, so I think there's a world where it could happen and, mm. and I'd love to see it, but... At Origin, like that's why he's the perfect fourteen for Origin because he can come on and play thirteen yeah. and just and that that could happen this year yeah. if he's there fourteen. Think, I think Victor Adley. I think mm. Jackie White and Victor Adley. Like Jackie White would have as good ball skills as uh, Victor Adley. He's probably faster than Victor. Victor's probably um, you know bigger, a, a bit bigger. I'd say. I don't know. I think it'd be worth considering if I'm R- Ricky. Like because at the moment, like you got the win, but let's say they lose a few more games. <laughs> I think it's just worth considering because that way you get your two organising sixes and sevens to just run the game, kick really well, and Jackie White is just injecting himself wherever he wants to, which is which is what he does best is just ball run, uh, and he can kick if he wants to too. You know, if he wants to kick, he can kick. Again, just to th- just throwing it out there, but I just thought when I was watching on the weekend, they looked better as a unit. Like they just looked more mm. organised. They looked like they knew where they were getting to on the field, where they were kicking. And that's not to say White can't do that. And maybe it was Frawley that, that added that to it. Um, but I just think you got to tr- when you're in a position where the Raiders are in, you just got to try things sometimes to see if it works. And I, with the modern game, I think White suits 13 really well. Um, what do you reckon about that hot take? I certainly wasn't prepared for that hot take, so I don't I heard really you, heard you laugh. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I, I, yes, I don't. I don't really have uh, much of an answer. I will say though, um, would would his kicking be affected? Because I reckon his left foot is quite. But he can underrated. just call that play. He could just call that play. True. Red set. My 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 one of the wine's best ever players was in Origin 2019 when he played center for the first time and he come on the field. It was like tackle four or something, and he just put a kick in because he saw Ponga wasn't back yet. And then he just went up and absolutely crunched him. Yep. So I reckon as long as he's kicking, uh, look, I, I don't really know. I don't know the ins and outs. So I probably, I don't know if I could say that he'd be good there, but I don't know. I just think he's, because we've got to remember the Raiders, they did win on the weekend, but they had 30 minutes of ball attacking the Bulldogs and they couldn't score. I, I personally thought they were missing one a little bit at six. Yeah. Interesting. Again, just it's just posing a question, people. So don't think I'm actually saying like, I think he should definitely be 13. But I just watching the weekend, I was like, is it worth considering? Is it worth considering him at 13? Because you could do all that stuff still. He could still kick. He could still still do all of that. But he'd have even more freedom. Think about Jackie in the middle there doing whatever he wants. Like instead of having to stick to one edge or, you know, ball playing. So um, even when Fogarty comes back, like if you went Fogarty, Frawley, you know, thing out at 13. But anyway, pose a question. Let me know in the comment section if you if that's even <laughs> a consideration. Again, it's just a question. It's not saying that I actually think he's going to be best there. Uh, I will say, Frawley, if Frawley keeps playing like that and you put him at seven, I think that probably does unlock uh, White in a fair Bloody bit. I it does. Uh, so it will be really interesting. And, and I do agree, if uh, White was playing six and they played exactly the way they played on the weekend, I do think White probably scores a couple of tries. Do, do, do you think that, you know, you... <clears throat> Do, do you think he will go with Frawley at seven or will he stick with the youth experiment? Like, it seems so obvious to me. To, that to be honest, I think Ricky's panicking a little bit this year with a few of his selections. And we've okay. seen that in instances such as Schiller getting picked ahead of Croker in the early stage of the season. Then even Valimi. Val- Chance as well getting yeah. dropped off. Chance getting dropped. Valimai getting picked over Croak for a number of rounds there. Um, so, 
yeah, I just it's 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 interesting to, to see going forward. But I would be very disappointed if Maddie Frawley gets dropped when Jackie Wine comes back, having seen what they've just done, uh, mm. what Frawley has done for for them. So obviously this week will be a big one. Schneids will need to step up, and and you know Frawley needs to deliver two good games in a row, but. Oh, I think the Raiders going backwards if they don't keep falls there um, mm. when Jackie gets back. Yeah, look, and I've actually been really impressed with Schneider. It's just, I just think that maybe an extra year in New South Wales Cup will do him really well, uh, doing really good, because it's just certain selection sometimes. And also, like, when the game's in the balance, does is he, has he earned the right to tell the boys, like, no, nah, I want the ball here, here or there? Uh, He's not the fit right now. Right now. Yeah. But I do believe long-term, absolutely, he can be the guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think where the club is, like the, where the club is right now, if you had brought him into like 2019 Raiders, I think he actually plays much better than he's mm. playing now. I just think the club right now is looking, is so desperate to a leader in that core position that right now you're asking too much of a guy yeah. that is really good. Like I think he's silky as. I just think that, yeah. But this is why they went and signed George Williams. This is why they went and signed yeah. Fogarty. Like that's the it's the sort of personnel they need in that jersey. How was sorry, mate? How was chatting about last week about what we thought Croker would bring to that side, yeah. experience wise, and he's getting the scans on his shoulder today to see how severe that the damage is to it. And it, hope it's nothing too bad. But let's say you know worst case scenario, you know Croker's played his last NRL game. What a way to go out and summing up his career. First game back after playing the whole season in New South Wales Cup. Two minutes to go, kicking behind the line, Dufty in for all money. Who's flying across the field from out of position to knock that ball and save the try? Yep. If he's not there, no one else is doing that. They score. All of a sudden, the Raiders are defending a set mm. after their second half woes, and they're panicking, and God knows what could have happened. Uh, that influence of him through the whole game, but that last play just summed him up for me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so often, we get so caught up in the flashy centre that's big and strong and mm. can offload. The amount of times Croker has done that throughout his career... It is, it is, you, honestly, you couldn't count them. You couldn't count them. Even like I had the Hello Sport Boys on last week and, and it was all just a joke. Like, and now we're talking about my highlights uh, compared to say Joe Croker's highlights and obviously Croker's would be way longer. But it's just, I think a lot of fans don't really appreciate what he brings to the game awesome. every single week. And also how many times he's won the game for the Raiders, like tries on the buzzer or close to the buzzer. And I thought that his calmness and just the ability to take runs at certain times was they just they look like a different side. They really look like a different side. I hope his shoulders okay, man. I hope his shoulders okay. I was like to see him go out like that. But you're right; it's almost bittersweet um, poetry because that's Jared Croker. That is Jared Croker. He has done that his whole career. Where when you need a big play, whether it's defense or attack, he puts his body on the line to get that job done. So hopefully, wishing him all the best. Um, I thought uh, I thought Kotrick was really good. I thought Kotrick was really good. I think he's slowly growing back into the player that he was before he went to the Doggies. Um, I thought uh, great try trips from uh, Charles Nickel-Hoxstad. I hope they keep him there now. I, I don't know why you would go away from CNK. Like, CNK to me seems like the player, like, he's going to find form eventually. He, he's not going to stay struggling for too long because he cares too much for that to happen. Um, so, yeah, great win for the Raiders. Great, great win for the Raiders. And I think that, you know, you spoke about it last week, Timmy. Bringing experience in, that's what they needed. They just needed experience. Yes, it's the doggies, understand, but a win's a win. A win is a win. Uh, now, on to the doggies. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, fuck. I, I, I thought they were so good last week against the Roosters. I was I was really hoping that Canterbury had sort of turned a corner here. And look, I, I, I thought it was a good win for Canberra, but I didn't think Canberra were 
exceptional. Mm. Um, I was a little bit disappointed in Canterbury, but I guess this is part of their journey uh, to some extent. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I probably overhyped Canterbury in my head off the back of a really good win last week. I thought they'd come out and have a really good performance here. It wasn't a bad performance, but I expected more out of them. Yeah. I'll start with the positives. Burton's best game by far. Yep. By a million miles. Uh, but... Just the errors, man. Holy. Mm. Uh, in crucial times, too. Completion rate, 69%. It's hard because it was, was the Raiders just much better than they usually are or were the doggies flat from their win last week? Yeah, I, I look at the Canberra Raiders and you can probably talk more about it to me. I mean, I, I, I just worked it out then. They average about 13 errors per game. They only had eight the other day. Mm. Like, it's such a – like, that, that turn of four or five sets – is just massive. And I look at Canterbury and they had to do a lot of work in the first half. So at halftime, they had 39% possession. They had to make 85 more tackles. They ran for 400 less metres. Um, I think the Raiders had 25 tackles in, um, in in their red zone to Canterbury's zero. They were only down by 10 points at halftime. So they did well to be in the They, game, they did well to be in it, yeah. But I just – and Matt – Maybe you're right. Maybe last week did just take a little bit more out of them than what I anticipated. But I thought they were the better side by a bit last week against the Chooks. Yeah, absolutely. A few lucky calls kept the Chooks in the game. Yeah, look, the Doggies, really interesting. I don't know where to go with the Doggies. I think that they're kind of in a kind of a, a holding pattern until they get Reed Marnie, until they get kick out, because that's just a, such a different side when they get there. Um the good thing is they didn't leak that many points. They, they barely had the ball for long periods of time, especially in that first half. But, yeah, I, I just don't know. I don't know what the answer is at the Doggies. I really don't know. What do you reckon, Timmy? It kind of just has a loose time frame. That maybe like 12 months sort of behind where Brisbane are, where they're starting to show signs of life with that win against the Roosters the other week. And they've had some good moments this season. But we just, you know... You, you want to see them sort of stringing these consistent performances together, like we're now seeing with Brisbane going three on the trot and going, all right, hopefully this time next year we're seeing the dogs go three on the trot. They, they're just lacking a bit of polish with ball in hand when they're attacking the opposition line, you know, 10, 20 out. They, they're getting there, but combinations are slowly coming together. As you said, we've mentioned a little bit about them being that holding pattern waiting and getting through to next year, but, um, you know, that... The reality is their their roster's okay. It's building, but they're not they're not playing top eight footy. They're not playing finals footy this year, more than likely, barring a massive resurgence. I just they're just still a bit sloppy um, attacking the line for me. Yeah, and also like if you're a team that like the doggies at the moment, you just have to complete high. Like they are one team where, and I know you could say, well, last year they completed I think some of the best completion in the mm. comp, but. They've got more attacking weapons this year. Yep. So, like, if they do complete... If they were complete the same way they were last year, I think that they do get the points. And I think Burton proved that on the weekend with his line breaks. Uh, proved that they've got enough. And they've got Addo Carr as well, who's a great finisher. So, the 14 errors, just just too much. You, when you're that low, you're just not going to win any games like that. Especially off the back of that Chooks victory. Like, I looked at their next three weeks and thought... Just this good win against the Roosters, it could quite easily turn into two or three on the trot. Like they had Canberra, they played Newcastle next week, into the Tigers the week after. Like for me, that was four games that I thought Fuck, there's a world here where they could win yeah. four on the trot and really start to get some momentum heading into their bye. But um, 
Yeah, to lose that one on the mm. weekend. So. Like they, they haven't scored over 16 points this season, which is not doom and gloom, don't mm. get me wrong. And no, no one expected them to come out this year with a, a bit of a new lacrosse and start putting 30 points on teams, but you know, it shows a, a lack of attacking edge at the moment, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And look, when you complete only 23 sets the entire game, you're giving yourself barely any chance mm. to win. When you're already struggling to score points and then you're reducing the amount of opportunities you do get to score it, uh, you know, so... Look, the, the, the positive with the doggies are there's absolutely progression from last year and the year before. Like, they're absolutely a better side. Um, and they're getting more people in. They've got Gus Gould, obviously, with heaps of pull. Um, you know, they had their win last week. So, uh, although really disappointing for doggies fans, the best the thing was it's down in Canberra for one. It was only 14-4. Could have easily been, you know, if, if Croker doesn't make that big play, could have easily been 14-10. Very different game then. So although disappointing, at least they're progressing. And I think the other thing with Canberra you need to consider is that, you know, it was round nine on the weekend. The Raiders are the first team they've played this season that aren't in the top eight right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jeez. Yeah, so like when we looked at Canterbury's start, their, their draw at the start of the season, there was a tough look off games, but you went, oh, they've got the Cowboys, they've got the Broncos. Yeah. All yeah. of a sudden they've played the Broncos twice, they've played the Cowboys once, uh, and those two teams are now top eight sides. Um, and both times they played the Broncos, first was a really close match. They could have won. Second, for 60 minutes of the 60, game, yep. they were in that game. Yep. So I don't, I don't know if, like, it sucks because they're sitting 15th right now. But I don't think, like, it's not unfair, but it doesn't really reflect their season, in my opinion. Like, I, I actually think that they've shown probably some better footy than the Titans, arguably even the Raiders at times. Mm. Um, you know, so... Yeah, look, disappointing loss, but they're improving. They're absolutely improving. They're heading in the right direction. Absolutely. And to see the, – the thing that stood out the most for me is Burton playing really well because the only way this club gets out of what they're in is if Burton is playing good footy. And for him to come out and play, you know, so what he – I think he was like 180 metres or something like that. I'll just get it up here quickly. He's the key. So he got to try 140 metres, 11 tackle breaks, 14 tackles, only one miss, a line break, 482 kick metres. He's the key. No errors. No errors. Mm. And Burton has had a few errors in the last few weeks. So if he can just find some form, everything off the back of that will come. It'll yeah. come. So, I mean, like, on the bright side, they have conceded 26 points in two weeks. Yeah. yeah. They were conceding 26 points and a half last year. Yeah, that's a good point. Matt Dufty frustrates me so much because there is such a talented footballer in there, like some of the stuff he does on the field. Yeah. But for every good thing he does, he does something mind-blowing. You're just like, where has this come from? Like, that is not even – that's not New South Wales Cup standard. Mm. Just little things. His intercept ball on the weekend. Uh, he's – when Matty Frawley went through from the line, I don't think Matty Frawley even done it. I think he lifted his hands and Dufty was gone and just, just bit, bit away from him in that. Yeah. He's like – is he one-year contract, Dufty? He's, yes. Yeah, he's fighting for a contract at the moment. He, Clip this one up. If he ends up in the Super League next year, he'll be man of steel because you see the blokes that go over there, like little quick fellas that love a bit of open space running. Jai Field, who couldn't get a start in the NRL, is carving up. Carving the up. At the moment. Yep. Matt Dufty, if he went over there, would absolutely kill it. So we'll see what happens. But oh, if they can get the airs out of his game, and we've been saying it for a long time now with Dufty. Well, I, just, I don't know if you can get them out of his game, but... Jeez, if he could click it and, and just get himself sorted out. Because so, sometimes it's, you, you watch him play, even when he was at the Dragons, he had like five tries this one yeah. game or something. Along <laughs> well, those whenever lines. they win, he was the best player on the field. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Who do they put it? Let's say they don't re-sign him. 
Who do they put at fullback? I'd be looking at Avarillo personally. I <laughs> in ball, solid ball player, good ball runner, strong. Avrilo, you reckon? Yeah, it'd be nice to see him play a position that I think he's suited to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he'd be my pick. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say move Fox back there. I'm not. No, I'm not. I don't that. like that. I don't like Jaden Campbell. Yeah, you go after him for sure. Absolutely. Like Jaden Campbell for me. If I'm trying to re- like recruit, uh, you know. A fullback that has a ceiling that is literally whatever he wants to be, he's the guy. Get him for relatively cheap. Uh, just in, Nikarima has been signed by the Rabbitohs effectively immediately, and he has a is it a player option in in his favour for 2023. Uh, so I'd assume it must be like he must be on minimum then if it's a player option, uh, and he's maybe hoping to play some good footy and then get a decent contract the year after. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on that one, gentlemen? I think it's worth having. I don't think any team is worse off having Nickarim in your squad. A guy that can jump into seven, six, nine, jump in at one if you are super desperate. I think yeah. it's just worth having. Um, I look at that South Sydney side, and you know if something was to happen to Cody Walker during the season, at least Nickarim brings a bit of X factor. Mm. You can chuck him in there. Damien Cook's going to disappear for a few months to play State of Origin, so to have Nickarim in the squad, I, I think as I said, I don't think any team's worse off having Nickarim in there. Thirty. I will say, um, Jackson Paulo has been on the bench the last two weeks for South and hasn't got a, even a minute. So I reckon he's a he'll be a very good fourteen option. There. Would you go here like when when Latrell returns in a month? Do you go Taff or Nicarima? Ah, uh, Nicarima. Yeah, yeah. At least give him a go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I think it's a great signing for the Rabbitohs. Um, Bit of experience, uh, never hurts. And also, at the very minimum, he's a great 14. Yeah. A great 14. It was only it was only 10 weeks ago. He was I thought he was the best player on the field in the All-Stars. Yeah. So, great signing. Well done, Rabbitohs. Uh, now, Panthers v. The Eels. What? Oh, man. That was like... That was... The standard of that game compared to other games was like origin compared to club. Like, that's yep. how intense this game was. Uh, I knew the Eels were going to come out strong, but I didn't think they were going to come out this strong. I, I actually think that they... You know, the Panthers' just great standards is what kept them in this game uh, because the Eels, I thought, were the better team for most of the, the, the competition, uh, most of the uh, the match. What do you think about this one, Timmy? Jeez, it was just a bloody good game of footy, wasn't it? So enjoyable to watch. You know, you get a few rubbish ones here and there. Just, it just delivered on the hype going into it. Um, you know, there was a bit of concern, Parra coming off that Cowboys hiding the, the week before, and I thought they were always going to get up for this. Winning was maybe a little bit of a stretch, but, you know, we spoke about last week how how concerned we were for Parramatta and not as a, a top four or top six club, but the fact that we put them in, in having title credentials on them this year, and this is what we needed to see, wasn't it? Yeah. It was like stepping up against the big boys in Penrith. Um, great game of footy and kudos to Parra. Yeah, and I mean... There's two teams that have only lost one game this year, Penrith and Melbourne. They've both lost two, the Parramatta Eels. So, credit to them. Yeah, that, that's why I believe that the Eels, although they have a tendency to, you know, like they go in and out of the season. and, and But the fact that they have beaten Melbourne and the Panthers away, away says to me that, like, it almost doesn't matter how bad they play, they still have a chance. They still have a chance because they're the only team that's done that. No, no other team has come close to even doing that. Uh, so, can I, can I ask? So, <clears throat> obviously, now we are, any doubts of Parramatta being a top four team are gone. They're definitely potentially a top four team. Why? 
Why do they play so good against the good teams when they can play so horribly against the lower teams? <laughs> Mate, you know, it's just their forward, like their forward pack, when they're, they turn up and they're keen to play, they're as good as anyone. But if they don't play that dominant, aggressive style, it, they just they don't have option B. Whereas, like, the Penrith Panthers storm, they've got option B, C, and D. Whereas I think the Eels, because they're on the cusp of that top tier, they're still trying to find that, okay, how else? If, if Paulo, RCG aren't completely shooting out the line of killing blokes, how do we play our footy? Um, and so it's always just a matter of, like, do they turn up aggressive and energised? If they do, then they're very hard to beat. And I thought credit's Parramatta because Penrith scored their first try in the fourth minute. Yeah. Penrith come out and score in the first four minutes. You're going, oh, fuck, here we go. At home, they got to run a train through us. They then got given the try later to Taylor May, which shouldn't have been a try because of the kick-out knock-on. So it was another thing. There was two moments there where, you know, like the reality is the Penrith Panthers are so good that if they get a try that goes their way off a bad call, that's over. Yeah. Like they're near impossible to beat on as it is. If something goes their way like that. Yeah. I, I thought Parramatta was – I thought Gutho, mate, I picked him in my team of the week. I thought he was so good. Yeah. Some of the things he did, uh, you've got there, the, the kick and chase out of dummy half. Like, that was a huge play. The try that he set up for Ryan Madison, where he sort of like – he played through the line, he held it up. That was such good ball play. It's something that I've always wondered if Gutho's sort of got it in him yeah. to be able to ball play like that. Madison off the bench, fuck. He is playing some good <laughs> footy. Good. Oh, wow. Rouch. And I think he's off contract. I'm pretty sure he's off contract. So, oh man, if he is just, I, I can't believe he's not starting. And maybe, maybe he suits their setup better, like the impact that he brings is, is really good. Yeah, he's off contract. He's off contract. So, to be fair, if he did start on the edge, I, I don't know if they would have won that game because he, so, he was so immense through the middle. Yeah. He was, I, I would start him every day of the week, but uh, yeah, I thought he was so good on the weekend. He's the sort of guy that I'm looking at him now going, fuck, he looks more origin ready now that he's coming off the bench yeah. than what he probably did when he was playing. He's definitely a smoky for a bench spot because I think in origin he would kill it, but yep. it's just, again, they're so stacked. Like yeah. New South Wales are so stacked. Yeah, look, the Eels looked uh, amazing. You know, I think Brown being put back to six, just you could see the way they, you know, they played just much better with him at six. He's so important to them because he just offers that extra weapon that keeps the defence on their toes. Whereas when you have you know, a guy that isn't Brown, it's just like, all we need to focus on is Moses. Like, we just need to get him off his game and they're done. They're done. Whereas when Brown's there, it's like, we don't know who's getting the ball. Brown, he's, he's, Brown's short side raids are so good and it just, he has improved so much. I mean, we always knew he was good. We've been singing his praises at the start of the season. But his attack, it's all just confidence. Like, I feel like he's had this attack in him for years. It's just a matter of him realising how good he is and going, I want the ball. I'm going to get, you know, give me the ball, Reedy. Don't give Moses the ball. Uh, overcalls, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, look, yeah, the Eels, I think they're the real deal this year. I truly believe that there's, you know, there's two teams. It's the Storm and Penrith. They're at a tippity top. But the only other team at the moment that is going to challenge them right now is the Eels for a premiership right now. It could change towards the end of the year. Um I thought Gutho was incredible. I thought uh, Benzini was really good. Bolo, I mean, he, <laughs> Junior Bolo is just like, he, he's been delivering this high-quality footy for so long. We forget, he was at the Raiders. You know what I mean? Like, he was, imagine if he was still at the <laughs> have Raiders. Have you forgotten, have you? <laughs> I mean, forgot, yeah, forgotten losing him? Yeah, right. oh, I forget. Oh, don't he play for the Raiders? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, <man. laughs> um, you know, so, and, and he, ever since he's come to Eels, like, what's, what's the... the 
thing that Bolo has that like a lot of other forwards don't have is he can go toe-to-toe physically with any forward in the comp, any forward in the comp. But also his silky hands yeah, are just... Yeah, toe-to-toe with any seven as well. Like it is just incredible. His ability to ball play, footwork. But then also if you, you, you find me the most aggressive forward in the comp, I can get Bolo to, to um, match him. You find me the best ball player uh, forward in the comp, <coughs> Bolo will be better. Like I, I think he's probably got the silkiest hands of any front rower in the game. Uh, his footwork also up there with guys like uh, Papali'i, as in Josh Papali'i's for front rowers. Yeah, Bolo is just so so good. Um, he just he's the heart of their pack. Like he's the heart and soul, and he just offers such a difference. Like if you're defending him, you don't know what he's going to do. Is he going to run as, you know, a line that's as hard as any front rower, or is he going to step? Is he going to poor play? So also his defence was really good. Um, you know, so I. Like, I just thought it was an incredible game. Like, just a really, really good game. Uh, who else were the Eels? I, I thought Papali'i, once again. Yeah, once again. He's a freak. I, I, I had a look at his stats from last year and then compared to this year. He's better this year. Yeah, he actually is better this year, which is crazy it's to think. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Anything else with the uh, Eels? Just on Paulo, I think the one big thing that the probably guys I've looked with him is it's his ability to, to do it in big minutes. Like yeah. if the if Power lose numbs in their park and he has to play extra minutes, he delivers like sixty five minutes of just quality footy the whole time. His endurance is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, like if he had to play eighty minutes in a game, he's probably the biggest bloke out there, and his quality the whole every minute of that game. You know, look at the Storm guys like Nelson Sofa-Solomona, who's one of the best front rowers in the game. But, you know, he'll play off the bench and play 40 minutes or whatever. Mm. Um, Paulo, huge minutes. Yeah, 61 minutes he played on the uh, weekend. In a, in a game that intense. Like, yeah. it's just unheard of. You do not see big boys like that do that yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, Papali'i, 186 metres, 22 runs, 48 tackles, only three misses, nine tackle breaks, a line break. Uh, I thought Nathan Brown was really good too. Yep. He's so good at momentum shifting. Like, they're under the pump, they're under the pump, then Brown takes it off the back fence, and he just takes that. He may not bend the line, you know, crazy, but it's it's enough to to break the set open and get momentum back on the other side. Um, His really good hit-ups are the ones where he wedges into the A and the, yep. and the markers. Yep. Then he, then they just get on the front foot, and then oh. they start to roll. And it's a, it, it, it's a hit-up that you won't get post-contact meters, you won't get huge stats from it. But it pays dividends two tackles later when they're rolling. Let me read you Brown's stats. A try, 121 metres, 51 post-contact, five tackle breaks, 28 tackles, zero misses. Mate, when are, when are we seeing halves making 28 tackles and missing zero? He, he is just... I tell you what, the, the Eels, I hope they're negotiating now because if he continues doing this, he's going to go straight up to 800k like if he keeps playing like this. Uh, NRL.com have Dylan Brown as 20, 28 tackles, no miss, no ineffective, but his efficiency was only 99.96. So I'm not sure where they got that from. Yeah, <laughs> fucking hell. Give him 100. Jesus. And that's nothing. No ineffective tackles. Like, Jesus. Uh, another stat which is crazy. Mitchell Moses, 754 metres kicked. Holy shit. I will say, I, I thought he was kicking was a little bit off though. Like he wasn't finding grass very often. But after... You know, when I was like writing my notes, I was like, I think Moses' kicking game's a little bit off. But then, like, when I thought about the game as a whole, I was like, no, you know what? Like, yeah, he wasn't finding grass, but it was just getting into that grind that he was doing really well, where he wasn't overthinking things, he wasn't overcomplicating anything, except for that one play. There, there's what five minutes to go. They're up, and it's a second tackle, and he goes for that play with Benzini, and I was like, 
Bro, <laughs> it's a second play. All you need to do is keep the ball down this end. Uh, outside of that, I thought Mitchell Moses was fantastic. Uh, as a 754 kicking metres, crazy. 19 kicks. 19 wow. kicks. Uh, yeah, look, the Eels are the real deal. They're the real deal. I think Reid Marnie is having the best year of his career. I think his service, I think his uh, importance to that team is absolutely mammoth. He made 49 tackles with only one miss on the weekend. Three of them were one-on-one. Uh, and I just think that he... He's so important because his service, he always picks the right person to pass to. Very rarely does Reed Marnie make the wrong choice and go the wrong way. Uh, you know, he's, he's choosing to go down short sides. He's getting more confident. His defense is getting so much better than what it was. Uh, yeah, look, oh, they're the real deal. They're yeah. the real deal. Oh, I think with Reed, we spoke about it a few weeks ago. Don't now think the room. Just put him on for 80 minutes. Yeah. Just let him go. He, he's an 80-minute nine. Um, and it just allows them to be a bit more versatile with, with their forward pack as well. Yeah, very, very impressive from Parramatta. Now, the Panthers. Uh, what do you think about this? Abby Corso had a massive game. Two try assists, 58 tackles, uh, 48 run metres. Um, I thought I thought Cleary was a little bit quiet, if I'm being honest. I, yep. I didn't think he had his better games. Better game, sorry. Um, their outside backs were outstanding. Outstanding. This is our outside backs run meters. Dylan Edwards, 259. To'o, 266. Tungor, uh, 108. Crichton, 129. Taylor May, 192. Oh, 266 on return. On return. And he's returned early too, isn't he? In a loss. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, the, not a massive difference, but on the opposite end. <laughs> he's played yeah. his whole career. Like. Far out. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, and obviously on the opposite side of the field as well. Yeah, this was an interesting one. I just, I just didn't think they had the same attacking prowess as they usually do. Uh, they didn't seem to be stripping the eels of numbers as much as we thought they would. Uh, I don't think it was a bad game by any stretch. I do think that if you look at last week's game against the Titans, that you probably could have predicted this may have happened if you were, you know, I guess really confident in the way you back things. Like if you watch that Titans game for 60 minutes, they were really poor and it mm. was just clear his kicking game that got them through that. And I think they've come out against the Eels and they definitely, the thing is with the Panthers is what makes them great is even when they're not playing well, they still play good. Uh, and I still think they had a quality game. I just think that the Eels, they were more desperate after the, the few losses they've had. Whereas it's very hard. The Penrith Panthers, they have literally gone two years in a row, winning eight in a row to start the year. Very hard to get up for huge, huge matches when you're, um, you know, you're just at a high level all the time. And I honestly just think that was the difference. The Eels had had a poor game the week before and then the week before that, uh, or a couple of weeks before that, they played poor. And they had a group of 17 men that were desperate to have a good game, whereas the Panthers were more business as usual, which is fucking great business, but they're just that little extra bit. We've got to talk about it though. We'll try and be quick. That knock on. How they didn't see that knock-on, I can for, for the life of me. What I don't get, and we'll try to be quick on this because we don't want to bag the rest too much, but what I'm not understanding is we use the fucking bunker for so much all the time. Why, if, let's say we give the benefit of the doubt to the two touchies and the ref. He missed it, fair enough. That's, that's human nature. Like he might've been looking somewhere else and they, they were all looking somewhere else, which is okay, whatever. We used the bunker for everything. How the bunker couldn't, in just a split second when that ball went down, just replay it quickly in, and go into the ref's ear, knock on, knock on, knock on, because it's a clear knock on. Now, I'm sure someone's going to leave in the comment section, the bunker can't rule on knock-ons or something along those lines. I'm sure there's some, because if there's not, that's crazy. Like, as in, if there is not a real reason why they didn't call it, 
But in a, in a situation where it's so obvious, on top of that, they had so much – like the next play the ball wasn't for, fi- for like 15 seconds or like 10 seconds. So they had time to look at it and go, oi, that was a knock-on. Uh, Got to be better because the Eels could have lost that game all because of such an obvious – like no one's hands were even on the ball. That's what I'm not getting. Like no one was even around the ball. How did they miss that? What do, what do you think about the knock-on, boys? I mean, if you're going to see them in games, go back three and four players to penalise late shots or whatever. Put people on this? report and that. Yeah, it just, it just seems bizarre. And, mate, th- thankfully it didn't cost Parramatta a win that they thoroughly deserved. I mean, I, mate, I almost feel like I've heard more about the trainer running in front of the goalpost than I have this <laughs> play, which is batshit crazy. Crazy. Oh, bizarre. This, this trainer running in front of the goalpost, how are we even talking about that in a game where literally a bloke knocked it on and everyone could see is insane to me uh i'm again i know people make mistakes but that to me is just so glaringly a poor error um how do you fix that kind of stuff because i i honestly think that the bunker over the last couple of weeks and the refs their performances haven't been the best and i hate to say that because they've got the worst jobs in the world they get no love for when they play really well and and we have to respect our refs because they they do an, a thankless job. But I just think if we're going to judge players' performances, we should judge ref performances. And I think over the last few weeks, it's been pretty rough, I'm being honest. What do you think, Timmy? Yeah, mate, I mean, it's hard to add too much to it. It was an absolute stinker of a decision. Could have had, I was going to say, catastrophic uh, implications. That's possibly a little bit dramatic for a game of footy. But um, <laughs> as I said, Parramatta got the win. So fortunately, we don't have to be too upset about it. But... Uh, it's a shocker and, and you know, hopefully something like that doesn't you know, decide a game down the track and bigger games probably more importantly, but mate, it's hard to add too much. Mate, tough. What do you think about that? I can't add much, but I think the best part about it was Thurston blowing up after it. That was great. That was so funny. And I he's think, right. He's yeah, 100% right. 100%. I will say as well, and you guys might disagree, but I think it was, I think it kind of evened up with the um, Dylan Brown obstruction. In Which the, one? The, the try that Panthers got disallowed. The which one are you? Dylan Brown obstruction didn't, but he nearly got there to the tackle though, didn't he? Yeah, but he uh, didn't he get there? Like he 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 yeah, he but, got he, obstructed. but yeah, but he he would have got there earlier to to make a better decision. But don't you see? Don't you think he he got there and then yeah, made a more he, decision? The, the time he had to make that decision was less. Whereas if he gets there earlier, it changes everything because. A, that the attacking player isn't... Everyone's in a different position. If he gets there earlier, everyone's in a different position. So it's it's the fact that it changed his... Mm. First of all, it cut down his time to make the choice, but also everything would have been different. So yeah. I can understand. Oh, I think what he's saying now, it's tough because if he makes that tackle, they don't get a penalty. Right? Like... Sorry, what? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thought I was talking to a cardboard. Uh, if Dylan Brown would have made that tackle, oh yeah, so don't yeah. get a penalty. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like Sorry, it's play on and everything. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, but I, I think it was the right call by the book. Yeah, I, I thought that was absolute. Like, there's some obstruction calls that are a joke and they need to be better. Where it's like it has no effect on the play. Like for example, the Cowboys one yeah. was the biggest joke I've ever seen in my life. Like it was clear that was a defensive decision. Like oh. so clear. So, so clear. Whereas the Dylan Brown one, I understand, yes, he ended up getting there. But, for example, as he gets there, he gets stepped on the inside, correct? Yeah. So it's much harder for me if I'm running towards someone to step back and tackle someone. Whereas if I'm already standing there, it's much easier for me to go left or right. So that, that's an example of where maybe he wouldn't have made the tackle, but 
it was harder for him to make the tackle yeah. because he's running into the area where the person is. So for him to run in and then step back out whilst Toto is coming, that's much harder than I'm already standing stationary in that position and I can go right or left. Much harder to step someone that's standing there can go either way. Then I mean, how often do we see when, when a bloke, bloke makes a break and a fullback is chasing across and he gets stepped back on the inside. If that fullback was already in that position and he, the guy makes a break, much harder to step back on the inside because the player's body is square. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was that was a penalty. Uh, I mean, look, you could argue the Reed marnie one. I, I thought that was a penalty try too because if he didn't have a hold of him, um, he would have had more momentum. And he, he missed the trial on by like a centimetre, yep. like literally a centimetre. Matter of fact, it was a professional foul. Like, it should have been. It was yeah. a professional foul. So regardless... He was either going to the bin for 10 or was a try. Um, but, yeah, anyway, back to the, the, the Penrith Panthers. Yeah. Look, it is what it is. It's not, not in any way concerning. They still put it on a great performance. Even when they weren't at their best, they were still really fucking good. Nothing to worry about. I think uh, one, one of the commentators mentioned, I agree, I think they missed Scotty Sorensen coming off the bench. Yeah, his impact, game. for sure. Yeah, his impact. He's, he's been huge the last few weeks. So... Yeah, look, I don't want to take anything away from Parramatta's performance because I thought they were the better team. But I just think the reality is with Penrith, you can't be up and a just million can't. every single week. And they have been, not every single week, they've been up for years now. Literal years. And that's why I mean, like, the desperation of the Eels. Like, put it this way, if Penrith had the same desperation of the Eels, Penrith probably win the game. But because they're... Uh, and maybe they not probably maybe they win the game because I don't I, I'm, I agree with you I don't want to take away from the Eels yeah. it was it was absolutely magnificent. Um, this could be a dumb question as well, but do you think that the fact that they've now ended that streak of three years of losing at home and now they've ended the streak to start the year eight in a row <laughs> relieves a little bit of pressure? They can just now get on with their job. Or do you reckon that doesn't make a difference at it's all? It's not you're not really pressure. I think it's more just like giving them a reason to fight, you know, like giving them a reason next week to come out and go, we don't ever want to feel that again. Whereas like sometimes you can get used to winning so much. It's very hard to find a reason. Like think about it. They're in the middle of the year. They're hundred percent going to make finals footy. They're hundred percent going to be in the top four. Well, unless something crazy happens, where's the motivation come from? <clears throat> They've already won a premiership. So it's, the motivation comes from losses. It comes from feeling that pain after a loss. So that's, that's what I think will happen with them. Um, them uh, outside of that, good to see Toto back at his barnstorming best. Holy shit, he's good. Dylan Edwards, fuck, he had a good game. Like, if Gutho wasn't as good as he was, Dylan mm. Edwards was, you know, one of the best players on the field. I just think that the the quality work he gets through and his constant danger, he's just such a good footy player. Fuck, he's good. No longer is he underrated. Like, he's genuine top five fullback yep. for me. Genuine top five. Oh, at the end of this game, the first thing I thought was, fuck, how good Penrith is going to come off a loss to play Melbourne. Oh, mate. Pappy gets ruled out, which hurts it a little bit, but that is going to be unreal. It is going to be fireworks. <laughs> fireworks. Uh, so now on to the next game, Manly v. the Tigers. Um, yeah. Uh, my first note is I don't agree with the no try Tigers, but I can't remember what the fucking try was. <laughs> yeah, it's I helpful. I don't remember um, it either. Yeah, neither. I'll, I'll look it up. I think it's obstru- obstruction maybe. Maybe it's obstruction. Probably a good Anyway. Bet. Um, great try. What about Ben Travojevic? How good was he? Uh, played in the back row. Played. He was the best Travojevic on the field. Um, what did you guys think about the Manly Tigers game? Yeah, I mean, just just as Naburbo took after the game too. Like he he genuinely thought he was playing centre. Yeah. Until an hour or so before Olakuatu ruled out. I'm not sure what with, but uh, pretty big shoes to fill there, especially with the way that Manly play. Uh, and I thought he did <coughs> an incredible job. Couple of defensive things that um, still needs to sort out, but he's young. 
That'll come. Um, I will say that ten in the bin. I thought that was outrageous, and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong because I missed like a couple of minutes, and I know that they said that there was a lot of penalties, but I thought that ten in the bin was super harsh. What did you guys think? What do you reckon, Timmy? I know. I'm trying to remember Udukamanu because it changed so, the whole game. Yeah. Um, There's a knock on again. There's a knock on a scrum. Yeah. Then uh, they're offside, so as in they're offside off the scrum, yeah. and then so they get called six again, and then. Ikemanu just lays in the player because it's already six again. Yeah. Gets so sent for 10. Yeah, so it was a re- repeat penalty sort of one. But, but like, it was a penalty. Like, we see this happen in every game. If you give a six again away, then just lie on them because it's mm. a six again anyway. Yeah. It doesn't impact the play at all because it's already a six again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 10 in the bin. The, the, those, those penalties they give away or six against the other way, which is nearly every time uh, a team's defending a scrum in their own 20 – where they just fly up off the line because they're like, stuff it, it's one tackle, we'll give it away and nullify an attacking opportunity. I think refs would hate that because mm. they're like, it's not, it's, well, it's effectively a professional foul. Like, yeah. they, they get off the line early on purpose, they're giving away a penalty on purpose, but it's not severe enough to send to the bin for professional foul. So, you know, maybe that's the ref just going in the back of his mind, that pissed me off, there's been repeated penalties, someone's going to go for this. That might be a bit dramatic, Ten, but yeah. it's... Um, Ten in the bin for that, I couldn't the, believe it. The impact that, that had on that oh. game, like... I think Tigers fans can take a lot out of that game, just totally like agree. they could the Dragons lost the week before. Totally agree. They they were in that up to their necks, um, up until that Simbin. Can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. It was four nil until the Simbin. Yeah. It was ten nil during that time. From the Simbin onwards, it was twenty two all. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two um. tries while Utakamano was off the field, who was also a fresh bloke who'd been on the field for about two minutes, so that hurts as well. Um, right, the Tigers. God, I'd take a lot out of their last two, three, four weeks. Mate, they, they look like they look like a side that, you know, basically they have an identity. Like they're coming out and they're ripping and tearing for each other. They they look like a different side, a different side. I think you got to also remember that for me, when I look at the West Tigers the last four weeks, the most impressive thing has been their right edge. They went into this game without Leilua, without Nofaluma. Mm. So uh, to do it, I thought it was very impressive. And yeah, I spoke last well, a few weeks ago about the impact that Simbins have, not only in the 10 minutes, but the time after. I think there was one team out of like 25 that had won or drawn that period after. The Tigers were 22 all after that. Yeah. At Brookvale yeah. with Turbo. Mate, I think Tigers fans should be super happy with that performance. Mm. Super happy. To go 10 in the bin and, you know, they were in that game, like, you know, towards the end there, yes, the mainly scored a couple of tries, but they were in the game. I, I think the Tigers fans should be super, super proud. Now, if it, I can understand the argument of fans that say, regarding the 10 of the bin, they'd given away something like six or seven repeat sets and that's where it came from. But when you actually look at the penalties towards the end of the game, and maybe the 10 of the bin is what stopped the Tigers from laying in the ruck, I, I'm not sure. But like, when you look at the infringement, so uh, the Manly had... Um, Three, four, seven, uh, ten infringement discipline, and Tigers had nine, uh, three, so fourteen. So basically, no, sorry, thirteen. So only three more. Do you know what I mean? So mm. if if the end result is only have three more penalties, are they really that much worse lying in the ruck? I don't think so. I, I thought that ten in the bin was too harsh, but I can understand people that say there was a bunch of six agains early on in the game. And it was to for, it was to stop Tigers from laying in the ruck. So I can I can respect that angle on it. I just think it was a little bit harsh. Also, Stefano had only been on the field for 
I think it was two minutes. And he's a key player. Yeah. yeah. So he wasn't even, he probably wasn't even on the field for the first infringement when they got the warning. Uh, I just looked it up. The no try was when Stavatua ran behind Alex Seifarth and then passed it to the winger. Yeah. And scored in the corner. That was the no try. And But the guy had no impact on the play though, did he? Yeah, but he like slightly ran, like caught the ball behind him. and then He, he caught him. it on his... On his inside, inside though, shoulder, he? yeah. It's cut and dry. So oh, just, actually, yeah, 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 I remember it now. Oh, see, I think with that, like, let's use common sense. They got through the line. Stafford Cole was like 10 metres behind him. They were, didn't affect – it literally didn't affect anything. I understand the cut and dry. I understand it. And may, and I understand the negative effects it can have if you start using common sense because then there's a grey area and then all of a sudden, you know, ones get put – tries and ones not. So I, I get it. Like, I – it's just like when I see that, I'm like, man, come on. Like it had no effect on the play. It was just purely timing. Like it wasn't – no one's shoulder got hit. No one's run got checked at the, in the slightest. But, yeah. It's, it's, fr- it's frustrating one, isn't it? But it's like if they awarded it and they're like common sense, you know, all the footy fans, you know, new beauty, like good result. Yeah. They're then going – well, the one last week was a no try. Yeah. It was in the shoulder, and then there's just no consistency. It's a slippery so, slope. Yeah, yeah. No, just, I get it's it. It's annoying, but you have to. Uh, yeah, you? I, I totally get it. I, I just the obstruction one for me is is one of those ones where I personally would use common sense, but I get the slippery slope that exists, mm. and I understand the NRL going. You know what? Let's just avoid all of that shit. If you run them behind your player, that's it. I just think sometimes though, you're like, it's a footy game. Like bodies are in certain areas. You know, like sometimes when they give a penalty away and a player is like. He can't move. Like, where's he? He's just got to disappear. Anyway, uh, but yeah, look, uh, great, great performance by the Tigers. Uh, I really think that uh, I think they're building something pretty good. And you know what? Like, can they make a push to the eight this year? I, I don't think it's that crazy to think anymore. I really don't. Like, I'm not saying they will, but if you had said to me four weeks ago, I said these guys are destined for the spoon. Now I'm going. You know what? They really can challenge for the eight. Like, they may not make it but they're looking better and better each week. I don't think any player has had more of an impact on a team's performance, maybe Reynolds, outside of Hastings. Well, Reynolds, Hastings and Townsend probably. Um, like Hastings has changed that side. Like they look like a different side. Uh, and what's crazy is it's all seven. So Hines, Reynolds, Townsend and Hastings, all are sevens. It is crazy, but it also isn't at the same yeah. time. You know, like it's uh, it, it's it's very impressive the impact they've had. I I think with, with Jacko, like it's it's like, like yes, he's improved their football, but it's like he's improved the DNA of the Tigers. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, like a like different club. Yeah, yeah. I, I personally believe, and I've spoken about this before. It's because like he's Madge's guy. So you need a player in the team that's a leader to push the values that the coach wants. It's very hard for a coach to have no one on his side trying to push these values. You, it's like Townsend. Townsend is Peyton's guy. Reynolds is Walter's guy. Yeah. Hines is Fitzgibbon's guy. Very hard if you don't have a guy representing – it's almost like a a rat in a crew. It's a, it's a bad term, but you know what I'm saying. You've got a rat in the crew where he's going to push what you need to be pushed and, and you know give you the feedback you need to be given. It's the connection between the playing group and the coach that is important, and I think all of them represent well, that so like, much. Uh, um, Ricky Stewart tells a story that when he arrived at the Roosters in 02, he went with a, to have a beer with Freddie and said to him, you're the first guy I'm going to get stuck into. Yeah. Send a message. And he, he sort of said, I never had the opportunity to get stuck into Freddie because he did everything I said yeah. the entire time. And all the, all the other players brought in because Freddie had brought in. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and we just want to – massive condolences. Like, this is devast- – like, this is serious. This is sad. Alex told his first tackle in three weeks. Woo, gotchas, you motherfuckers. You thought it was something serious, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Woo. 
That's one nil to me. But it is sad. Alex Toll misses his first circle, but he absolutely ripped and teared. 23 tackles, only one miss. Uh, 130 metres, 56 post contact. <laughs> Mate, when something sad does happen, I don't know how you're going to be more sincere than that. <laughs> um, now, uh, I thought Alex Toll was good. I thought, I thought Peachy was good in the centres. Um, one or two reads that weren't great. Another guy I want to give a massive shout out, uh, Joe Offengawi. I think he's been great. Yeah. I think he's been really good since moving to that 13 role. Uh, 102 metres, 14 runs, uh, six tackle breaks, a line break, 39 tackles, only two misses. Uh, I think he's been great. I think, uh, obviously, Hastings has been really good with 149 metres. Like, his running game is crazy. We have to remember as well, Tigers, they lost Ken Mamalo really early. Uh, they lost a couple, another player too, didn't they? They obviously lost uh, um, Stefan. But they lost another player too, didn't they? Anyway, um, so they battled through it. So, look, Tigers fans, I'd be super proud. Yes, it's two losses in a row, but it's it's nowhere near the losses that you were having last year. Without taking anything away from Joe's performance, how on earth is that a try? How can you get the ball from dummy half oh my and burrow into yeah. the legs of the guy that plays the ball? Absolutely We're calling obstructions try. because you're running slightly behind guys that are five minutes in front of you. It's like having a shield. Mm. Yeah, it was that was weird. That was weird. They didn't even look at it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thomas McKayley played seven minutes. He, he went off. I think he was concussion as well. Yes, yes. That's the Mate, guy that went off. He like, I can't believe they did not go upstairs. If, if it was 16 all, they go upstairs oh. for 100%. Yep. I, sometimes I think like the the current state of the match affects calls. Yeah, dictates. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, if, if they wanted to like... Not, it's not an active – they're not actively thinking about it, but I do think, like, subconsciously they're kind of like, you know, we want to make this entertaining. Um, I've got no evidence of that, but I do think, like, for example, like certain things that when the game's locked in the balance, it's 16 all, there's a minute to go, certain things get let go that wouldn't get let go in the first minute, and I just think that's natural human nature. Um, but, you know, you are feeding ammo for Manly fans in three weeks' time when – Lachlan Croker does the same thing. Yeah, for sure. It's a close game. He doesn't get it. It's for sure. Tough. Yeah. Um, I thought Luke Garner was uh, pretty solid, especially that the attack. Try. That try was great. And I was like, is this a sign of things to come at the Panthers? If, he can, if they can find the best in him, who knows? Um, so, yeah. yeah. Tigers fans. I think they desperately need Dane Laurie back, though. Yeah. Desperate. Massive for like. them. We, we touched on last week just the support play when they busted the line against the Dragons. They missed him again so much. But I'm glad you touched on Garner because... It's easy for him to run the field and say, oh, Luke Garner's playing good footy. But before he did that, like since he's come into centre the last three, four weeks, I think he came in against the Sharkies when they got a few put on them. But how good they've been the last month. Garner's been at centre, playing out of position the whole time. Mm. Uh, he's been so effective, doing such a good job defensively for them and not missing a beat in attack. Like, yeah. He's been awesome. I think that there's a reason why the Penrith signed him. Yep. I think you can almost guarantee if Storm or Penrith sign a player, there's something about them that we're not seeing. Yeah. Like, look at Nick Meany. How fucking good <laughs> yeah. has Nick Meany been? It, it's just amazing, amazing. Uh, Coates, like, anyway. Uh, now, on to um, Manly. You know what's crazy? is like, oh, yeah, quiet game from Tom Trevojevic. A try assist, 230 metres, 64 post-contact, five tackle breaks, offload three, line break assist one, five tackles, only one miss. Um, look, Manly look good. They look really good. Uh, they, they look better with Josh Alloyo back. Um, I think Ethan uh, Bullimore has been actually really good since he's gotten down to Manly and every opportunity he's gotten, I think he's taken it. Uh, I think Manly are building nicely. 
I think they're building nicely. What do you guys think? Well, we're, we were talking about it before show. Like, as good as Turbo was, he's not 100%. No, nah, I don't think he's so. He's not moving. The like same he, way. Yeah, so there's even more in him there. You take out those two edge back rowers that are <laughs> – they're just about worth a try each, each yeah. game, realistically. So Schuster and Olakowatu are out, yep. and they're still playing the way they're playing. It's good signs. Very good signs. Um, what do you think, Timmy? Yeah, that's good you mentioned. Uh, Tommy Turbo – Last year, when he was fit and firing, was just gliding across the park. He's not. like He's he's punching out those numbers, and I reckon he looks underdone. Um, mm. So that, that adding in Olaquatu, Schuster back in there, geez, they're building towards something good again after you know a slow start to the season. I hate you know rapping blokes who already have all the raps in the world on them, but Tolotau Coolart just looks so good. And you know, we know he's quick. We know he's got a good step on him and a bit of a fend and an offload. Defensively, for his age, he's so strong. Yeah. Like he gets these one-on-ones and just <clears throat> whacks blokes. Yeah. Hits sticks and just sits them on their ass. Yeah. Um, you know, it's easy to look at the attack. Defense is every bit as important and he's just he's so good. Well, he's short up that edge. Oh, you know, he's short up he? his edge. Um, and he's so young. And yeah, he, he has a tendency to shoot out a line, Guru. Mm-hmm. I know you, you, we spoke about that on the weekend. But he nails it nine times out of ten. You know, there might be one that he misses or whatever. But fuck, if you're a rookie nailing it nine times out of ten, that's enough for me. That's enough for me. Uh, His try that he set up, (laughs) far out. People don't understand to have a footwork like that to beat that many people. There's minimal, like um, maybe five players in the NRL that have footwork like that and speed like that. There's a half break he made down the side, except down the side, little Luke Brooks, fucking. I don't think he mowed him down. I think he had the angle on him. Um, yeah, Cooler is special. I man. was watching that on KO and it it froze with the ball in Cooler's hand and he had five Tigers defenders in front of him. It jumped back on about 15 seconds later <laughs> and DC is running away, putting the ball down. I'm like, what the fuck is just happening? <laughs> yeah, mate, that, that try, the, the footwork to go like back in, then out again, and then obviously pass as well. He's just X factor. He is X factor. Yeah, there's not many guys. Go, you know, you know, he reminded me in that moment like Brett Mullins used to do shit like <laughs> that, like where he just it looked like the guys around him would just be stopped in slow motion. Mm. He just, it, it was incredible. And mate, the pass inside was a cracker too. That's what I mean. Like that pass was not an easy pass. Um, DC, fuck, I just. He competes on everything. He had no right to be backing up like that. Like that's usually the fullback's role, or you know. Um, not to say Tommy doesn't work hard, but like DC is always there. Tell me I'll break this mate and DC isn't, isn't there. He must be super, super fit. Um, great win from Manly. Uh, again, uh, Christian uh, Tuipua Tupolotu. Tuipulotu. I got someone, a lot of people messaged me trying, like, showing me how to say that. Actually, oh no, I won't get it up. Um, so I'm going to try to learn it, but uh, Tuipulotu. Anyway, he's. I think he's really, really good, man. The try score was great. Um, I, I think he's kind of because Cooler is like the name, and we all get excited for him, and, and rightly so. But I think Christian's been mm. outstanding. He's yeah. the one that's kept the spot in the side over all this time, uh, and yeah, I think he's got even you know a lot to offer. So you know, four tackle breaks, a line break, 119 meters. Uh, mate, the Manly are looking good. Imagine this side when they get Schuster and Olakowatu back. It's just. It's a scary sight. Yeah. You mentioned him at the start. Josh Alloyer is just – he's their best middle forward. That try score was a beast mode. Oh, mate. And you could tell – you know, when he left the Tigers, I actually spoke to him, like, about it. Um, 
and he was pretty gutted how the whole situation came yeah. about. And and I I think I think people, if more people knew what actually happened in the scenario, they would be much more, uh, I guess, sympathetic to Josh uh, Alloy because it wasn't as simple as. Put it this way, the contract he signed with Manly wasn't even bigger than the contract he was offered the Tigers. So it wasn't about money. Uh, and that was the kind of narrative that was mm. shifted about. It, it wasn't about that at all. Uh, there was a lot more to that. And I think you could sh- it showed on the weekend how much he wanted to have a good game to, to just show them, like, you know, oh, I, just, I, may have, I feel like I deserve to be treated a little bit better because uh, that try score, that was pure effort. Yeah. Pure effort. Shout out to Morgan Harper too. Made a return after a pretty um, poor game a few weeks ago. They got spoken about a heap and I thought he held his own. Yeah, absolutely. Another guy I want to talk about who has just been flying under the radar this year is the schnack Ruben Garrick. <laughs> he has been so good this year and, and just he doesn't get spoken about this, the amount as like some other wingers. But how, how about this for a knock? Two tries. 141 metres, 55 post-contact, 12 tackle breaks. Have you heard anyone talk about Garrick's 12 tackle breaks? Have you? 12 tackle breaks. <laughs> and no one's spoken about it. It's, it's incredible, incredible. Two line breaks, four tackles, only one miss. Goal kicking was um, – I think his goal kicking was a little bit off, but he's usually really good. I think Ruben Garrick is one of the most underrated wingers in the comp. It's so easy to be overshadowed in a team like Manly by Tommy Turbo and yeah. DC and these sort of blokes, but <clears> – <throat> Garrick has become such a reliable and dependable player for Desi Hasler on the wing. He is a terrific finisher. He doesn't make mistakes. He shifts to fullback when Tommy Turbo's out. He's unreal under the high ball. He's decent last man defence. Yep. He just he's a coach's dream at the moment, isn't he? He is, and you know he's not going to break the bank. He he is. I said it a couple of weeks ago. He's a winger that you keep at your club for the next 10 years because he puts points on the board. Mm. You know, he puts points on the board um, and he's solid. He, he gets through all his work. He's a great defender, as you said. Um, mate, I, I honestly think uh, I, I, I really, really appreciate a guy like Ruben. We have to remember he was nearly a top try scorer last year. Mm. You know, and a lot of people thought, oh, it's Tom Dvojevic. And rightly so. A lot of it was Tom Dvojevic. But, you know, Tommy's been out for the last few weeks and Ruben was back at fullback playing some really good footy. So... Mate, I, I really rate Ruben and I think um, I think he's such a chill dude that he'll probably go his whole career not being appreciated as much as he should. I think if like he put him like if he was not such a chill dude and was like on Fox getting interviewed all the time, yep. I think he probably would be appreciated more. Well, I mean, I think it just shows the fact that he's not at the Dragons anymore. Like he's a he's a Jerangon kid. Like he, he's a proper local junior there that didn't want to leave. Yeah, got brushed. appreciated and look at what he's done over at Manly. Mate, he's uh, yeah. I'm a massive fan of Garrick. Uh, the way he looks and the way he plays. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we've got all through all that. Anything else on the manly you want to talk about? Just Benny Trebojevic being the devil's advocate a little bit. Serious future in the game. Obviously, he was unreal on the weekend. Mm. Very raw in defence. Still, he got caught out a few times there. The Joe O try, which is the one where he darted from dummy half. So again, I don't think it was a try anyway. But uh, the edge where. Who was it? Um, what have my notes got here? Tuolagi. Tuolangi went straight yeah. through and mm. Burbo just bit to his side. He went straight <coughs> through this massive hole. I think yep. Campbell Graham stood him up a couple of times the week before. All fine, mate. He's a yep. young bloke. He's had a handful of games, but a lot of work to be done on his defence. Yeah, but, sure. mate, he, he switched on enough yeah. from what I can gather that he'll be right. It's just, it's his last name. Yeah. That just, yep. yeah. People expect hard. him to be more complete than he is when this is his first game ever starting, pretty sure. 
Yeah, and mate, he's also he's come through the junior grades, absolutely killing yeah. it as well. He, start, he so. started in one game, but not at center. So it's his first game at center. First yeah. starting game. Well, he, he didn't start at center. He started in the back row. row. Yeah, but yeah. he was named at center. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think his last name is just going to put so much pressure mm. on him when we have to just take a step back. Look what he did in attack, which was incredible. <laughs> so good in attack. The defense will come. Just got to be patient. But I agree with you, though. It is a part of his game that he'll have to work through. Uh, it's like anyone. I mean, you know, Pappenhusen, he had to work through parts of his game and look look where he is now. Um, now, Roosters, Titans. Uh, oh, man. Um, Titans. What's going on? We've spoken yeah. about him a little bit, so we won't spend too long on them. But yeah. I mean... Yeah, at the end of the day, I think they scored 16 points. Two of those tries came off rebounded kicks or knock-ons and in goals. Uh, so not overly impressive from the Titans. In saying that, fuck, I thought they put in a huge effort against Penrith the week before. It was always going to be tough to back that up. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is who the Titans are, though. It's going to take time. I'm, I'm just repeating myself week in, week out on the Titans, unfortunately. Uh, but, yeah, a disappointing one here for them to concede 44. As I said, mate, it was 24-16 with 20 to go. They lost the last 20 minutes, 20-0. Yeah. Coupled with that as well, like the back end of the game was shocking, but the back end of the first half was just as bad, yeah. especially um, uh, which try? Was it Takiyahu's try? Yeah. yeah it was, and, mate, you can also tough. consider Jeez. the Roosters had Collins off the field for 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look, this is, this is the uh, – the dangers of a young side, going with a young spine, putting your faith in it. Uh, you just got to keep the faith. You just got to keep the faith. What do you no, no, sorry, Timmy. No, no, no Titan forward over a hundred run meters. No player over fifty post contact. Yeah. Yeah, they're that's it. Running meters in the they're just they're not bending the line. The pack and they don't look like they're going to bend the line. Uh, to be fair, so I mean, say what you want about the back line and probably not performing as well in attack as we've seen in previous years when they've been this flamboyant outfit. If the middles aren't going forward, the oldest cliche, it's not a cliche in footy, but you know the backs can't do anything. The halves can't play off the back of that. One bloke that I thought was pretty good in an underwhelming forward pack was Herman Sasa, who. Uh, I've always quite liked him as a footballer. Same. I've always yeah. been surprised that yeah. he's never, he like, never kicked on. Yeah. So he played 23 minutes on the weekend for 68 metres. Mm. And I just thought he was flying the line every time. He got nimble enough for a big fella to have a bit of late footwork. And uh, I'd love to see them get a bit more minutes, a few more minutes into him and see if that can sort of just help the guy forward a little. Yeah, I think oh, their, their forward pack, I don't know. Like, I think uh, Fodawaka is, you know, when he's on, he's fantastic. He, you know, he really is. Isaac Liu is also really good, but I don't know. I, I don't know whether it's the errors from the backs that are hurting them or their forward pack just isn't bending the line uh, enough. I, I'm, I'm really not sure. I do think, you know, around – it's tough because it, is it Sexton not getting them around the park or is it, you know, the nine not really giving good service? And I, I don't know what the, the, the key issue is, but I do think with the, the Titans, they're young – just got to be patient because look what look what the Broncos are beginning to become, and sometimes you need to take a step back to take a step forward. And although we were just admonishing the Titans for letting go of Fogarty, um, that doesn't mean that we don't think that this team can't go on to be really really good. And I think with Foran in it, like for example, if Foran plays for the Titans against the Roosters, I actually think it's a much closer game. I, I just think Sexton seems to be a little bit down on confidence right now. 
And, you know, Will Smith, he's more of a utility. It's, it's very hard for Will Smith to come into a side and, you know, basically just lead it around. He's been a utility his whole career. Um, so... It, it yeah. just feels like to me, and you know, I, I like the foreign signing as we said, but I remember at the start of the season going, <clears throat> okay, they're going with youth. This is where they're going to end up. Mm. They're going this way. Now that there's a few losses, it's like, oh, Campbell's not in the team. We're signing another five eight from another club. It just feels like they're sort of starting to fold to a little bit of pressure, which is what we were worried about. What do you make of this quote at the end of the game by Holbrook? We. We got beaten everywhere. Attitude, enthusiasm, and execution. We obviously need to make some personnel changes. We can't accept what we just up tonight. Yeah, it's, it's tough though. Like, who do you change? Kevin Proctor had three runs in 60 minutes. Mm. Um, but, and you talk about who do you change, that's the concern because outside of Dave Fafida, they've got no one coming back. Mm. Like, they don't have, they've got two lengthy injuries, I think, to sort of blokes outside their top 17. So, you know, they don't really have excuses in that regard, do they? How do you change it up? They, they, you know, they've got – we've spoken at Campbell plenty. They've got um, Philip Sammy on the bench, but their blokes have both been in the side already this year. So, well, yeah, which way do you go? I will say, though, like, you know, for people that were just crucifying for feeder, like, clearly he is not the issue. Like, you know, for feeder actually has got him out of trouble quite a few yeah. times. And I think this match really showed, like, Fafita would have been a godsend this match because he would have actually been able to bend the line, break a few things over for them. So, yeah, you never want to say, oh, you never want the team to lose by the way they lost and then be like, see, you do need Fafita and he is actually offering much more than you think. Um, but that is a reality. I think this would have been a really good game to have Fafita at third eye. Yeah, as yeah, you said the sure. other day, like this is where it would have been really handy yep. just to have a guy like him. Absolutely, yep. and I, I just yeah. So the uh, one positive is with the David Fafita situation. I think if he plays, they're a much better side, and I think it hopefully will put to bed this. Let's just blame Fafita for everything. It's all Fafita's fault. He's on too much money. Rah rah. Uh, but just want to echo, echo what you said. I, I still think young side. Let's just stick together. Stick with the plan. Stick with the process. It'll come good. Whether it's this year or next year. Uh, Roosters um, Really interesting reports coming out About uh, Angus Crichton So reportedly it's come out He hasn't re-signed And also that he may be being requested To take a pay cut uh, Thoughts on that? Yeah it'd be pretty dirty If I was Angus I would be, be very dirty filthy. And this is all reportedly So we don't know But what is interesting is the fact that uh, he hasn't re-signed and it was, it was like what three or four months ago that he had already come out and said oh it's all done and dusted we're just going to get over the line that's what I was going to say I made a post up for you saying he's re-signed I'll just text you when it's official and that was four months ago and, and it never actually got done so it's quite it's quite a weird one it is it's, it's interesting interesting because if, if you're not re-signed you're not re-signed you know what I mean like if a club hasn't re-signed you no matter what they say to you verbally there's clearly something holding it up Clearly something holding up. I'm just trying to get up the report that talks about his contract. Um, Did you be trying to sew him up? Re re reports last season that Roosters back row had re-signed on a two-year deal are false. He does not currently have a registered extension and is now reportedly being asked to take a pay cut due to the arrival of Brandon Smith. That's the all reportedly, but it makes sense. Mm. Makes sense. What do you guys think about that? Well... It doesn't surprise me. You look at the the mouths to feed there financially, and being a, a relatively top ended uh, roster in terms of these, they have their four or five big money players in. We've got Tedesco there, who'd be on a stack. Luke Q would be on a heap. Uh, Brendan Smith coming in to be on a heap. Crichton would be on a heap. 
you know, something's got to give somewhere. Mm, yeah. uh, they've got pretty decent back row depth at the Roosters. You know, Nat Butch has been quite good this year. Tupanua. Um, See, I, you, know, I, you can't I, keep everyone. I, but I kind of feel like Crichton's the most consistent out of all their back rowers. Yeah, he's a premium. Uh, he's the best rower, for yeah. sure. Yeah. But he's also would be on probably 400k more than these other blokes. Yeah. 300k more. So, mate, it's it's an interesting one. If if it is the case, what clubs should go after Angus Crichton? Every club. Every club. Yeah. <laughs> Every club. All of the clubs. The, the Titans. Oh, mate, they could use a cry. Oh, they mate, could use a well, cry. They would use some punch on the edge and just, oh, oh God, he'd be perfect for it. For feeder on one edge, Crichton on the other, yeah. or you put you put feeder at 13, or, or whatever you do. Mate, uh, interesting, though. It's um, You know what it does, though? It shows you how ruthless this business is. Because six months ago, he was being told, basically, yep, deal's there, mate. You know, all good. Like, I think Politis even came out and kind of said, like, yep, it's all good, rah, rah. Fast forward, now all of a sudden it's like, the deal's not done and I don't have a contract. Um, so he's off contract for next year. Yeah. Angus Crichton is off contract. And so like he has showed faith in the Roosters by being patient, not going on the market, listening to them. And then all of a sudden they've turned around and said, mate, we need you to take a pay cut. It shows you how ruthless this business is. No one, and, and you know, no one's gonna, that's the thing that like a lot of the footy community aren't aware of. It's like, no one's gonna remember the fact that Angus Crichton has been loyal to them by not going on the market and saying and trusting them and going, okay, the deal's there. Yep, yep, the deal's there, deal's there, deal's there. And then by the time he, he could have had six months of negotiations, now all of a sudden a lot of caps wouldn't have as much space in it. And so he's in a position where, oh, I actually maybe there's options that are off the table for me because I wasn't negotiating for the last six months. Uh, again, all reportedly, if, if this isn't the case, then I apologise. But if it is the case, pretty rough gig. I'll throw a hypothetical at you. If, given the Dolphins have already signed a lot of forwards, none to the calibre of Crichton, but if you were the Dolphins, what would you throw at Angus Crichton? You see, you've got Kafusi, you've got Bromwich. I, I wouldn't, it's just bang for buck. You know, unless you're going to put him at 13, I just wouldn't, I probably wouldn't even yeah, bother. I don't think it's a good fit considering their squad already. Um, Melbourne? I know we say it for every player that comes up, but they if there's one spot, you know, you just mentioned all the guys the Dolphins have got, the amount of back rollers they've signed from Melbourne. Um, well, they've got Tarek Sims down there now. Tell you what, Tarek Sims, Angus Crichton. Could you imagine Crichton in a Melbourne Jesus Storm Christ. jersey? He would, like, oh, my God. I, I reckon there's a world where they play Sims um, as a middle. Off the bench. Honest, yeah, I think yeah, so. Okay, so, I can see that too. Um yeah, look, interesting times. I hope he stays with the, the Roosters. I don't know. There's something about Crichton and Roosters. It just seems right. Just seems right. Uh, so I hope he stays, but wow. Yeah. Fuck, that's just so ruthless. I think bro. the Roosters would be back into some extent. I think Angus, he's got, uh, enjoys his lifestyle yeah. in the eastern suburbs. I think right. that they've helped him launch his charity over the last few years. Yeah, it's well. a good so point. There are, there are, I think there's a few more moving pieces in this than what it seems. I, I do think that he's the kind of guy that Roosters will repay that loyalty. Mm. Like, if he does stay loyal and takes a pay cut, he's the kind of guy that is like an Orbo to a degree, like where, you know, the Roosters would have so much time for Orbo, like so much time for Orbo, and I, I'd assume the same would be for Crichton. Um, but, yeah, interesting. And really mate, you interesting. might even find that if he's not going to be at the Roosters, the biggest threat might be the Waratahs. They were yeah. stinging to let him go as a junior. Yep. And I tell you what, in Union, he could get a 
fucking monster deal. Lives in the same area. Doesn't not, not much would really change for Angus. See, but if I was Angus, I'd go. I'd be going over to France or whatever. He would get a monster yeah, deal in France yeah. because his his high school highlights in Union are crazy, yeah. crazy, and he would kill it in Union. So he would kill it inside or outside Santa. Hey, yeah, yeah, number yeah. twelve. And I they think. would say to him, "There's a Wallabies jersey. Yeah, yours, guaranteed." He'd walk yeah. into it. When, 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 when's the World Cup? Is it next year? Twenty three. So I think it's yeah. Damn! <laughs> like they, they, they made a big play for him about three or four years ago too. I, th- I think it was bef- just before he signed with the Chooks. So and yeah, from yeah, you talk to any union people and they reckon he's the fucking he was the Mate, best. He, but he think about it like think about the, the style of how he plays with that real good line running. He would kill it in union. I mean, he did kill it in union. So interesting time for the Roosters. So I, I really test. You know, he's already won a premiership. Um, so really test it uh, now to the Roosters' performance. Interesting thing about this one is, is like they actually didn't play that great. Like they didn't play anywhere near the, the way they could. But I think the positive is for the Roosters is this is the old Roosters that we've known the last few years, where even when they don't play well, they just put a bunch of points on you. Um, I thought Teddy was outstanding. Uh, I thought Manu was really good. I, th- I think Suwali just continues to grow as a player. He takes a lot of tough carries. Obviously scored those two tries. Um, Good signs for the Roosters. I, th- I think it was Kiri's best game of the year. Um, so I think it was a good sign for the Roosters. What do you guys think? It felt like Kiri's team again. Yeah. Which, um, you know, there's been a bit of confusion to me, and you pointed it out probably three or four weeks ago, about who, who really owns this team. I was, I was having a look at the um, the receipts in this game, and Kiri was at 50, Walker was at 18. Yeah, wow. Wow. Which is probably what it should be, like yeah. you know. And like, you need to keep in mind that Walker spent, I think, ten minutes off the field, yeah. but still, fifty to eighteen is that—that that is how it should be. Walker yeah. a three-time premiership winner. Yeah, and and also like he's the seven, he's setting yep. everything up. Walker's the tip of the spear. You know, you want him getting the ball in good ball, not in shit ball. What do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, I touched on it last week that I just really wanted to see that happen. So good to see it come to fruition. I'm sure Trent Robinson was listening to the podcast during no the doubt. week. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. absolutely. Um, yeah, Kiri taking more control. They look like a better side. Sammy played a little bit more direct off the back of Kiri, and it was really good to see. I don't want to get ahead of myself. They were flattered by a pretty ordinary Titans outfit. That edge of Greg Marju was just chopped a bit, like so easily. Um, but again, they can only beat what's put in front of them, can't they? Um, I still have a little bit of a concern that coming up against better sides, like Teddy was jumping into first receiver quite a bit, which, you know, he's got three tries. It's, it's hard to knock and say it didn't work. But against better sides, I, th- I think you then you're going to see him and Kiri and Sammy Walker stepping on each other's toes a little bit again. So, as I said, I think they got away with it against the Titans. But, yeah, they're, they're on the right track saying, Kiri, mate, your team run the show. And, and they're good signs. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, look, you've got to build from somewhere. You got to build from somewhere, and I think there's this is exactly the win the Roosters needed. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, when you look at their side, man, like when think about like Suwali, the hype he had a year or two ago. Now he's playing first grade, and you're not really hearing that much about it. But I think he's been playing some really good footy. Has, this yep. kid's 18 years old. Think about <laughs> any other kid that was 18 years old that was had two tries, 145 meters, 43 post contact, three tackle breaks, two line breaks, and an offload. You'd be, we'd be going, fuck, this kid is special. Yeah. Whereas he was a toe away from scoring the match winner last week too. Yeah, yeah, literally, literally. I think Suwali has been really good on the wing and it's a scary prospect. Uh, Tupo and, and uh, Suwali on the wings kicking to them. You're just sitting there going, fuck. Jesus. Like, that catch from Corey Thompson, 
was <laughs> outrageous. It's one of the best I've ever seen. Where he goes up with one hand, hits it, and then lands with it. Uh, but yeah, look, Daniel Tuber, he continues to deliver another two tries. Um, yeah, I just think that this was a good example of like, boys, this is how we need to play. Kiri needs to run us around the field. And then we get into good position. That's when we let Sam Walker do his thing. Um, because, yeah, I also think we need to remember, like, Kiri's coming back from ACL. Like, it's not easy. Yeah. Not easy. And he's like, what, 30 years old or so now or 29? Given they've been mucked around with hookers at the start, start of this year, which could be a contribut- uh, contribution to why they didn't start so well, how do you see this Sam Beryl's collarbone injury affecting him? Well, I think Connor Watson is coming back soonish, which is which should be this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that should help. Um, but yeah, that's another thing we have to remember. They haven't had a nine that's, you know, their go-to nine. And Jake Friend was their nine for like 10 years. So I, I just, I think that the Roosters, because they're so good, they don't get enough, um, they don't get cut enough slack for how many players they've lost in key positions. Um, and I, I still believe they're going to make a late run. The Angus Crichton situation though, going to be real interesting because Roosters don't play that negotiation game. Like they don't allow, if you want to go, like they'll just fucking bomb ruthless. Um, so going to be very interesting. If you had to bet, Crichton stays or leaves? I'll say stays. Yeah, stays. I'll say stays, but I reckon what does contribute to him maybe leaving is that he kind of has been shifted and mucked around a bit. Like he's he's changed sides and he's started a few games off the bench. So I don't, I don't know what that means, but... Yeah, that could be something. He played He played early in the season. I could not make sense of it. And now it's time to maybe, as Matty said, add up a little bit. Played 36 minutes against the Bunnies in round three, his old club. 35 minutes off the bench in round four, 52 in round five. All right, he's back to 80 minutes now. But they were things there where we were just going like, what's wrong? Like, this doesn't add up, does it? So yeah. look, it might have nothing to do with it, but it, it was odd, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely odd. I th- what's interesting is that when he came to the club, they actually – it was a big signing, but they actually played him through the middle there and he was struggling a bit for form. But I think Trent Robinson was playing him through the middle just to like, just to harden him up a little bit. And that's why the Fafita thing as well, I think that, you know, playing him through the middle, just get him through all that work and just it would be a good foundation for the rest of his career. But I agree with you. I was shocked when he was coming off the bench because I'm mm. like, this is the best back row in the comp last year. Um, if not the best, top three for sure. I, I think it's more of a reflection on the Roosters pack this year though mm. than Angus for me anyway. Yeah, I, I think he's been good, though, even when he has played. Like, for example, this week, 128 metres, 59 post-contact, four tackle breaks, 33 tackles, zero misses, two offloads. Like, that's a fucking great knock. Great knock. Uh, yeah, so interesting times. Uh, I mean, I say it every week, but I still believe, I think Trent's tinkering. Like, I, I still believe he's unsure as to what is his best 17 going forward. Uh, now, on to the next game. Cowboys-Knights. Holy moly, uh, that first try against Dearden was 100% dull movement. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. But I guess uh, then, you know, that call against them, the obstruction, maybe that evens it out then, you know. Sometimes you get good calls, sometimes you get bad calls. Uh, mate, the, the Cowboys look legit. Look legit. Mm. Uh, I thought that they... They were patient. Even when the game was kind of in the balance, they stayed patient. They didn't go away from anything. They played exactly the way you would hope Chad Townsend would play, which is like, don't allow the fact that, oh, shit, the, the Knights are still hanging in this, they're still hanging in this. And then eventually the points would come and the points did come. Uh, what do you think about this game, Timmy? Yeah, we, we harp on about the, the halves at the Cowboys for good reason. And 
I love how consciously they're playing direct into the line. Like they they go there and they might start like slowly crabbing across field, and you, it's like you see a, a light go on in their mind. You go, I'm crabbing or whatever, and they just straighten up. Mm. Defender ties in, they go whack out the back every single time. And just the outside backs having a field day, particularly Scotty Drinkwater off the back. Of it. Oh, it's awesome. Mate, he is so fucking silky. Oh. Fucky silky. <laughs> like the way he moves across the park and he just, he just everything lands for him. What do you think about this game? Yeah, Drinky's just all class. He's just the, the cherry on top that they've sort of yep. needed. But I was thinking at the end of this game, um, just thinking like, remember at the end of round two we went – Fuck, are the Cowboys the real deal and the Knights the real deal? And if you would have said to me then, which team's going to keep going, I probably would have said Newcastle. Yeah. But, fuck, it's been it's been a real light tale of two two different seasons, hasn't it? The way that Mate, these two they're teams sitting are. third. It's ten rounds. Third. That's in that's incredible, incredible. And like I, I you know, I have people say, oh, they haven't played a good team yet. It's like okay, well, Parramatta's beat. Melbourne and Penrith. They got absolutely slapped by North Queensland yep. a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I, I look at the Cowboys and I go, okay, they haven't played a heap of top sides, but all the stats point to them being a gun side. And every time I watch them, they're playing good footy. Yeah. They're not just beating up on shit teams. They're playing yeah. genuine good footy. Absolutely. And, like, all that is is kicking the can down the road because at the start of the year, you would every, we all knew their draw. We all knew their draw at the start of the year. And every, a lot of people had them as spoon or close to spoon. The fact that they're doing this to the teams that are bottom eight. Let's say let's say every team they've played is bottom eight. They're dominating these teams. They're currently sitting third. Like no one would have thought that before the start of the season. So all you're basically saying is like the standards I had at the start of the year. I'm going to change them to suit my argument, which is the Cowboys aren't good. Um, this, the, your expectation of where they are has changed. Why has it changed though? It's because they're playing well. That's why your expectation has changed. Um, I think the Cowboys are being great. And look, does it mean they're going to win a premiership this next year? You know, uh, this year, sorry, probably not. But I tell you what, they're building towards something pretty nice. They've got a really young pack. Um, you know, even McLean is playing some of his best footy he's played in years. Cotter is young. Nanai is young. Tamalolo is still in like 26, 27. Uh, they've got uh, Lumi, um, Hilliam, uh, Lukey off the bench. Uh, like, they're, they're a young, youngish side. Uh, I think the, the key difference, I think, with the the Cowboys, and a lot of teams will have this, but the Cowboys for me especially, is their spine has no ego. And I think that when you watch them, it, you kind of alluded to it too, they're all working for each other. They're not going, oh, I want to get to here, or I want to, I want a line break, or I want, to get, I want to have the big play. They're all playing their role to make the other player be the best they can be. And guess who pushes that? It's Chad Townsend. That's the player he's always been. Is how can I make everyone around me better? Um, because Dearden and Chad Townsend, like, they're truly playing like – the synergy of the way they play is almost perfect. And then you've got Scotty Drinkwater, again, synergy with him, Townsend and Dearden, almost perfect. And Robson. Robson's been great for the last few weeks. Like, I was a bit concerned about Robson. Would he continue the – when he came in the grade, we knew he was really good, had a good future. Um, I think Robson, since Peyton's taken over, and this year especially, his pass selection is improving each week. Um, his defence is improving. Uh, mate, I think the Cowboys are the real deal. I think that if they don't play finals footy, that's a massive, massive disappointing season for them. And I think a big thing with Robson is too that, you know, and I went into this season, you know, say, saying to you, talking about Ruben Cottergon, if they play him at 13, because they might play him at nine, they might play him here. I think it's just been great by Todd just to say to Robson, you're the nine. Yeah. It's your jersey. We're not going to fuck around with anyone else. You're the jersey. He gets more reps. And he's improved. I, yeah, I, I couldn't believe when the Dragons let him go a couple of years ago. And it's taken him a little bit longer than what I thought it would. Uh, but he is looking 
classy at the moment. Yep. And, and what's good about the, the Cowboys' spine is it seems locked down now. You've got Robson, you've got Dearden, you've got Townsend, and you've got Drinkwater. Boom. You can have literally that spine for minimum the next four years. Mm. That's a scary thing to think. Like Keeping a spine together is the hardest thing in fucking rugby league. Mm. And if they can do that, uh, yeah. And ha- how quickly that spine has gelled. Like, yeah. we, we, we allude to all the last few weeks we've alluded to how, how long it takes for, for spines to genuinely get together and work out how to play on the same level. Mate, they've got a new six this year, a new seven. Scotty Drinkwater played all his footy last year at six. So at one, there's another new member of the spine. It's a completely new spine and they're humming along. And just on talking about them beating up, you know, bad sides and that sort of thing. All right, maybe being a premiership threat, you know, maybe not this year, maybe next year, well, it doesn't matter. But you look at teams like the Tigers who will go and beat uh, Bunnies and, and beat some, and the Eels and win some big games, but then they'll go and lose to bad sides. Well, the Cowboys are disposing of teams they should be disposing of. Mm. And all right, they might get run into a harder stretch sooner and lose a couple of games against your Panthers and your Storm and that. But because they're beating up these sides, not only is it good for the four and against, but they'll have done enough to, you know, to finish top eight or, God yeah. forbid, you know, maybe top four, the way they're playing. So um, you just, how do you knock what they're doing? Yeah. Ruben Cotter, 120 metres, 46 post-contact, two tackle breaks, 41 tackles, zero misses. And I, what I love about their team right now is, like, they represent what Toddy Payton was all about. People forget that he was a motherfucker. Todd Payton was a motherfucker. You know what's weird? It's like their new form of media is, like, we can call coaches motherfuckers now. <laughs> you could never do that on Fox League or, a, or a Channel 9 where it's, like, podcasting that. We can just talk shit. Um, yeah, Toddy Payton... Mate, I tell you what, him and Fitzgibbon, for me right now, coach of the year. Yeah. No, I, I think as well, like you look at what a Craig Fitzgibbon, you look at the way that the Sharks attack compared to the Cowboys. What the Cowboys are doing, they haven't reinvented the wheel. They're just nailing their basics week in and week out and everyone's buying into what they're doing. Mate, like if you said to me that, you know, Jordan McLean, Cotter, Gilbert, Nanai, Cohen Hess, Griffin Neem, if you told me that was a top three forward pack... I'd laugh at you. Yeah, I'd be like, nah, no way. They'll be lucky to be in the eight. Lucky to be in the lucky, eight. Lucky, yeah. yeah. And and the way they're playing now, it's like Chad Townsend, four tries. When was the last time the great Chad, Chadwick, had four tries? He's playing so good. And, mate, the amount of people that would, like, I'd argue with it, like with the Townsend thing, I'm just like, you're not showing Chad, Chad enough respect. Like, you're not respecting what this bloke has achieved and what he offers to this club. And he is absolutely the key reason, one of the big reasons why they're going the way they are. Like, it is just, I mean, even like, the guys were like Holmes and Hiku, like, we're not even talking about them and they're playing career best footy, like. Well, they're 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 playing centre, keeping an origin centre out of the team. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy. Kyle Felt. I love how ruthless the Cowboys are playing. Like, they were were down at half time and they were ruthless in the second half. They were ruthless against Parra up in Darwin. They were ruthless against the Titans. Even like earlier in the year uh, against the Broncos at Suncorp when Nanai scored three. Like they were ruthless that game. They're a great team to watch at the moment. Yeah, oh, it's, and, and you, what, what I felt as well when I was watching the Cowboys, they go, down, go in at halftime down, yeah, correct? 16-12. And I was like, I was still watching them going, they don't look panicked at all. They don't look like they're worried, concerned. When a lot of teams, oh shit, the Knights who are currently sitting last, oh my God, they're beating us, holy shit, holy shit, we need to make the big play. Cowboys said, doesn't matter. We'll get the points. And they did exactly that. So, mate, what about, like, and I just want to give a massive rap to Dearden. Like, the, the amount of negative 
pressure that he was under at the Broncos, the next anointed, he was going to lead us into the promised land. Then he just gets shafted, goes up to the Cowboys, plays really poorly. For him to come back the way he has, the mental toughness you've got to have to do that is incredible. And he is... Um, He's any bit of joy that he's experiencing right now. He has earned every fucking second of it. And mate, you have a look at the second. Cowboys. Like they came out in round one. Round one's a bit of a lottery. They lost to the Wooden Spooners last year. Like you would have thought, like yeah. a terrible start. Yeah, yeah. They lost that game by two points. You know, if they were to have won that game, which was definitely they could. I mean, I think Hammer he scored a try at the very end of that game and got it taken off him because he was a foot offside. Yeah, yeah. He like was. they could have quite easily won that one. All of a sudden. They've won one less game than the Panthers and the Storm at Crazy. the moment. And then you think about their other loss against the Roosters. They lost 28-4. to They had three players sin-binned in the 21st, 50th, and 71st minute. Yeah. Like, tough to win a game of footy. In, yeah. like, the Roosters were the better team that night. But when you look at the season as a whole, they're doing incredibly well. Yeah. And the, the good thing is, is like, this is not an ageing pack that's we're concerned about the next year or two. Like, this is truly a team that you can build for the next three to four years into a premiership threat. So... Cowboys fans, get excited, man. Get excited. Like, Toddy Payton, like we spoke about it earlier, but that them tackling every day of the preseason, I don't think people understand how fucking hard that is on the body. Like, preseasons are hard enough as it is. Scotty Drinkwater actually said it's one of, one of the hardest preseasons he's ever had, and he's obviously been at the Melbourne Storm. So, mate, just huge raps to Toddy Payton and that, that entire squad. There's something special going up there. Um, also, massive respect to Valentine Holmes. You know, gets signed as a fullback. You could, you could say has to swallow a bit of humble pie, I think, to get moved to back to the centre. Doesn't kick stones, doesn't kick rocks, actually takes his game to a whole new level and has been one of the best centres in the competition. So there's something special going up there. Kyle Felt, Hikyu as well. Uh, Tulagi, like, yeah, huge, huge raps. Congratulations, boys. Uh, Jason Tamalolo, you know, killing it. 180 metres, 17 tackles, no misses. So congratulations. Now, on to the Knights. Um, Timmy, what do you think about the Knights, mate? Uh, I'm excited to see them next week because they're getting a lot of players back in their back row. Um, yeah, look, pretty disappointing again. Um, there were signs of life in there on the weekend. I liked there was a clearly a conscious effort to get Caelan Ponga's hands on the ball a bit more and get him playing a little bit flatter and faster, which we've been asking for for a long time. And that was off the back of picking... Phoenix Crossland and Tex Hoy in the halves. They had to. They had to get him doing that. There was one try that they scored. It was um, Dom Young off the scrum. Ponga got it first man off it and was just flying forward and just summed it up, went whack, whack, little jink, created a number, and they scored. It was like, get him playing flat and fast. Um, yep. So, I mean, all in all, disappointing, but there were signs of life in that side. This week, they'll get Mitch Barnett back, which is huge for them. Mm. Tyson Frizzell will come back in. Um, there's... That they're getting there. Yeah. What do you think, Guru? Yeah, I agree. Everything Timmy said, he, he's been talking about the way they use KP for quite some time. And um, now I thought it looked really dangerous the other day. Uh, they get they do get troops back this week. I think that they've have they got Canterbury this week for Magic Crown, I think, in the first game. Um, they just need to get a W on the board. So yeah. desperate. That's seven in a row it's now. It's been two months now. Seven in a row. I think I've worked out what... This is what I would do if I was head of recruitment uh, at the Knights. I would basically be saying, we don't need a all-playing six or a, a flashy six. We need one of the best defending sixes in the comp and a running six. And I would be saying, Ponga, in attack, you're basically a six for us. At fullback, you defend mm. at fullback. But in attack, we want you... I just think on the weekend, the only way they scored points was off Ponga. Mm. The, the kick and then off the scrum. 
And so I just think that he's so crucial to that side now where you just have to basically get a really strong six defender, a really strong ball six runner, and say, mate, you don't need to ball play. You just need to be sick in defence and run the ball tough and hard to get Kurt, us some good... Kurt Mann. Kurt Mann could be the guy. Or, or I'm even... To, I'm talking more white in size. Yeah. Just a big fucking body. Because what, what his role would be, mate, we just need you to run the ball heaps because we just need you to get in the front foot for KP. That's it. We don't need mm-hmm. you to do anything else. We need a... And then for seven, if I'm doing recruitment... I just need a fully structured seven. Like guys like Chad Townsend would have been perfect. Like if you bring Chad Townsend in that side, then get a six that can ball run hard and just defend, all of a sudden the, the whole side would have changed um, if you had Reynolds in that side as well. And so if I'm recruiting for the Knights, basically the recruitment would be all around in attack. Ponger is a six in defense. He's a fullback uh, and we build a team around that. Just on uh, the Knights defense, and I understand that the scoreline could have been a lot bigger if Tamalolo scored in the second half those couple of times. But their goal in defence against the Eels and against last week Melbourne was, was pretty bad. But there was a moment in the second half, I think it was, when Edric Lee and another player were both getting treated and it was 13 on 11. And Jacob Zaifidi and Bradman Best held up Nanai. And I thought that was um, just a really positive moment for the Knights considering they were two men down. Their goal in defence last few weeks has been shocking and they were able to um, scramble and hold him up, which was good. Look, next week is going to be the key for them. Because at the moment you could say, look, it's the Cowboys. They're a great side. They've played the Storm. Uh, they played Penrith as well, do they? They've played the Storm. Anyway, they yeah. played the Storm and the Cowboys. They, these are top three sides right now. And Penrith. And Penrith. So they've got injuries. They've been through a lot. They go into next week against the Doggies. This will be – if they can't win this game, then it's kind of like – then it's panic stations for me. Then it's like this is this is something is way off here. Something is way off. They've also played sharks and manly. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. So like, although this seven game period has been really tough on the club and, and everything, they've had a lot of injuries. They've got they lost Braley at the start of the year. They lost Pierce obviously recruitment wise. Um, they've had Tyson Frizzell's been injured. Kalen's been injured. They go into next week. They get Tyson back. They get um, Clifford back hopefully. Kurt Mann Kurt, should be back next week or Kurt two. Kurt Barnett. Exactly. So, look, it, it just all hinges on next week for me, really does. Because, like, speaking uh, off air, we probably should have stuck to our guns. I, I, didn't have the, I didn't have Knights as Spoon. I had them more, I think, like 10th to 14th. Um, I think those first two games maybe gave us all a bit of false hope. Um, but next week is the key for me. If they can't get all those players back and go out and play really good footy and get the win... Uh, then I'm starting to go, wow, we got, we got a problem on our yeah, hands. Well, here. the next three weeks, they play Canterbury, definitely a winnable game. Play Brisbane the week after, but it's in Newcastle. Yeah. Newcastle should be able to win any game in Newcastle. Like, especially against the Broncos. Like, it's, Broncos are doing well, but they're not a top three side. Like, yeah. They're, they're eight right now. They're not fucking well beaten. And they play the Warriors into a bye. Yeah. This, so This seven and two could turn into seven and five. Yeah. Or five and seven pretty quickly. And so basically... The next month of footy is season defining for me. Mm. If they can't win, if they can't win this next month of footy, it doesn't have to be every game, but win just the month overall. That's really concerning for me. But what I did like from the weekend, uh, I love Ponga's attitude. I, I don't care what anyone says. Ponga tried his absolute dick off on the weekend. He was in everything. He was uh, he was responsible for at least two, like two of their tries. Um, and without Kale and Ponga, they get absolutely oost in my opinion. Um, so. 
he he's when it comes to effort, he's absolutely delivering. Uh, he also had a couple of try savers, one that the did and one that was a double movement. That was great from Ponga putting his body on the line. Um, I also want to give a massive shout out. I thought Jack Johns was really fucking good in defense before he got injured. And I also think Clemmer. 181 meters, 76 post contact, 27 tackles, zero misses. He doesn't get enough appreciation for what he delivers, man. He really doesn't. Against all of the big dog teams, the only person that has really like made an impact has been Clemmer. Um, so, yeah, look, it, you can't sugarcoat it. It's been a very rough seven to eight weeks. But there is an opportunity now to turn everything around where they all, let's say they win their next three matches. They all of a sudden are on the edge of the eight. And then, boom, they could make the eight towards the end of the year. Well, mate, if they win their next three matches, they then have a bye. Coming out of the bye, they play Penrith, who I assume will be missing a heap of origin players. You get two weeks to prepare for the Penrith Panthers. You get to rest your guys when half their squad goes off and plays origin. I mean, and it's in Newcastle Sunday afternoon. Could not. I mean, this is such an opportunity for them as a club. Like, yep. it's such an opportunity. You could, yeah. You couldn't honestly ask for... In context with who they have to play, because it's a you know you've got to play everyone, you really couldn't ask for a better month mm, of footy. Yeah. You really couldn't. So hopefully they can turn it around. Um, I do think they're missing Dan Gagai massively. Mm. Fuck, he is good for that side. Um, yeah, and, and we have to remember this is a side that's got Tex, Tex Hoy and Phoenix Crossland in six and seven, first game ever together. Chris Randall also a rookie. So you have to appreciate the injuries that they're going through at the moment. They, they're, they're really struggling with injury. Um, I thought Thompson's shot on Tamalolo, was it Tamalolo? was pretty hectic at the start when he made, made him drop the ball. It's got something about him, Leo. I, I like him. Yeah. I like him, the energy he brings. Um, I think Croker brings a lot of energy off the bench, gets through a lot of good work, bends the line a bit. Uh, but yeah, hopefully next week they turn it around. Now, on to Sharkies, uh, sorry, Storm v the Dragons. Uh, look, I thought this was a I mean, I know they ran away with it at the end, but for 60 minutes, I thought the Dragons were pretty good. Yeah, they just they just make you pay for your mistakes, don't they, Melbourne? Like there was that moment where, where Jack Bird went down the short side and, you know, there was nothing really on there, but that's what Melbourne do to you. Yeah. Their defence is just so good, you've got to go a little bit unorthodox. And against most teams, Jack would have gone down the short side, there would have been a turnover, it's okay, but against Melbourne... Jack goes from trying to do something down the short side to standing behind his sticks watching them convert a try. Yeah. They don't miss an opportunity. Seconds. It's fucked, yeah. If, if you give them half a sniff, they will make you pay. And there's no other team in the competition that makes you pay the way the Storm do. Yeah, mate, I, I thought St. George did pretty well to start the game, but the class of Melbourne is just incredible. Uh, Pappy, Munster, Grant, Hughes was great too, but those three were just like... Grant is just terrorising you Mate. on every single play. He's so much better oh. than any hooker in the game right it's, now. I know he's got the platform to work off, but he's like leaps and bounds ahead of any other hooker in the game. We, we just never seen a hooker like him, in my opinion. You know, Cam Smith will always be the goat hooker. No denying. He's just because his footy mind was just mm. like leaps and bounds. But I don't believe we've ever seen a hooker that has so many facets to his game. Like he's an explosive ball runner. He's got a great footy mind. He's got great delivery. He's, his defence is getting better each week. I was a bit concerned with his defence early on. He was missing a fair few tackles. He's getting better each week. I mean, if he stays injury-free, the damage he's going to cause into the competition is going to be... I think, I think, put it this way, I think statistically, when it comes to stats of like try assists and that, he will probably eclipse any, any hooker in the game. Now, obviously, Cam Smith, you know, his stats were more about directing the team around, but... I don't think we've ever seen a hooker that has this many tries this 
line breaks, tackle breaks. You know what I mean? Well, that, that's the other thing. I mean, you've got this guy who's got – like, you take Cam Smith out, you could honestly take little bits and pieces of the best hookers of the last 20 years, put them together, yeah. and that's Grant, and he served an apprenticeship under, under Cam, Cam Smith. Smith yeah. Like, he uh, – yeah, I, I just think he, he is incredible. Even – there was a play yesterday where he, he, he got out, he sort of went to the open side, they were, they were, they were on the right-hand side tram line, he like dropped it off the outside of his right foot, banana kick, and just dropped it into. Yeah, touch like. Yeah. To, to be a right foot art with the markers coming to you from that side and just drop that in, and mate, he didn't even. It was, it was the most casual thing. Yeah. The the challenge for Grant now is he is so fucking good that it's all about premierships now with Grant. Like it's like if you want to be if you want greatness, this is all well and good. Like club footy killing it, fucking so, but. You're past that now. You're beyond club footy. You are now in the the chasing greatness business, and now it's all about premierships. That's it. How many premierships are you going to win? Because that's the only really we all like. We all know your your top. The best game that you can play. There's very very few hookers in the game that could ever play as good as as Grant could play. Um, so yeah, he's just chasing greatness now. It's about it's about premierships. Picking your kangaroo's side right now. You still going with Cookie? <sighs> tell you what it's getting fucking hard to, to yeah, it's getting ignore. hard to push back on yeah, yeah. but i mean all the points you still made about cook do still stand it's um, getting tough i'm i'm a loyal loyalty guy first mm. um but I, it's getting tougher what do you reckon timmy i'm going harry grant yeah and i love damien cook i think he's outstanding for obvious reasons but mate like <laughs> cookie's running game is exceptional grant has that plus he's a better creator He's learning to get his team around the park every single game. And, I mean, you've also got to look at the fact that he's playing behind this Melbourne pack that are just dominating teams week in, week out. He's not always going to have that, particularly if he gets to – I mean, the Kangaroos probably will too. I, I will but. say, though, him going to the Tigers was the best thing ever for his legacy because it's like he can do it. He went yep. to the Tigers and he fucking nearly got into finals footy yep. in his first year of rugby league, ANRO oh. rugby league. So I know what you're saying. Like, he is behind Storm, but he has proven he's he can do freak. it. Yeah. And at, at, watching Melbourne every week, they're my favourite team to watch in the NRL. Uh, at the moment and I get so excited then it just dawns on me that Cam Munster is in career best form Harry Grant's doing this and they're going to do it to the Blues or like Munster's not that old they're going to do it to the Blues the next 10 years I'm like oh geez it's bittersweet watching yeah. them <laughs> mate that, I mean it's great signs for Queensland but yeah Harry Grant he's chasing greatness now he's truly something special um, I, I don't think we'll ever see someone like Cam Smith ever again like I think he will truly stand the test of time uh, but I tell you what, he's already like if he keeps on this trajectory, I think he'll be the second best hooker of all time. Yeah, I, I definitely sorry, think mate. he will be. Is, no, I agree. Is Smithy doing anything with the Storm and the hookers down there? Uh, not, not at the moment, I don't think. But obviously, you know, he had a huge hand in. Uh, you know, obviously he'll have a hand with him in in Q, uh, the Queensland side. Yeah. Um, but like, what, what's crazy is to say this so early. And again, I'm not saying he's there yet. But what I am saying is, I think we're all convinced. It's all about chasing greatness for Grant now. It's no one can question how good this kid is. He is fucking outstanding. What are you, Origin game one? Are you picking him as your starting nine? I know a few weeks ago you, you were tinkering with maybe bringing him off the bench. What? Are yeah, you, uh, okay, it's, it's a good question. If you had asked me five, four or five weeks ago, I would have said off the bench for impact because yep. I was just a bit concerned with his yep. defence. His defence has improved so much that I would I would start him now. Eighty minutes? Or like, do you, do you play a Ben Hunt? Do you? What do you do? Fuck. Mate, I, I probably eighty minutes. Like, if he can deliver this kind of shit in Origin, mm. you don't you don't want this bloke off the field. You just don't want him off the field. 
I don't know. It's it's just a, it's a different pace though. Eighty minutes in the middle for Origin, very few men can do that. Uh, yeah, I, I will say like the other thing you've got to consider with Grant is that this is the first time he's put together an extended amount of first grade where he hasn't been fucking injured. Mm. Mm. Like yeah, it's the first Origin he's really coming in with proper match fitness as well. Um, yeah, as as a New South Wales fan. I'm shitting myself. <laughs> like him around the ruck can be the difference. It, like truly the difference. Yeah. The only worry I have with the 80 minutes in origin with Grant is the fact that like, because he is so explosive, like surely he can't do that in the speed of origin. Surely he, if he can do that for 80 minutes in origin, that's superhuman kind of shit. But mate, he's got, he, he, to me, he feels like one of those guys that you're going to get to origin every year and go, how the fuck does he do it? Yeah. yeah. He, yeah. he feels exactly. like he, he's an origin player. But it's like, it's like, for example, like the cheese, like the cheese is so explosive mm. that he gasses himself out to, to a degree. And I can, I worry like if, if Grant is running for 120 meters in origin, could he get through 80 minutes of that intensity? Well, if he can, it'd be fucking amazing. Tell you who this leads into, uh, bloke on the fringe of origin. And it's Reuben Cotter. Pick Reuben Cotter on the bench if you get to the 55, 60 minute mark and Harry's gassed and needs a 10, 15 minute spell. Cotter off the bench can slot in there for 15, give him a spell, whack. It, like you go into the game planning for Grant as an 80 minute hooker. Yeah. If he can't do it, I think he can, mm. but if he can't. So slot, you reckon Benny Cotter. Hunt loses his spot then? It depends how they want to go with the yeah. bench. But yeah. if they're looking at, you know, going, we want him playing, like, if they're going into it saying we want Harry Grant to play 80, well, do you need Ben Hunt on the bench? Not necessarily. Um, I just think Cotter's a good Because if, if he does play 80, Cotter can go on and make an impact as a middle anyway. Yeah. Um, just food for thought. Oh, yeah, I reckon they'll go Hunt 14, Cotter 17. Just have them both. Pick two yeah. middles. Really? I just size-wise, that's a small bench for Origin. Origin's like the, the physicality of it. I was going to say before, I think the way Ben Hunt's playing, I reckon he, he has to, has to, be, has to be in the team. And I think 60, 50, 60 minutes of quality Harry Grant with Ben Hunt coming on, Queensland lose absolutely nothing. So I, yeah. I reckon Harry Grant will play 60. And I think so. Ben can play in the middle as a 13 if he has to as well. I think he's stocky enough. Uh, but I tell you what, like, think about how, like, a year or two ago, the Queensland side, you were almost, like, scratching together. Like, oh, man, like, this guy's barely in first grade and we're putting him on the bench. Now you're sitting there going, fuck, Cotter is challenging Ben Hunt for his spot. You've still got Tino that's playing really well. For Fida, that when he comes back and plays really well, like you've got uh, Maui Fodawaka, you've got like Paddy Carrigan. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's starting to really come together. Lindsay Collins, uh, Papali'i. So, mate, it's uh, looking I, I good. can't believe we're this close to origin and we're not panicked about the Queensland centres at all. Do you remember at the start of the season going, who the centers. hell yeah, is going true. to play centre? Yeah, but Holmes and Gagai, I'll put that. <laughs> I'm happy with them against anyone. anyone. I, I remember when, when, when Malcolm Morgan retired, I thought, fuck, that's going to be a loss for Queensland at centre. Yeah, yeah. Because that's where they were at. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, Harry Grant, as I said, Absolutely amazing. What he is doing, I personally haven't seen a hooker play like this before, like week in, week out. Incredible. Um, We've got to get to him. Cam, mad dog, money, monster. When have we, like, the, he is doing things that we just haven't seen. Like, he, uh, I'm trying to think of a six that's played like monster, but he's so off the cuff. And so raw and just doing whatever the... Like, he's having fun. Like, he's just having yeah. fun. Like, he's goosing for fun. He's little... Like, that goosey to flick pass was just pure fun. Like, he didn't need... You know what I mean? Like, he could have probably just... He just... He's like the kid on the playground that knows he's the best. It is incredible. Yeah. I mean, could you 
Tell, is there any six that comes to mind that plays the way he plays? There, there's little things that he does that remind you of guys, but as a whole, as a package, no. Like there may have been better sixes or one more premierships or whatever, but I just mean the style of play. Like it's so unorthodox. And it's he can so, like he can flick you, he can chip, he can run over the top, he can, he can beat you in so many ways. And I, I imagine when you're defending him, not me. Just go, he could beat me in seven ways here. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's up to him which way he wants to beat it's me. It's crazy. Like, his right foot step is wild. Like, both feet's wild. His kicking game is improved out. It's like, he gets the ball. He's looking left. Looks like that as he's about to go left. Sees Hughes, puts it boom, on the boot, lands it on a dime for Hughes. Like, that in last week when he, like, looking the other way and then did a backwards fucking spiral across. I mean, it is just... <sighs> fuck, what do you got there, Matty? Just on the storm, um, I'll give you a little stat. The Dallium point just came out. So there's 13 players in the NRL that are on nine points or more, the entire Melbourne Storm spine are on nine <laughs> points or more. Fuck. This is where the Dallium system's flawed because like one of them's not going to win it because they keep yeah. taking points yep. from each other. And you know what? Yeah, but we kept saying that about Billy Slater and Cronk their entire career. Yeah. Every second year they'd win the fucking thing still. Yeah, yeah. it's... Mate, it's just... Yeah, Cam Munster, how much are you paying for him? How much, honestly... Well, yeah. How much you paying for this him? discussion yesterday, I mean, it, it depends on the club, but I, I, I remember sitting here with Dawes six weeks ago saying 1.5, and he almost fell off his chair. And he was like, like, no way. Yeah, it's like, well, no, he's like, he's the best player not named Nathan Cleary, and he's in better form than Nathan Cleary right now, yep. in my opinion. It's crazy. What, do you, what would you pay for him, Tim? I mean, I think at most clubs, probably 1.2. I think you could maybe stretch to 1.3. Uh, if, if we're talking Dolphins... They need that marquee player so bad for like so many reasons for a new club that maybe you do stretch it to 1.5. Mm. Um, 1.5 at a regular club, I think that's a shitload of money. I think yeah. that's probably a little bit too much. But at the Dolphins, they need star power. Yeah. What? What's the sum of money where the Dolphins go? That's too much. I think I can't go higher than 1.5. I just can't. Like that is fucking. Like if you're so gonna right. pay 1.5, is is 1.6? Yeah, I know. Ludicrous though. To get the man. To get him, if yeah. if you're not gonna have him, like, I, I imagine fuck. if they don't have Cam Munster round one next year and they come out and they don't have a marquee guy, they'll be sitting there going, "Fuck that!" Over extra 100k would have, wouldn't have. Mate, you mentioned that. before the caps there. You got to spend it. They don't have um like. They haven't really. Have, they don't have big signing yet, so it's like they've got to spend it. Yeah. But not only for the club's sake, like you have to spend at least ninety five percent of your cap. So yeah. you're always going to find people. But if they don't have any other marquees and they've got the money there, well, why not one point six? You know, to be honest, like they could work out a deal where first year's one point five, and then they go year after that one point three, one point two, and that sounds outrageous, but it mm. could be like a way for them to go look, mate. If we want to win a comp, we fucking. Mm. We can't – with you on 1.5, we just can't do it. But we will pay you 1.5 the first year just to lay the foundation, get people to the club. We drop it down to 1.2 in the next year. Like, I think that's a, f a good deal to Munster in the sense that, look, it's even, – even at 1.25, that is still, what, 500 more or 400 more than – what is it? That would be 500 more. The 750? 500 yeah. more. Yeah. That's half a million dollars more. And so I think that, like – just to get him there and you go, look, 1.5 first year, but then we'll drop it to 1.2 the year on, year and after. Like, I think that's like a really reasonable yeah. way to kind of get him and say, mate, like we get you there, you get your big money, you still get fucking heaps of money the next year, but we become more competitive in those next years. And maybe he may see that as like, yeah, all right, I can, I can see the reasoning behind that. And But and I tell you what. It works like, perfectly for their 
current, I know it's early days, but their current clap, uh, clap, <laughs> their current cap um, space and how they're looking without these marquees, well, year one, they probably can do that, hey? So to yeah. do that and... It's like almost the opposite of a back-ended, it's like a front-ended um, deal, yep. isn't it, where they just smash him first year while I've got that money. Yep. And then, yeah. Like, I think that'd be like the smartest thing to do. Go yeah. go big first year mm. and then drop it back. I mean, you could even go as high as like, go really high the first year, just front-end him because you, you've got no one. And like, because the, the Dolphins are almost getting to the point where there's going to be blokes that are fucking not great on like 400K because you've got to fill your cap out. Yeah. So like... Well, they're not going to go into a year with paying $2 million less than every other club. So it might be a play for them to go. Mate, that's all I was saying at the start. End. At what point do you go, oh, yeah. no, I can't do that. I, I don't... Imagine if they went, like, just front-ended him massive <laughs> and then just dropped it to 1.2. And so he gets all his cash early and then they drop it the next few years and they just go, look, we're going to have a shit roster the first year, but the second, you know, when people come off contract, mate, it's you're interesting on, time. Mate, you're on four mil for the first season <laughs> yeah. and then your minimum wage the <laughs> yeah, next four years, four years in a row. Um, also, Papin using low-grade mo- uh, hamstring injury. Hope he's okay. Fuck, he's good. He's just one of the most exciting players to watch. I, I don't want to say it because he's one of the goats, Billy Sater, but, geez, he reminds me of Billy Sater the way he <laughs> plays. Like, you can't – there's no denying. Like, is he going to be the same as Billy Sater long term? Maybe not. But you can't tell me you don't see shades of Billy when he plays. And it's incredible how similar he looks to Billy despite how smaller he is. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, like you, you get to every week and you look at his metres and you look at his post-contact and you have to remind yourself that he's – 85 kilos dripping wet. Dripping wet. He does not play like that. I, yeah. Look, I, I, I think that this injury, it could potentially cost him a Blues jersey, maybe. <laughs> I don't know if it will, but it could potentially. But I think as he said yesterday, mate, he has been carrying injuries for about a month and a yeah, half now. Yeah. He's been battered and bruised and putting in the performances he is to give him... If I'm Craig Bellamy, I'd be upset for him, but I'd be low-key stoked yeah. that he gets a month and a half to sort to his sort body out. out. Yeah. I also think like... You know, if, if you're Bellamy, you maybe we should arrest him at half time. Like, maybe. Yep. Sure. maybe it's a maybe it's something that a lesson that no, not a lesson because that's fucking Craig Bellamy, but just out, <laughs> yeah, fuck, Jesus Christ, <laughs> apologies, I apologize, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but maybe like, let's cotton wool him a little bit, like you know what I mean, because we need him for the back end of the season. If this happens again, maybe they do. Like when he did his knee, mm. maybe next time this happens, they realize look. He's always going to deliver high-quality footy. So let's just pull him off. We need him for the end of the season um, because the, obviously the injury doesn't happen if, if they take precaution and bring him off. Granted, they're only 12 nil up. And also, granted, if you start playing like that, you start cotton-wooling everyone and all of a sudden, fucking, you know, you've got no one on the field. Um, who else played really well? Uh, Brandon Smith, 173 metres. But I want to uh, – Brandon Smith, like, I feel like ever since he signed with the Roosters, it's been a little bit quiet and the focus has been on Grant. But he still rips and tears. But I want to give a shout-out to Tyron Wishart. He was yeah, great. wasn't he? He was fantastic when he came on. 130 metres in 69 minutes. Uh, come on at fullback for a period there. Mate, he was great. He Man, was great. It's another one from the exact same town, Jerringong, that St. George have let go. Yep. Taken an opportunity elsewhere. Yeah. He's absolutely killed it. He's, yeah, it's crazy, mate. He he sort of, when he arrived at Melbourne, I, I remember I, I had his dad on on the podcast Saturday last year, Rod, champion player. I said, what position is Tyrant playing? He went, oh, no, 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 no. I don't know. It's oh, uh, just whatever Melbourne needs, I guess, and that's been exactly what he is. Yeah. He's just, whatever they need, he can do it. Yeah. He took on the line there late in the game. 
and cut through with like a big right foot step, hair going everywhere. Yeah. I was like, oh, Munster to get, holy shit, that's Tyron Wishart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. As I was like, the same. What is going on? I actually thought it was uh, like it reminded me of Pappy, like yeah. little Pappy with his long hair flying. Uh, so, yeah, he went really well. Uh, shout out to Nelson Asafa Solomona. Um, you know, he played important match to him, to his father who passed away earlier this year. Uh, I thought he was an absolute beast on the field. A beast on the field. I'd put him in my team of the week. Only played 45 minutes, but he ran for 155 metres. 87 post-contact. Eight tackle breaks. Uh, we said at the start of the year, if they're going to win a premiership, Nelson Osofa Solomona is going to have a big year, and I think he's having one of the best years of his career. Yeah, He's just... Every time they need momentum, they bring him on the field, and he just skittles blokes. It's just... Yeah, he's incredible. Um, Hughes as well. Like I think Hughes is playing some really good footy. It's just the fact that Grant and Munster are playing crazy footy. Ah, uh, look, the Storm, they're scary. They're scary. Uh, Remus Smith, uh, hopefully he recovers. Hopefully it's not as bad as they think, which is a torn peck. But if it is, fuck me, all the best best wishes with the recovery. Nick Meany, wow, he's gone to a new level. What about that try he scored? Pure pace, like oh. just blistering pace. Blistering pace. Um, yeah, incredible, incredible. He may keep that spot now. He may keep I love that, that spot. you've added uh, some emojis to your notes. Yeah, it's <laughs> a nice little touch. I like Mate, it. I just fired it. There was a few other ones earlier. Um, now, it's interesting that sorry to interrupt. Do you think it's interesting that we talk about the importance of a ball playing thirteen and the storm? Given Josh King is absolutely killing it, doing what he does, but the storm haven't really got that. Yeah, no, you're totally right, mm. and they're the, they're the one like exception to the rule. They've never really had a ball playing thirteen. But I think it's because they just play such – like a lot of their widespread stuff, like they, they'll do long pass to long pass and they kind of cut out the necessity of that. And also their passing is so high quality, even when it's a long pass, that they skip a bunch of players anyway, whereas a lot of teams don't really have the skill set to do that. They, they would knock it on, the passes would be behind them. Whereas the amount of times like – because like what Melbourne Storm do is they play – front foot footy and what that is is they go long pass long pass they hit your three in and they just get up on the advantage line and just go and just go again and and so some people i say oh they're going side to side but they go side to side but when they go to a tram line or a you know 20 meters in they they straighten it up and then they'll go again and so their their style is very different to other teams where it's out the back out the back play they'll just go harry grant will zing a 20 meter pass cam munster will zing a 20 meter pass um and it just it negates the Put it this way, like they do score some out the back plays, but a lot of this, the tries that I've seen anyway, I don't, and I don't have stats to back it up, are more just front footy tries. Like they just, they, they're playing at such a high speed, their defence can't get back quick enough. Whereas you look at, say, the Rabbitohs, it's very slow and methodical, you know, out the back, out the back, strip them. Um, and so I, that's, where, that's why I feel like they get away with not having a ball played. Mate, it's almost like every week you can pick out one of the Melbourne Storm spine members who was a little bit quiet, but it was okay to be quiet. Mm. It's almost like if you put a ball playing 13 in there, it's almost like too many chefs in the kitchen. Yeah, I think it'd be too many. Yeah. It'd be too many. Uh, I, I, the way I see them play is they're just a very front foot footy yeah. play. Like, for example, Nelson's try, what was incredible about that is like, so Nelson's try, if you go back and you watch the Knights game, there is an exactly the same play. And because it happens so quickly... It doesn't look like a set play because it's like front foot, oh, someone could quick play the ball. But because they're all so on song, they identify that. And and if you look back at the week before, they both ran that same line. Olam was there, Nelson was there. And against the Knights, he hit Olam and Olam scored the try. Mm. Fast forward to next week, 
he hits Nelson on the short ball and Nelson scores a try. And this is how switched on these guys are. In a split second, I don't know what the call is, but they just call it. And both of those boys just run that line. And it, it made me think about, like speaking to Cam Smith about what makes the Storm so great in attack, is that they make sure they always have like A, B and C option. So no matter what you throw them in defence, the next time they're going to come at you with the same shape, but they're going to take a different option. Mm. So it forces the defences to go, we can never pre-plan our defence. We can never sit here and go, oh, here's that shape. We know what's coming. They create shapes that like they'll, they'll come at you with the same shape, but people will run different lines at the, in the last Christ. second. And so you don't know how to defend that. And that's what the Storm <laughs> do so well. And that's a, a really good example. Um, the Nelson Olam one, they came with the same shape, but hit the different bloke. Um, and they hit the short runner rather than the overs runner and all them. So, yeah, the fucking storm are just crazy. <laughs> it sounds so easy. You know, you've got a whole week to prepare for a game to oh. be that organised. But it's just when you actually get into the nitty-gritty of it, yeah, like to do it in five days every week. Getting just, 17 blokes to execute, it might be that third yeah. plan because of the way the opposition are defending you. It's like crazy. Oh, it's just crazy. Um, Dragons, speak about the Dragons mm. quickly. Uh Look, I know the scoreboard isn't flattering, but I, I didn't think they were that bad. Yeah. I, I really didn't. I thought this was more a case of the Storm were just fucking outrageous. Um, I thought Suli was outstanding. I think he's played outstanding all year. His ball carries are so crucial to them. Um, yeah, you look, I thought Josh Maguire was really good. Benny Hunt, I thought, was great. Um, in attack, in defence, I thought he was a bit... You know, he missed quite a few tackles and has seemed to sneak into his game the last few weeks, but... In attack, he's been outstanding. Um, yeah, this is a hard one to because you, you walk off the field, it's forty-two-six, and people are disappointed. But were they that bad? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't think they were either. But you're right; it's hard to find um, too much to talk about with the Dragons. I, I keep on feeling like I walk away from most games and go, "Fuck!" I don't think they're as bad as what people tell me yeah um, and this was another one but like you played a storm at home that nearly completed at 90 percent and had 60 percent of the ball you know what i mean like yeah. it's a recipe for getting absolutely fucking towed up yeah. like the storm playing like that could essentially put 50 on every team in the comp except for maybe the eels and maybe penrith and that's it um yeah, it's it's yeah because because it, it, the dragon still completed at 73 percent you know what i mean so like so where do you <laughs> They, they just, unfortunately, 17 blokes just had a high skill set. Like, that's really the, yeah. the gist of it. Like, okay, yeah, maybe the, the Dragons could have completed at 80%. And, yeah, okay, fair enough. But, fuck, it's not a bad it, knock. It's another team for the Dragons. They've got a, a, a really good three weeks leading into their bye. They've got the Titans, the Warriors, and the Bulldogs. It's three yeah. games that I, I think they should win. What do you reckon um, about this team, the Dragons, Timmy? Yeah. Your boys nailed it pretty well. Like in my notes, I've got all these critical things and, and down into the, the nitty gritty of what went wrong for them, what they could have done better. But as you said, they were just outplayed by a significantly better football team. And you know, the Melbourne Storm are significantly better than probably fourteen other teams in the NRL or thirteen or twelve other teams in the NRL. So it's like I sat there and watched that second half, and I, I thought there were just some piss poor efforts from the Dragons, particularly defensively. But at the end of the day, you spoke about Melbourne's completion, how relentless and how classy they were the whole game. It's just like, that would have happened to anyone they were playing pretty well. And, yeah. and there was a few barge over tries late where you're going, embarrassing. Mate, they were just gassed yeah. from just 79 minutes, 80 minutes, whatever, of being peppered. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, it's a bit harsh being too critical on them. Yeah, I, 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 I can't be too critical on them. Yeah, they might have made errors or whatever, but 
This was just an absolutely red hot storm. A red hot storm. And the first 30 minutes was a pretty good arm wrestle. Like up until Meany scored and off, off the like turned defense into attack. Like it was a pretty it was a pretty close contest up until then. Yeah, look, Dragons are such an interesting one because, like, they were my Smokies for the eight. Um, I probably would have. I don't think they're going to make the eight this year only because I think, like, there are other teams that have improved so much. When you add, like, Sharkies, Cowboys, Broncos to that, you know, top eight, all of a sudden it becomes really hard to make, yeah. really hard to make. The main saying that, like, I, I think they can win their next three games of football. They're, yeah. they're 11th at the moment. Yeah, that's true. They're not that far off the pace. Who have they got the next three, sorry? Um, it was – I just lost it. I think it's Warriors, Titans, Canterbury. Yeah. Fuck, but whose who's spot do they take? Because this is a top eight at the moment. Storm, Panthers, Cowboys, Sharks, Eels, Roosters, Seagulls, Broncos. And South aren't in it at the moment. And South are out of it. I mean, the, probably the only spot that they can probably take is at the moment Broncos or Roosters, I'd say. Yeah, I don't think the Roosters will drop out. But yeah, yeah. I moment, don't think the Roosters the, either. So, yeah. so probably the Broncos. Mm. And I would say the Broncos are probably playing better footy than the Dragons right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So interesting, interesting. The good thing is, is that although you know disappointing loss, they are still only eleventh. It's not like they're sitting, you know, fucking fifteenth or whatever. Um, so look, I just think it was one of those games where the chances of them winning so small, and on top of that, Storm came out and played fucking outstanding. So. Not, not, nothing to be too worried about. I think that the next month will be a really good indication of where they're going to end. Do we say the, no, the name Tyrell Sloan? Yeah, I mean, we say it every week. I don't want to add nauseam, but yeah, yeah I, th- I think he needs <laughs> yeah. to be back. I think he needs to be back. I think he never should have got dropped. Um, I don't think – I'm pretty sure their defence hasn't improved that much since then. Now, you could argue Moses and Byers had some try saves, maybe, maybe. But as a whole, I don't, I don't think they've been a better side with Sloan out of it. I think they need to bring him back. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, I, I will say, I think that the bird at six is, I'm warming to that. I'm warming to that over Ramon. I do think like sometimes in defense, he can struggle a little bit. So I'm warming to that, but I do think Sloan should be back. I was, I was going to mention that one. I was like, we, we chatted about it last week. He's like, all right, if you want to bring Ramon into the halves um, with birdie back from injury, all good and well, but it just wasn't the week to do it. Sure, yeah, nah, against not, not Melbourne. The week. It's like just... If that was the long-term plan, you want to just, just keep Birdie at 5'8", which has been pretty successful for them, yep. let's be fair. Just wait till this next, the magic round, but anyway, it's in the past now. Mate, so, so If you have a look from round two to now, they've scored above 16 points once in that time. Yeah, well. Mm. So they need they need fine points. They yep. need to find points. And it was 21 they scored against Newcastle. Yeah, okay. Um, but Dragons fans, I wouldn't be too concerned yet. Next month of footy... If you've lost most of those games, that's time to go. Uh-oh. Uh, now, fuck. Sharkies Warriors. What an incredible game of rugby league from the Sharkies. One of the most enjoyable things I've ever witnessed. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, I'm not even a Sharky. Like, Broncos is my team. But to watch those boys go out there with a man down and then losing another man for 10 minutes <sighs> and achieve what they achieved, I was just riding the – I was riding the wave with them. You know what I mean? I was like – when they went in at halftime, I'm like, could they do it? Could they do it? When and they came together at the end of halftime, yeah. it, something just I was, looked different I, about I could it. feel yeah. – like, I don't know. I just felt like – because I was like, if there is one team in the competition with Dale Finucane and Cam McInnes in it, and Wade Graham as well, these are the kind of blokes that do something special like this. They're the kind of blokes that can get the boys around them and go, boys, we have an opportunity here. And I think Nico Hines even said after the game in the interview that – it may have been Dale or Fitz, no, Fitzgibbon said, 
boys, we have an opportunity to do something great. Go out and play 40 minutes of footy and we can do something great. And they responded to that. One to 17, they were outstanding. One to 16, because one guy was gone for the whole time. Two to 17. Two to 17. Uh, what an absolutely incredible match. And I, I, put, I put it to you. I personally think that performance from Nico Hines is as good as any club performance by seven I've seen in a very, very long time. Yeah, I think um, it was league week. used to do the old out of tens, and a ten was very rare. Fuck, I reckon that'd have to push a ten. All Mate, things considered, fucking eleven out of ten. Yeah, he was without him. They don't come close to winning that game. He had something like five or six repeat sets. It was outstanding, like outstanding. I mean, you know. So we'll speak about Sharkies first, and then we'll get to the Warriors. But just to give you some like context on Hines, and as we always say, it's not a direct thing, but. Like his team, he's a halfback and his team played with one player down and two players down for part of it, mate. He got the second highest super coach score of the year so far. 132 fantasy points. Yeah. And he was playing fullback and seven. Yeah. So he would defend at fullback and then he would go up and play seven in the... Like, it was amazing. This is his stats. One try, two tries, 20 runs, 164 metres, five tackle breaks, two line break assists, Five offloads, 15 tackles, zero misses, zero misses, a field goal, three one-on-one tackles, 482 kicking metres, and about five repeat sets. He also scored his try against 13. Fucking amazing. Like, just... Yeah. Mate. Yeah. It just... What an absolutely amazing performance that... This sets them up for the rest of the year. They're, they're a threat. They're a threat this year. Now, I still maintain... Do they have long enough to find that, you know, that premiership winning performance this year? Maybe not, but I tell you what, fuck, they're impressive. What do you think about this game, Timmy? The other thing off Nico, like just to add another notch to how good that performance was, was the fact that last week against Brisbane, just about everything he did went wrong. Mm. Just one of them nights. It was just nothing fell his way. Yeah. So, you know, had every, every right to come into this game, a little bit down on confidence, new position in that, and then he comes in and does that against 11 and 12 blokes, whatever it was, or with 11, 12 blokes. Um, that's it. Like, it's easy. I don't think they can win the Premiership this year, more so because of just how good Penrith and Melbourne are. Like, mm. to get to that level is something else. But, you know, you go to 2016 when they won the competition, maybe they didn't have... I mean, Melbourne were, were red hot that season as well. And the Sharks weren't a flashy side. They were a grindy side that won a comp. And they didn't have to be relentless like a Penrith or a Storm outfit to win it. They've got the attacking upside to them there. They're a gritty side. The self-belief is obviously there. Their, the flexibility in their positioning, like um, how the utility value of so many guys in the teams, like Talakai, Connor Tracy, Teague Wilton, who had a shift there um, when the send-off happened. Like, they can deal with so many different in-game issues with ease and clearly in style. Um, They're bloody hard to knock, aren't they? Mate, it's just so, so impressive. What do you think, Guru? Yeah, and like you you mentioned that that 2016 side, like the big thing that year was that the guys they weren't paying much played unbelievably. Yeah. And mate, I, I, I look at their back line. Between Katoa, Ramey and Talakai, and then you throw in uh, Mulatala, Ikevalu, mate, all these guys are getting paid unders. Mm. For what they're putting out, they're getting paid huge unders. Connor Tracy would be exactly the same. It just allows you, you know, to have the forward pack that they have. Mm. Yeah. Oh, um, man. It is just so impressive. Look at this knock from Cam Guinness. 159 metres. 
69 post contact, two tackle breaks, 39 tackles, zero misses. Crazy. Yeah. And I mean, you got to remember as well that they were playing with 12 for the vast majority of that game. They were playing with 12 and then they were playing with 11 when they had to bring Wade Graham and Andrew Fafita onto the field. Mate, both of them haven't played rugby league. Yeah. There's no match fitness in no. the two of them. And, and Fafita was great. He came yeah, on and made some big plays, big plays. Like he's the kind of guy that the reason why he's so loved by the playing group is when the boys are down, he fucking steps up and he want, he, he, he loves that challenge. He loves that challenge. If you were to just watch that game, just, you know, you know the angle they use when it's just focused on the play the ball. Mm. And you said, guess which one of these two teams is missing a player. Yeah. There's not a hope in hell you would have picked the Sharks. Yeah. They were so quick through the ruck. They were just flying. Well, you know what they really did is they played very storm-like footy yep. where it was just, okay, we're a man down, so we're not going to be able to beat them out wide. Let's just be super quick. Don't worry about post-contact or anything like that. Just quick play the balls in their faces. And it's such a – if everyone's on board with that play style and you can execute it, it is so hard to defend. Um yeah, absolutely amazing performance by by. I thought Talakai was huge, 193 meters, 90 post contacts, seven tackle breaks, six tackles. Um, Jesse Raymond, aside from getting sent off, I think I think Katoa and Ramian have just been flying under the radar because of the bit the crazy side of Mulatalo Talakai, mm. but I think Katoa and Ramian like they they're so fucking good. They don't get the appreciation they deserve, especially a guy like. Well, Ramian's arguably having career best form, and so is Katoa. Like the amount of times Katoa would bring it out in a crucial time, and they needed someone to break the game open, and Katoa did that. Uh, he was outstanding. Um, McDowell Fanukin was jo- the battle between Lodge and Fanukin was I loved it because like what was good about that is like Lodge is you know in the peak of his career, he's relatively young compared to Fanukin, hasn't had his body bashed up as much. And what I loved about that battle is, okay, Lodge might have won that early exchange, but what you knew is Fanukin, that motherfucker isn't stopping. And so you bet you want you want to finish that. He's the kind of guy you better kill that motherfucker because he's going to come for eighty yeah. minutes. And guess who won toward, Guess who won in the end? Fanukin won in the end because he's a fucking soldier. He's going to keep coming. And there was every reason why he should have lost that battle. Every reason. He's physically like his body has been through way more. He's way older. He's smaller. And yet, yet, yes, he got ushed a couple of times. He just kept fucking turning up, kept turning up. And then by the end of it, he was a huge reason why they did what they did. Huge reason why they did what... I mean, his runs and his ability to continue to get back up after getting shot of the way he did exemplified what the Sharks were about that game was no matter what happens to us, we're fucking going to keep coming forward. Yeah, and we've been saying this the last few weeks. Like this, I think you mentioned last week, they had to play three games in 11 days, which is a very tough gig. And we said, you know, would this have happened if Dale was on the field? I think this shows that if he was playing the last three weeks, I think it would have been very different stories. Yep, no, I agree. And I just think that any club that didn't have a crack at Dale Finucane when he was on the open market, you should be having meetings about that and going, oi, whoever made that decision, you, you, we need to fucking yeah, be better. We out. need to be better. Because you need to be realising what this guy brings. It's more than just the performance on the field. It's it's the the standards that he sets. The stand, like. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Go down in, you know, the, the Sharkies history, anyone that was there, I'm sure, were just fucking buzzing, mm. buzzing. And what's great is, like, even just looking at the drone shot of the, the Sharkies ground, something special has happened in the Sharkies. Something special has happened in Cronulla Ways, uh, and it's a, a place ripe for a, a powerhouse to be built. Financially, it looks like they're in a really good position as a club. They've got all that real estate around it. I, mean, I think we might be seeing the birth of the next challenger. 
Yeah, it's probably best for our northies that the game was a Sunday other. Oh. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> Good God. Um, yeah, so you know, I thought Connor Tracy was outstanding. I thought, uh, you know, 135 metres, four tackle breaks, two line breaks, two tries. When you're bringing in guys like that to replace a guy like Mulatalo and he's doing that, club's in a great spot. I mean, what, what an incredible performance. Incredible. What do you, um, what do, you do? Like, I'm assuming, assuming that Will Kennedy's going to miss some footy. Do you move Moiser there? You play Connor Tracy there. What, what what do you do at the fullback jersey? You reckon? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, fuck, could bring Trindle straight in. Obviously, you could play Wade at five eight if you wanted to. There's a few options. Yeah, it's it's a tough one because Ramian's going to go as well. Mm, so yeah, you've true. got two suspensions. I think you probably put Connor in the centres. Um, maybe Nico back. Oh. I'd be hard. very hesitant yeah. so But like look what he did yesterday Do yeah. you play like that? Do you, do, you play, do you play him at fullback in defence And then get him to play seven in attack And then you pick mm-hmm. a six That is just a fucking great defender I, I just A seven or a seven that's a great defender Whoever But you just go mate You're fullback you in defence You just play Wade there just Yes So you play Moylan at seven Wade <laughs> at six Nico at, at fullback But in attack he's a seven Maybe I don't know I, I personally wouldn't Weaken a strength And I'd keep the halves And I'd just throw someone <laughs> Straight in like for like At fullback Whether that's But you've got centre And you've got centre And a fullback that are gone That's true But I, I don't know I just wouldn't I just wouldn't fuck with those Who would halves. you put there then? I'd put Maybe Me- oh, Metcalf maybe At fullback Is he still there? Could Metcalf? Be, yeah, Metcalf? He's yeah, still there could There is Metcalf. also that union player And there's yeah, also yeah, another yeah. young gun That's killing it in f- At fullback In Kate reserve Dykes. grade Kate Yeah Dykes, Dykes. Mm. So yeah, maybe we'll see his debut They've got We've got a bit of depth. We just named like 14 blokes. Yeah, okay. So keep, yeah. If you've got that options, then keep Nico at, at seven because he is just outstanding. Um, Tig Wilton, shout out to him. Yeah. I thought he was a beast on the edge there. Got through a ton of work. Obviously scored one uh, important try. That outline that he did was just fantastic. Braley was outstanding as well. I, I just think, I think Blake Braley is just going to a whole new level this year. Like he's really, his service is so crisp. It's so crisp. Um, so yeah, look, Sharky's fans enjoy that. That was incredible. I think as well, uh, Toby Rudolph on this side. Yeah, big bit of him. gear, but he's also you know you've got all <laughs> these serious heads in there, yeah. and he just brings a bit of a wild card to it. Yeah, he was uh, great too. He was great. Yeah, um, yeah, he's a perfect mix for him. Just per- that, yeah, yeah, you, you need, need that locker room. Otherwise, of, yeah. it's too serious, and you're not going to enjoy your footy. Um, so Sharky's fans enjoy it, and I tell you what, Sharky's a fucking. Something special is happening out the Sharks. Craig Fitzgibbon, what he is, like the Sharks for the since their 2016 or 17, there is no way a Sharks is that gritty. Like we have, haven't seen a Sharks that gritty. They had one of the worst defenses in the comp last year. Yep. This year they put on one of the best defensive performances we've seen in a very long time. Fitzgibbon deserves all the raps in the world. What a coach! What an incredible coach! Now onto the Warriors. Oh man, you get beaten by 70. Then you get that one-point win against the Raiders where you're very lucky to get it. It was one point. Yeah, one point. Very concerning. Very concerning. It's like they were stuck in quicksand yesterday, wasn't it? They just, like, you could just, every force, I bet you could see them all looking at each other just going, the fuck is happening? Yeah. I just, just con- <clears throat> I'm just concerned that, I think they need to recruit a few outside backs. I just think that they make a bit too many errors or maybe they just need to give the outside backs a, a lot of inexperience. Out yeah, a lot backs, of inexperience. Yeah. And, and they're I, all really talented young guys. But to put them all in at one time, yep. maybe a little bit too much. Uh, yeah, look, there's, there's no way to sugarcoat it. This was an extremely disappointing uh, performance by the Warriors. 
Yeah, I think uh, SJ will be very disappointed. He started um, so well, though. He did start well, yeah. I mean, when he took that first run, I sort of thought, yep. fuck, he he's on here, yeah. The Warriors are, have arrived, but, um, yeah. And it's it's the sort of game that the new, the new Sean Johnson we've got to know over the last four or five years, I thought he was going to dominate him. Mate, it was SJ for me that really disappointed me because – his game management and his experience has become so good in recent years that mm. I'm like, all right, pretty inexperienced lineup around him, particularly the back line. SJ switched on enough that he'll go, we don't need to overcomplicate things. Let's punch through the middle, punch through the middle, tire him out, the back end of the game, these overlaps will just be, we'll be walking through them sort of thing. And they were just spreading early and they, SJ just didn't get him around the park well. I thought he would have been the level head to calm them down in this one, and he, and he wasn't. Um, I think it's a, a bit of a blotch on his radar. I think he'll be fine, but oh, I thought he was better than that. And, and it's also harsh to put it just on him because there was a bloody ordinary performance. But to see the Sharks having like two, three-man overlaps at times when there was 12 blokes in the Sharks' side for that entire game, just about, I don't know how the hell it happened. Yeah. Like it's Me and Maddie were talking off air a little bit and saying, I reckon that that loss was well worse than getting 70 put on them by the Storm last mm. week because or the week before. Because the Storm put 50 on most teams. Yeah. But that was just bloody disappointing. Well, what about that play where they went out to the right and DWZ, you could tell there was nothing on. He just had to take the tackle and he sort of reached around someone and tried oh. to float it up. Yeah. And then uh, who was there to dive <coughs> on the ball? Andrew Fafita. Yeah. Like, I, in that moment there, I just sort of went, oh, fuck. Even, even that last try that the Sharks scored, like I know he got hit in the throat, that guy, but... It's like, hold on to the tackle. Yeah. Like, I mean, look, maybe he's got a serious injury, and if he does, then I apologise. Mm. Um, it was it uh, was it, it was Valia. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and look, if he's got a serious injury that he's going to be out for a, you know whatever weeks, then I apologise. But if it's not serious and it was just a bit like pain, you just got to be you just got to hold on to the ball mm. like for just two seconds, two seconds, yeah. just long enough to do. And I just thought that was a really good. I don't know. Yeah. So look, disappointing. I don't know where to put the Warriors. I don't know. There was a period there where I was going, fucking oath. Like, they've won three in a row. They nearly, if they had got a few calls against the Roosters, it's four in a row. But after seeing those two performances, that's just concerning. Just this concerning. This is one of those games that Warriors, until two years ago, for about the six years leading up to that, I'd be like, oh, this is the sort of shit that happens to the Warriors. Mm. And then all of a sudden, the last two years, they've been super resilient. They've yeah. been super tough in games. They've hung in contests. This is just something that I didn't expect to happen to these modern day warriors. Yeah. I feel like the club had sort of moved out of that period where just, I don't know how to describe it, seemingly weird shit just happens to them. Yeah. And they crumble. Torhu uh, Harris could not come back. Oh, yeah. yeah. What they would have given for his experience and level head in that, you know, it's only a back row. He's not calling the shots as such, but geez, they could have used him. So he should be back this week with a bit of luck. Uh, and strength wise, back row is quite a strong spot for the warriors, but. God, he'll bring a lot to him come back in. Well, he's the closest thing to Dale Finucane they've yeah, got. Yeah, very much Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. So hopefully the boys bounce back, uh, you know, because they need to. Uh, you know, they've shown that they can put wins together. So hopefully they bounce back next week. Uh, magic round's a huge round. Uh, yeah, just a, it's one of those games, man, one of those games that they'll look back on and go, what happened there? Like, what happened there? I think Nathan Brown, he'll be filthy, filthy. Um but yeah, that's do you it. watch the tape or not? I hey, probably not. It's not, it's not really much. To what do you gain from there. it? It's just like a just just 
one of the more disappointing performances that the Warriors yeah. have put on, unfortunately. Well, I think they have to because if it happens <clears> again, they need to be able to go, where did we go wrong? Yeah. And what are we going to fix next time a bloke gets sent off and we've got an extra man mm. the whole game? You yeah. have to learn from well, it. What about when you and Aiken came off and he got ruled off for his HIA and did you hear the commentators yeah. mention that they chipped the club off, that they can actually bring on their emergency mm. sub they hadn't realised apparently like <laughs> yeah. it was just no. a shambles of an afternoon it's a tough night it's just one of those things where ev- anything that could go wrong yeah. went wrong um, so yeah look to be fair look I thought Matt Lodge actually you know did play really well mm. um, I thought he was probably their best player um, you know he ran for 144 metres 23 tackles 50 post contact I thought I liked his attitude I liked him trying to shot a guy like Dale Finucan Uh yeah, outside of that, though, I, there wasn't really much to uh, celebrate. Wouldn't want to be playing Lodge and AFB next week. No, no, they're coming out swinging. Um, so, yeah, unfortunate for the Warriors. Hopefully they can bounce back because, look, the positive is is that, like, where are they sitting right now? They're still 10th. They're still 10th. So there's, mm. the season's not over. You, let's not – don't hit the panic stations and the season's over and rah-rah. Like, they're still 10th, and that's all due to their good work – Four or five weeks ago, yeah. and so if they can just sh- you know shore the ship, what have they got? They got South next week, who you know have been up and down, and then St George. If they can win these next two games, then boom, it's all good. Are they far away from getting home? It must be coming up now. I think it's soon July. I think it is something those lines. Yeah, but okay. anyway, look, they're still sitting tenth, which is they can fight. They can fight through this. They've just got to find a way to get that confidence back. Um, and look, maybe it was more Sharky's greatness rather than Warriors. Um, struggling, but uh, they're sitting tenth. They get a couple wins. Who knows? They could be sitting in the eight in a couple of weeks, and we're all sitting here going, "Just a bad memory." We're yeah. sitting in the eight. They're all good. They're not going to lose anyone during the Origin period. Yep. Realistically, they literally yeah. they win these next two games, and Broncos lose one of the games. They could be sitting in the eight. Yep. So it's not the end of the world. You know, it's not the end of the season. They're, they've put themselves in a position by getting those early wins to have one or two performances that aren't great, and then bounce back. And hopefully, they can. Uh, that is us for the week, guys. Uh, make sure to follow SC Playbook One on Instagram and Facebook, Rugby League Guru on Instagram, and Facebook. Subscribe to SC Playbook One's podcast and Rugby League Guru's podcast on all good podcasting apps. Uh, jerseys for sale, six pm tonight. Be there or be square. They will sell out quickly, I think. Uh, and as usual, I'll go and fuck myself. Thank you. <laughs>